Hey guys, how you guys doing out there tonight? Uh, welcome back to Fan Holes, Toku Thursdays. That's right, you're listening to our uh, semi-regular Toku show. Uh, we are doing some game tonight again. Well, we and Derek were talking about this before we got on. Uh, this is kind of a bittersweet episode of Toku Thursdays, because while we're doing game, we're also doing the last few episodes. We're, we're um, doing the last uh, half of the arc known as the Forbidden Fruit Saga. That's that's just sad, and I mean, it'll be fun to finish it because it is a good series, but you know, a little bittersweet. Um, as I just mentioned, me and Derek were talking about it before we got on uh, to do the show, so I'll go ahead and let people know that you're here to help me out to, to finally see if Coda has the power to become the one who controls the Forbidden Fruit. Hey, what's up, guys? I, I should feel like I should be like Eeyore and be like, hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. No, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I always get that kind of vibe. You know, when you follow a show for a really long time and then you kind of, you, you basically finish it off and it's like one of those things where you're like, oh, like there's not going to be any more new, you know, obviously there are some specials and other stuff that, that I haven't seen yet and I don't know which specials you have or haven't seen and we'll, we'll probably cover those as well, but, but this is kind of the nitty gritty, you know, wrapping up the, the, the series proper and everything. So I, I concur with your assessment. It is, it is a little bittersweet, but there was lots of awesome stuff in this too. So, you know, hopefully we'll get to, expose the listeners to, you know, the the scenes that we really, really enjoyed and all the cool, awesome... Usually, you know, even though it's bittersweet that it's over, like, usually the the finales in a lot of Japanese series seem to have the freedom to to almost have anything go because they're they're essentially wrapping up the series. They're not super concerned about sequelization like they are in the States because the sequel will more than likely be a whole brand new cast. So, you know, anything goes pretty much. So, so there's a lot of story opportunities and, and cool places where they can take the characters. So I'm looking forward to talking about that with you. Yeah. And I, I think it's pretty safe to say that, uh, spoilers or not spoilers, doesn't matter just because you have a favorite character, like Derek said, because of the way the, the show is pretty much a one and done, it's one season and, you know, you never know what may happen. Some of your favorites may not survive this story, so we'll just have to wait and see. Um, now, if you've been keeping up with us, and I hope you have, you know that the last episodes we did uh, involved our good friend uh, Kaito getting thrown into Soccer Realm. And then after that, we had a nice little, uh, I guess you would say, fun diversion with the Soccer special movie, which... Uh, you know, it was, it was a little bit more lighthearted, and it didn't really have a whole lot to do with the uh, current storyline. I mean, not as much. But now we're right, well, right back into the thick of things. It, it's interesting, though. Like, it's good that you bring that up because, I mean, it does sort of play a pretty big role in the end of the series. Yeah, true. So, you know, we'll we'll, we'll get to that, of course, as we uh, soldier on. So, um, yeah, we now just let you know, the Forbidden Fruit Saga is one complete arc, 
but it's such a big arc. Uh, me and Derek decided to do half and half, take a couple of episodes, then like do the special, and then do the rest of the episodes. So we're going to be starting off technically in the middle, but still, it's a good beginning point, uh, especially after the soccer special. And that because that becomes episode thirty-eight, the return of the professor. Dun dun dun. dun. <laughs> Now, if you remember before the soccer special, one of the big things was uh, Takatora and Michi were having this huge drag-out final fight. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, Takatora get knocked into the water, and we kind of pick up right after that. And Koda gets the, to the, the docks, and he uh, one thing we didn't see is, like, he he realizes he's too late, because he finds uh, Takatora's damaged Sengoku driver and Lockseed, and, you know, he's like he's kind of busted up about it, you know? <laughs> Well, it, it seems like he'd been running for the last umpty ump episodes, you know, to stop it. So it's <laughs> yeah. like he, he he ran and ran, and then he got into a change of clothes and did a movie, and then he got out of that change of clothes, turned back into the flannel shirt, ran and ran and ran, and then when he finally got there, he was too late to no one's surprise. So so there there is that aspect yeah. that was going through my mind, but I guess you're just supposed to think like he was he was racing over there and just didn't make it in time, and and he is. He is broken up about it because he, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think Coda being the lead character who is sensitive to all the characters in this piece, there is a lot of kind of, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I just want to say like, like a lot of times, like there are things where you, you want to have the satisfactory moment that get that cathartic moment of the good guy beating the shit out of the bad guy. And because of the way Coda is like there, there's, he doesn't consider a great many people the bad guy. So sometimes you are, you're, you're deprived of that moment because of his, yeah. his life stance and everything like that. And, and this is another instance where it's like, at one point, Takatora, you may have thought he was the big bad. At some point, you, you probably do think that Michi, because of what he did here, is the big bad. But you, you don't ever have Kota really taking that, that final sanction against either of those characters. You know, I know it's like, you know, spoilers, but like, I mean, there, there's a lot of that aspect to it where you're kind of like, oh, well, he, he you know, it, it seems like a lot of the characters keep pressuring him to go through with that. And, and this is that instance where, you know, he, he seems to, you know, want to find some kind of alternative to that, that final solution. Yeah, he, he's upset with Mitchie. He, he's, he's totally not approving of the actions he's taken. But even now, he still wants somehow to try to save him or try to like get him back to be the old Mitchie. And um, he's being watched, un, unbeknownst to him, by a mysterious figure. Oh, come on, we know who it is. But um, <laughs> the, the, the... I know, right? wonder what the name of this episode is called again. But um, yeah, the meanwhile, this is all going on down, though. We see Michi is back in the Yggdrasil Tower, and at, at one point he's very proud of himself. He's like, you know, he's he's gone beyond his brother's shadow. You know, he's like, you know, I've finally done it. I've taken over the family business, as it were, and I'm top, top dog, and Reggie's there, you know, being like the little, you know, fly in his ear telling him what to do. But something's wrong with Michi, and... He's kind of losing it more than he was because Takatora, she keeps showing up in front of him. 
my my note is oh raggy richie seeing roasts you know like that's <laughs> that's kind of what what's going on it's like he's seeing the dead spirit of his brother or or what he perceives to be his you know basically it's it's like you know it's like his conscience you know has is basically sprung up now that he's done this this you know heinous act and is basically you know it's very it's it's a very self-deprecating conscious you know like that it's like oh, oh yeah. you're you're a douchebag like why'd you do that you're scum and all this kind of stuff and of course he's constantly trying to reject yeah. that notion and is screaming back at the apparition but of course even Redu is like, oh my, have I broken this little boy now already? Like, it, it looks <laughs> like he's broken, you know, like, because he's obviously kind of lost it at this point. Yeah, it reminds me of many, like, Star Trek or whatever episodes of whatever science fiction show you like. And, you know, like, there's this person talking to someone who's either dead or not there. And there's, like, not usually it's a room full of people, but here's just Redu. But, you know, Mitchie's like, you know, Yelling at thin air, <laughs> just everybody's like, "What the fuck is going on with him?" So, yeah, yeah, yeah he's he's definitely, yeah. He, I don't know, he's I don't know if he's broken, but uh, I, I would definitely say he's lost maybe a couple spokes in his wheel. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so while Mitchie is having a slight psychotic break, uh, <laughs> we go back to the uh, gun garage, and Ryoba's there, and man, he's just such a dickhead. He's more or less making fun of Koda, like, you know, about Takator being defeated, because obviously he knows what went down. And uh, Koda is so pissed off, because, like, you know, he said, he, he become very, the very most fond of Takator. He, like, was at least uh, sympathetic to him. That he even turns into, you know, his guide form, and, you know, he's like, I'm, I will kick your ass, you know? <laughs> I, I just wanted to say, before you go any further, that, that I really, really thought it was cool the way they shifted the perspective with the transformation because a, a lot of times in these shows you you get to a point of formula where you know the the zipper opens up you know a fruit falls out of the sky it attaches to their head and then they they henshin they transform and that's the end of it and i thought it was cool because in this sequence it's almost like you the the camera perspective actually starts from helheim you see the crack open into our world and it's from the top down, and you follow the orange yeah. down onto his head. And that, uh, you know, I don't know if they'd done that before, but it was, like, one of the first times I'd noticed, like, they tried to switch things up. And I was like, wow, that's really, really cool. Like, I just thought that was a cool way to go about doing it since the series had been going on so long. And that they, you know, they're they're obviously trying to still find ways to keep it, dare I say it, fresh you know and and i thought it was i i thought it was i thought it was really cool yeah you, you, i mean it's, it's little touches like that that they don't need to do but it's always it's always welcome when they do that kind of stuff it's like oh that's that's neat i didn't never saw that before Ryoma does uh kind of calm down because he of course realizes that he if he gets into a fight not only would he have to deal with coda but you know knuckle man and also kaito are there and he's you know uh kind of even got his limited energy arms on and yeah, it's like Ryoma's they have like, like a. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like they have a nice little Mexican standoff going on where he's kind of like, okay, okay, I just really wanted to talk anyway. Are you guys ready to listen now? You know, and because because I mean he, it, it's weird. Like Ryoma comes there to talk, but he's he's not 
very tactful in how he addresses Kota, which leads Kota to want to fight with him, you know, because basically he's he's almost mocking Takatora's death because for him, it's like what they've killed him like five times now. And he's just kind of like, oh, you know, the the pang, the suffering, you know, and he's he's over dramatizing Kota's feelings, you know, and that's why it yeah. turns he's into that fight. Almost Doctor Smithing it, you know the pain, the pain. Yeah, 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 and 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 then it, and then that's when it turns into that little Mexican standoff, and then they're they're sitting there all surrounding him, which I thought was kind of cool. You know, the fact that they're like, okay, we got your yeah. back. Like we're gonna, we're it's like this guy might be tough to beat one on one, but we're gonna we're gonna take his wallet together, basically. And 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 he's kind of like, okay, okay, let's let's do what I came here to do, which is which is to talk. Yeah, cooler heads, you know, eventually prevail. And, yeah, Rambo was there to talk. He uh, <clears throat> did, you know, the most convoluted and, and frustrating way possible, but he was there to talk. And he's basically there to say, hey, listen, you know what? I, you know, Yggdrasil was pretty much like, you know, my baby. I know how to get in there, and I know one of the secret uh, pathways you can get in there. And, you know, they're like, all right. And, uh, you know, probably one of the people who I don't even say closest to him personally, but who was around him a lot. Monado is, you know, come on, we can't really trust him, you know? And, you know, like, you know, like she even points out, you know, like she, in her thinking, she's like, dude, like, a, totally, like, ran off on me when the investigation started. So, you know, it was like, it's interesting to see that uh, even Monado is like, you could question her motives for, you know, backing Kaido or, you know, backing who she backs. But even she is like, you know, Ram was a dick. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think they he tries to sell them on the plan as saying, well, these are only tunnels I knew about because, you you know, I, I think the Minato being there is kind of like, I don't know about any fucking tunnels, you know, like, like I would have told them if I knew about it. And it's kind of like, haha, but you didn't know about my my private tunnels. And it's like, oh, OK, well, that's that's something none of us knew, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not so much flatly stated, but it, it's not hard to imagine that Roma was either on the ground floor designing your Gorilla Tower or was like actually around when they were building it. So it's not hard to imagine that. So we kind of skip ahead a little bit later on that day. And we have Kaido, Mai, and Koda. You know, they're, they're actually, this is actually kind of a, kind of a sweet little moment because you don't usually see these three lately talk all three. You know, usually they're in their armored forms or there, like, you know, is one of the two pairings, either Kaido and Mai or Koda and Mai, you know, talking, or Koda and uh, Kaido. And they're talking about what's going to happen after the invasion, you know, what they would like to do with their lives. And you just, you know, you don't usually see that kind of stuff in action shows like this. Usually it's just big battle, big battle, big battle. And um, interestingly enough, while Mai and Kaido seem to have, like, you know, a plan for the future, at least, you know, like ambitions that they want to achieve. Coda doesn't really know what he wants to do. Yeah, I think I well, it's weird. It's like Coda wants to do like camera one, camera two, camera one, camera two, because <laughs> it's got it's weird the way they position like Mai and and Kota when he's talking to them, like either on like the the rightmost side of the camera or the leftmost side of the camera. But it's like it, it it's interesting because he he does have that kind of dilemma of he it, it almost seemed to me like and and this could be crazy, but like, I feel like this is that moment in, like, a, a, a romantic comedy where, like, you have to, like, 
sort of know that the character's in love with the other girl or whatever and, and like, commit to that or something like that. And, and like, it, I, I think... I, I don't know if Mai was, like, pressing for something like that. She probably wasn't, but it just seemed like... like I sort of seem to apply a more American sensibility to some of these things, and that's probably not all it meant. You know, it's probably a larger yearning for where he wants to go in life and what he wants to do, you know, but, and, and, and basically to him, it's a big question. So he can't answer it. So flippantly, it can't just be like, Oh, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to like eat marshmallows after the invasion's over. You know, it's like, well, that's not what they're really asking, you know? And, and, and he's hesitant to make a decision and, and he's got a lot of those Hamlet kind of moments, you know? I mean, it's the same thing we were talking about before, whether he's going to go through with, you know, uh, attacking someone that is now his enemy or try to save his enemy, you know, and, and he constantly goes into the hemming and hawing and, and trying to save the enemy. And, and, and then he here, it's like the same thing. He sort of hems and haws over the, the answer that he should give properly. And, and he almost ends up giving them pretty much like a non-answer. Like I'll think about it. And I, I've got an idea of what I want to do, but he doesn't really say anything, you know, and, and, and my, I guess that's good enough for her. And, and, you know, Kaito, it's kind of like, I, I guess it's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really mean, it doesn't really mean two shits to him either way, but, but in, in his mind, you'd probably be stronger if you actually just settled on, you know, what it is you're, you know, determined what it is you, you want to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, and, and it's also a point that, like, before he got his gun powers, and even a little while after that, Coda didn't really know what he wanted to do with his life anyway. And then when he got his gun powers and he started being more of a protector, that's what he wanted to do. That was like, you know, he's like, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm a protector. So when this battle is over, you know, do, does the, you know, Earth still need a protector like that? So he's also, I think, left with that. He's like, shit, this is about to be over. What am I going to do? <laughs> you know. So I think there's a little bit of that, too. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, like I said, uh, like you know, a, a nice little character building moment, you know, to see like what's going on. Um, we uh, flip over to the Helheim Forest, and Big Daddy Silva, he's all like giving Regu like a little bit of props for for work on helping to revive his queen. But uh, Regu is actually a little pissed because she's like, you know, you know, Big Daddy Silver, well, why do you give that little coda punk the you know forbidden fruit loxy to you know do the to, like, you know, be the next overlord. And this is where you kind of see more about what Big Daddy Silver is all about. He's all about the queen. And he's just like, uh, you know, whatever. This, this is a human species. They're going to kill themselves anyway. I'm not worried about them. And that just shows you that he really doesn't care. You know, the, this weird ants to him. It's not that, like, you know, he's evil about it. It's just that his only goal is to get his queen back and anything else is just, you know, inconsequential. So, you know, and like I said, you almost feel sad for him in some ways, but in other ways you're like, wow, he really does not give a shit. <laughs> so, Yeah. He, he doesn't, uh, it's, I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of these aspects to guy made me theorize and speculate on, on, possibilities and they didn't always all pan out you know like i was i was kind of wondering if big daddy silver would end up being like a manifestation of 
Sagara at one point, like that that that's something that he went through with his queen or something like that, and that turned out to be like a false theory of mine, you know, like where I was like, oh, you know, maybe it could be this or maybe it could be that, and 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 you start wondering, you know, because th- there there are parallels between it, it. It's interesting because he he really is a analog for Takatora in a way, but then as the series progresses, yeah. you see analogs within you know, Kota and Mai, you know, and it's like, we're not quite at that point yet. So there's, there was still this veneer of sort of mystery to it where you didn't, you didn't know everything as you were listening to them sort of pontificate the, the, the fate of the universe, essentially. Yeah. It's just, yeah, you, you, you get more layers of like big daddy silver and like what his like, you know, final end game is. And even if it's a well thought out one, it's like, he's just so obsessed as like, He's not crazy, but it's just like he doesn't seem he doesn't seem to have this well thought out either. He's just like I just I just want my girl back. Well, yeah, he, I mean, I don't know if it's not well thought out. It's just he's he's got a narrow minded focus, you know. Like he he you know, like you're saying, the the rest of of humanity are ants to him. So it it, it and it's not even that like it, I mean, if you think about it this way, it's like oh, if you had to like you know step on like two hundred ant hills to get your dead girlfriend back, would you do it? And it's like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, you know, like, yeah, it's like, it's like, or or even like, would you even stop to have a moment for the ants? Probably not. Do you know what I mean? Like there probably would be like absolutely no question, you know, like you wouldn't even stop to think about it. So I don't, I don't think, you know, it it just depends on your, your perspective and, and how you go about approaching you know, Big Daddy Silver as a character. Yeah. But yeah, we will leave him to that right now, him and uh, Red U. Uh, because, hey, Mickey's got to be, you know, I don't know if he's Mitchie Hunt now. Now he's just more like single white Mitchie. He's like pretty much stalking <laughs> he, by. He's like Mitchie Blowfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, we have uh, Maya and uh, Petco. Trying to get some supplies for the for the uh, team, you know, get some food and stuff. And bam, here's Mitchie, and he's uh, got you know. This some is of also. I, I don't know if this is commentary or whatever, but it's just like it's like the anti Walking Dead like <laughs> scene where it's like they come into the place and they leave yen and pay for everything. Like it's not like it, it's like I, I to me it's like it's it's like one of those things where most people have probably accepted that it's the end of the world so following kind of your your standard you know societal rules and everything like that you know yeah. and trade and and all that kind of stuff you know probably wouldn't apply to most people but but it shows you the mind frame and the headset like I don't know if it's it's just a plain old Japanese thing and the rules are the rules or if it's trying to tell you like that that Mai has hope that things are going to go back to the way they were and she's not going to stop doing things you know like basically she's not just going to go in there take all this food and not pay for it you know they're like well we think this should be enough and they can't make change but they leave them you know enough enough yen to cover you know all the supplies and food and everything that they take for their group so it's you know to me it's it's sort of smacked to me of like the anti-walking dead you know where it's just like they're still gonna (laughs) keep on going here because they they have faith that things are going to go back to normal by by the end of the series yeah yeah they're they're shopping but it's just 
technically stealing, but they did leave money. So you know, I mean, at least they they they, they tried. But yeah, Mitchie is is he's kind of gone past trying to talk my into joining his side with like you know platitudes of niceness and what he wants to. He's like more or less threatening her. He's like, if you don't join me, that's just going to happen. And you want to know what? Stuff like this, and one of he gets one of his monsters. This is uh, well, not his, but one of the. Uh, it's not an overlord, but kind of a uh, higher level invest uh, Shinmuguru to basically smack down Peko, and you know he, he beats him up pretty good. You know he doesn't kill him, but the, the dude's definitely hurting. No, he 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 fucks him up pretty bad. I I think it's interesting. It's almost astonishing the rationalization that takes place because it. That that's another part of where like you know Mitchie has like this warped sense of reality and he's starting to sort of you know not only is he seeing apparitions but he's trying to have a civil conversation with Mai and he's almost pretending like this high level invest is not beating the fuck out of Peko in the background it's almost like do you understand that if I if you don't come with me like. There could be some really awful stuff that happens, and he's not. It's like he's he's threatening her, but the, but the way he delivers it, it's almost like he's not even acknowledging that it's happening right behind him. And then and then when she finally kind of keys in on, okay, like just stop it, stop it, I'll come with you. And then he's like, great, finally, you understand, awesome. Like you know what I mean? It's almost like it's almost like they had their own little conversation in his world, and he didn't he's almost in denial that he had to basically beat the hell out of somebody to get her to go with him. Like to, to him, it's just like, Oh, I came by and she finally saw the light because I was so convincing, you know, like I was, I was yeah. so, I, I was such a gentleman and I was, I was, you know, I, I, I clearly explained all the flaws with her current state of thinking. And she realized the errors of her ways and is now going to come back with me to Yggdrasil tower, you know? And you're like, Oh, Oh, isn't that wonderful? You know? And it's, it's, it's almost like yeah. this distinct break from, from what is actually reality, which, which I thought was, I, I thought he played that very well. Like I, I like that. Yeah, he's, he's very proud of himself. You know, he's like, ha-ha, I did it. I made her see the error of her ways. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, Mai does go. Uh, it is willingly, but she is obviously coerced. She she really doesn't feel like she has a choice. Kaido and Kodo uh, arrive on the scene a little too late. And Peko, even though he's banged up pretty good, he's still conscious. And he's like, you know, Mitchie took my, you know, and, like, Kodo gets really pissed off. He, like, storms off. He's like, you know, I am going to beat the fuck out of this guy. <laughs> At least that's what it seems like, you know. It's like just his face for that one second. He just looks very angry. They finally catch up to them, and uh, Mitchie turns into Zangetsu Shin, and he's actually uh, giving Kota a pretty good beating. He's uh, definitely more than holding his own. However, See, this is this is where like I, that that element I talked about comes into play because you you've got the one aspect where you're like you know the the power level aspect where you're like if he could smite Michi by turning into Kiwami arms he should do it right now but he doesn't yeah and then and then what you're led to believe is that even though Michi is clearly beating the fuck out of him and and Michi ends up defeating both him and Kaito like. 
I could understand and appreciate that Mitchie's gotten better. You know, he's had that fight with Takatora, who was also holding back on him, and he had, like, other, you know, fights leading up to this. So it's like, okay, he could have gotten more skilled, he could have gotten more proficient with the use of Zangetsu Shin, but also, it's like everybody else was fighting him with a handicap. And I feel like that's one of those things where it's like, it's for me, it's hard to gauge Mitchie, because I feel like... It, it, it's kind of like, you know, and, and dare I bring it up, but it's like, to me, it reminds me of people going, well, Batman totally owns Superman and Dark Knight Returns. And it's like, you know, for the fanboys who, like, take that stance, it's like you don't understand, like, he, he basically the whole fight, he's kind of like, listen, I don't want to explode you into gooey bits. Like, please don't make me do this. Do you know what I mean? And that's basically what's going yeah. on here. You know, it's like, it's like Kota probably could do that, but he just doesn't want to. And because he doesn't want to, like that ends up creating those those moments of hesitation where Mitchie can do like his, you know, you know, eighty seven hit combo from, you know, uh, primal rage or whatever. You know, it's like, you know, combo breaker or whatever, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, like even if he's not aware he's doing it, like and there's probably a little part of him somewhere in the back of his head is, that knows this. But, like, Mitchie's probably greatest weapon is that hit. a lot of the people he's been fighting don't want to fight him, you know, and they're, mm-hmm. they're very, you know, torn about it. And that just, yeah, like I said, lets, them get, lets him get in free licks. And it doesn't matter how powerful you are. You know, I can wear a suit of armor, but, you know, if I run from your machine gun, I'm okay. But if I just stand there and take it, I'm going to get hurt. You know, it just, it's just a matter of time. But, yeah, uh, Takatora, though, shows up again, you know, goes to, goes to Tora. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, the spirit of Common Rider's past. And Mitchie, you know, stalls for a minute. He's like, you know, he's like, get your cat out of my head! You know, like, stop this. This gives uh, Kaido a chance to catch up. And, he, you know, him and Kaido, uh, Koda team up and, you know, try to block off Mitchie's attacks. Mitchie is, like, in full, like, berserker, berserker barrage <laughs> mode. And he's um, still doing pretty well. Um this, of course, Dakota comes to a point, even though he doesn't want to hurt his friend, he does finally, after doing his best not to, like, trying to find him just to, I guess you would say, uh, subdue him and not, you know, hurt him, he does assume Kawami arms. And even then, they're still having a little bit of a tough time, because even though he's on full power, he's still holding Max, still. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it is pretty much only Takator that shows up. Again, you know, in ghost form, like right in front of him, and you know, Mitchie's just like, you just, you know, because of it, he's he just lets them get away because they're they're kind of hurting. They like Coda especially. Like, I think Kaido would have been more into the fight, but he knows that Coda's heart's not into it, so he's like, we just got to bug out until you figure out what's going on in your head. And you know, Kaido is even sitting there saying, you know, like that's not Mitchie. You know, that is not him. And, you know, you got to watch out, Coda, because unlike you, it seems like he's gotten, like, almost out of all, like, he doesn't know about Takator, obviously. But he's like, you know, he's like, seems to have given up on fear and hesitation. And if you don't do that, he's going to beat you. Yeah, well, they, they have that conversation about how he's basically, you know, and, 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 
Kota notices it as well that that he's got a newfound sense of determination, and they they sort of attribute that determination as to why he's as strong in battle as he is. You know, he's basically abandoned any of his his you know shortcomings, anything that makes him hesitate. You know, and so based on that, you know, that had made him stronger. You know, any of his you know basically like 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 shedding all your weakness and then you know basically you know, moving forward without any hesitation or, or even, you know, and, and I think Coda is loaded to the gills with it. You know, he's, he's the character, you know, oh, yeah. he's got, he's got all the Mr. Cap, you know, sad sack, Optimus prime kind of baggage of, you know, what do I do? Like, like, should I do this? Should I do that? You know? And, and that's no way to, I mean, that's what you're saying. Like Kaido's like, that's no way to, be in the middle of a fight, you know, you either have to be committed to doing one or the other, you know? Yeah. You, you can't just be like, I'm going to fight you. I guess you know, just, it, it won't turn out very well for you. So, um, I wouldn't say this leaves on a cliffhanger, but leaves on a somber note. It's like, you know, Coda, like, he, I think he does realize what kind of saying holds water, you know, he, he doesn't want to accept it, but he's like, you know, just again, like that kind of like feeling he's like, you know, he knows it's true. It's like, I, I can't, you know, I can't hold back anymore. But he's, we'll have to see if he's able to do that. I think this is a pretty good return for the soccer uh, episode, especially because this is, you know, knees, you know, knee deep, knee deep in the water as far as the uh, plot line of uh, Yggdrasil, the end of the world, and Mitchy and all, all this stuff, you know. So it, it was kind of nice to return to form. Like, like we said, we enjoyed the soccer episodes. But they were a diversion. They were like to kind of give us a breather from the uh, Forbidden Fruit saga, and I mean, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all going right back into it. So um, I'll go first on my pineapple rating. I give this one a four. I give it a four. I think we're secret brothers because I also will give it a four pineapples. I mean, I thought it was a good return to form. I think they had a lot of different aspects that were enjoyable. I mean, obviously, this comes in the middle of of you know like basically you're 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 in the middle of a story so there there were some things i think they needed to hold off on like they couldn't have a final fatal battle between you know Michi Kota and Baron in this episode you know they needed to stretch those things out a little bit so so the 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 way that the the fight broke up and the retreat happened you know i don't know if it was perfect but you know i i understood why it was happening for the the story purpose yeah, it was, it was a little abrupt, but you know, like like you said, you know, we 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 don't want that fight yet because we still have some stuff to do. So we want to save that fight for like you know the big moment. So doing it now would have been, you know, throwing all your ducks in the pond at once. So I, I agree with that. You know, it was, it was just a good way to get back into it because I have a feeling that a lot of people were like us. You know, after the soccer stuff, we were ready to get back into the story, but you just can't throw everything. You know against the wall at once. You gotta kinda of space it out so it's more enjoyable. So I mean hey, four pineapples is not bad at all though. So yes, that was the return of the doctor. And Ryoma really wasn't in it that much basically. <laughs> yeah, they're they're sort of planning the they're they're sort of planting the seeds of that story, you know, and it'll continue on in the other episodes. But this was just the the initial part of it and, and it'll play more, you know, come come more into fruition as we continue the episodes in the in the saga. Yeah, exactly. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. 
What has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi, folks. Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. So that was uh, episode 38, and now we move on to episode 39. And I, I don't know why this, is, this seems like a more lighthearted title than what actually happens in the episode, but um, the do-or-die tower-breaking strategy. Um, yeah, this is episode 39, so we are, like I said, after, at a certain point, we just jump into episodes, like everything kind of takes off at a breakneck speed, so we don't have a whole lot of time to uh, reflect on everything that's going on. So, we're back in the Gaim garage, um, in case you've forgotten already, Mai has been abducted. You know, she, she went willingly, but only because she wanted to save her friends. And Koda's, like, becoming impatient, you know. He's, he's, like, he's like, you know, we need to do more. We need to do more, you know. It's like, they're taking civilians, they've got Mai, you know, and, like, they, they, actually, for once, everybody seems to agree, you know. They're like... We need to get some stuff done, you know. <laughs> we're we're kind of taking a lot of shots here. So what they decide to do is, you know, uh, get out of Zawami, you know, at least you know to to kind of uh, save some people, you know, and do that kind of thing. Well, the the reason why they have to get out of Zawame is because part of the plan that that Ryoma brought forth is that he was going to lead them to this secret entrance, but the secret entrance cannot yeah, be, not the city. yeah, it's, it can't be accessed from within Zawame. So in order to do that, they have to, you know, take a ragtag group of, you know, Gaim guys and, <laughs> and, and go basically, you know, go outside of the city limits and then try to track their way back through these secret tunnels from the outside. Yeah. Um, after a little bit of fun times traveling and stuff, uh, you have you have some moments with like uh, all the various writers, like you know Oren and all them guys. You know they get they actually get to the the guard the the entrance, and there's it's not really guarded, but this is because there's events appearing all over the world, so things are being you know delegated to other uh, aspects. Did, did you did you enjoy the like kind of trip to the the thing? Yeah, I, I liked it. I mean, I, I guess I, I guess I get what they expected to find because the I think the idea is Zawame was supposed to be like no man's land and Batman. You know that 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 city was essentially cut off from the rest of the world. 
But what they do find once they get to the limits is that nobody's actually guarding the city limits. And then, you know, Ryoma's basically just explaining because of everything that's happened thanks to him, you know, that that basically the world's got its own problems. There's cracks all over the place. So there's no point in isolating Zawame because at this point, with all the the missiles that got stopped and and the retaliation from that opening all the cracks from Helheim, it's like the rest of the world's got their own invest problems to deal with. So nobody's basically nobody's going to try to keep them within city limits. And when they exit city limits, again, it it reestablishes what you thought you knew because you'd think once they got out of Zawame, it'd be like smooth sailing and they wouldn't have to fight anybody. But since there are all these new cracks opening up all over the world, it's like they run into tons and tons of invests so it's it's almost like a i mean i I keep bringing it back to like a anti-walking dead thing but like it it does have that walking dead feel to it where you know there's all these deserted parts of town and then the next thing you know they're surrounded by invests and everything and you know that basically like you know like you're saying you've got you've got bravo or Orin, you know and chip sitting there you know jonichi and then they're like, go ahead, move forward. We'll handle these guys. And I was like, wow, they're really, you know, they, they, it's weird. They have a lot of these faux Butch and Sundance moments where it's like, go on ahead. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't have told them to go on ahead because there's only two of us and a hundred of these invests, you know, or whatever. But it's like they really, you know, they put on a good show or whatever and, and, and basically help, you know, the, the rest of the, the, you know, team guy, I guess, you know, uh, continue on in their, in their journey and everything like that. And, and there, there were some good moments in, in the episode where, like, you know, I, I like the part where, you know, Ryoma keeps talking a bunch of shit and everything. And, and because basically they've left, you know, they've left behind, you know, Oren and Junichi and everything. And, and he's kind of like, yeah, I, I forget what he says, but basically it's like, it's no big deal and this and that. And, and Kota has that moment where it's like, how can you say that? And this and that and this. And then, and then Kaito ends up punching him in the face, you know, anyway, you know, and it's like that moment where he's like, they're like, oh, Kaito, I thought you didn't care about it. And he's like, yeah, I don't care about those guys, but you start, you know, mouthing off again. I'm going to fucking knock you down. <laughs> <laughs> like so, don't fucking mouth off. Like, yeah, it, you know, it, it's like kind of it at least appreciates your sacrifice. You know, he doesn't like. He's not like, oh, my friends, but he's like, hey, those guys were brave. Shut the fuck up, you know. So. Yeah, they 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 did what they they had to do. Um, you know, in in the sequences where they cut back to uh, Mitchie in the Yggdrasil Tower, I thought it'd be worth mentioning that. I know I've made comments before about how they would dress my up and it's like, she's playing grown up or something like that where, you know, sometimes the clothes are too (laughs) baggy or, or she just doesn't look her age. Like she's dressing her age. And this is interesting because I thought it's, it's interesting because, you know, Michi is kind of dressing like Takatora now. So there, there is, I suppose you could, you could, say, you know, fair is fair and say that, you know, Michi looks kind of ridiculous trying to dress like his brother in a way, but it's like, I, I think the way yeah. he ends up the the way he ends up dressing her up in this sequence, like basically like it, it kinda reminded me a little bit of like Fist of the North Star where like they've got, you know, Julia up there in the tower and everything and, and basically, you know, it's like you've got uh Kinshiro's gotta like fight to get her and everything and then his best friend has her and everything like that. And so there there is that aspect of like this is this almost 
you know, post-apocalyptic world per se. You know, it's, it's got the veneer of one. And so now up in, in Yggdrasil, it's like you've got Mai there. And she's got like this this white kind of dress. But it's like it, it's a little more adult because it's like, you know, it, it's funny. It's cut short and she's got like the high heels on and everything. And then she's got like, you know, I guess, you know, lipstick and all this other stuff. But like, she still looks like my, so it was like, to me, it was like, she, yeah. she was dressed a little more adult. You know, you, you got the idea, like, you know, I mean, she's like, I'm going to have you by my side and you're going to be my queen. And this is what you're going to yeah, do. This is, and, this is and, like, yeah, this is how Mitchie wants her to look. You know, this this is my perfect wife. You know, my future yeah, wife. You know, yeah, and and but but what's interesting about it is it didn't look, it, it didn't look sort of funny to me. It didn't look like she was playing at being a grown up. It looked like she she could actually pull this look off. You know, and and still be my. You know, and yeah. and 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 of course at these moments, you know, my also gets gets in, some insight into uh, Mitchie's broken spokes basically you know because she also sees him sort of you know yelling at the apparition and realizes he's he's yelling at nothing and he's not quite all there basically yeah he's yelling at the walls um yeah it was interesting what you're talking about Ryoma because even when he's quote-unquote helping I mean we know that he's always got ulterior motives but even when he's like you know trying to be a good team member quote-unquote he's still like picking at Kaido and stuff and saying you know stuff like you know like Man, I read you, you know, like, she didn't seem like she, you know, hurt Kota too much. Maybe there's someone stronger than an overlord, you know? Because, of course, Kaido doesn't want to hear that shit. He doesn't want to hear somebody stronger than him, you know? And he's like, he's getting pissed off Ryoma. He's like, I think that's one of the reasons why he punches him. It's like, yeah, he he was kind of, you know, respecting Oren and Junichi, but he was also kind of like, any excuse just to punch your smug little face, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, definitely. So, um, but, yeah, they, uh, they, they get uh, further along in, like, the uh, path. This is not a quick path. I mean, you have to remember, they're outside of Zawami, so it's kind of a long way. But Ryo forgot to turn off security. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> so this uh, leads... Uh, the, the the team that they have, by the way, is Kaido, Minato, Ryoma, and Koda, and Zack. And Zack, Minato, and Kaido have to take on a shit ton of water, like automated watermelon arms and the tulip harpers. This uh, leaves just Coda and Ryoma to move on without him. And like I said, that, it smacks so much that that was a setup by Ryoma. It's like he yeah. wanted to get Coda alone with him. Yeah, like the, the the way, you know, especially the way, it's like, it's one thing when when Oren and Janichi got peeled off from the group, but then when this turn of events, you know, leads to basically the, the rest of the team getting peeled off from Kota and it's just Kota and Ryoma together. You're like sitting there going, I think this is actually going according to Ryoma's plan perfectly. You know, that, that he's got all these, these things set up and this is the way he actually wants it and everything like that. I mean, and, and it's interesting too, because they're kind of setting up that there's going to be this, this rival fusion between as, as our buddy Mike likes to say, the rival fusion between Ryoma and Kota, but you don't quite know what's going on because you're like, well, he's trying to peel off all these guys. I, you know, to me, I'm thinking you better watch your back Kota, you know, because, because Ryoma's likely to stab you in it. Um, and then, and then yeah, I, uh, this, this does have a cool moment though. Cause we get to see Zach and watermelon arms. They like, 
toss him the lock seed, and he gets to get to wreck shop for a minute. So that was a nice little moment. Well, yeah, yeah, when Kaito throws him the lock seed, and he gets to do the, the watermelon arm stuff, that was pretty cool. I mean, that whole fight sequence was fun. Like, you know, it's cool seeing all three of them together and kind of working as a unit, and they're, they're you know, running around and, and taking out all the different, you know. And, and, and it seems like the idea that, that the watermelon lock seed is powerful, but when it's not operated by a human person, it's a little kind of lackluster, kind of like the whole, you know, Megatron controlling, you know, automated drones and beast machines. Like it's not quite as good if you don't have a spark basically. Um, And then, and then one thing I think that's pretty important that we didn't talk about and, and goes back to the whole backstabbing stuff is, you know, Mitchie may have a couple broken spokes on the wheel and he may be losing it, but he also kind of knows enough not to leave Mai with Redu. And so he basically takes her to Helheim and kind of entrusts Big Daddy Silver with her. And it's like this idea of, for him, he's kind of saying, look, this is the only thing I think is worth saving. So go ahead, feel free to examine it and judge humanity based on her merits because, uh, you know, everything else be damned, but I, I don't want anything to happen to this, this woman, you know? Yeah. And uh, we'll find out a little bit about that near the end of the episode, but yeah, they, they managed to get inside finally, uh, Coda and Ryoma and they're, uh, they, they're trying to find the, the civilians, the ones who, and then, also, Coda's sister, who are hooked up to these, these machines, and you know uh, they're they're having some trouble because Shin Megurun, the, the guy that uh, beat up Peko, uh, shows up and starts kind of smacking him around a little bit. And the thing that's really funny is Ryoma. <coughs> say what you want about him, but he's always a scientist. Even in the middle of the fight, you know you have Ryoma in armor and uh, Coda assuming Kawame arms. And even then, Ryoma was like, you know, like doing mental, like, gymnastics, you know, taking in, like, you know, how powerful Kota is, like, you know, aha, uh-huh, so he could do this, aha, uh-huh, he could do this, you know, it was like, you know, it, it, he's, he's, he just never stops analyzing and observing. So I thought that was kind of a, you know, not only a, a nice little thing, but also just so much in character. It's just like, yeah, this guy is always a scientist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and beyond that, he's always looking for an angle, you know, like, and, and usually science is his means to to uncover that angle. Yeah, exactly. As as they do, uh, uh, Koda finally beats Shimagurin uh, down, and they, they do the do the thing where they uh, take him out with their, with their special move. And they're like, well, we got to find these civilians. we got to find my sister. He's really worried about his sister, obviously. Who wouldn't be? I mean, that is, you know, his blood. But, yeah, like I said, Mickey is, like, you know, very proud of what he's done with Mai. You know, he thinks that he's, like, at least, even if she doesn't want to be there, coached her where she's like, okay, I have no choice. I'll be your, you know, I'll be your bride, you know, whatever. Just don't hurt my friends. And um, Taktor is, of course, still fucking with him, you know, and... Like, it's funny, it's true. He, he's, like, even going even deeper, saying, like, no one will understand what you've done. No one's going to take your side. What are you talking about? Like, you know, you're you're just doing whatever you want, and no one's going to even, you know, kind of, and it's kind of strange because it kind of echoes Takatora, because a lot of people didn't understand what he was doing. But, however, where Takatora is coming from a noble place, like, Mitty is coming from a rather selfish place. He just he wants you know to save the people he wants and make the world in his own image and I I really think Takatora really did want to save as many people as he could but uh, yeah Michi finds out that Rat and Rika are some of the ones 
remember them. They they like came face to face with the <laughs> the Overlord in that, a couple of episodes back. They got hooked up to the machines, and you know, it's like this is how far Michi's gone. Where he originally was like, "I will spare you," you know, like just you, you can leave. When he finds out, he really doesn't seem to care. He's like, they deserved it. They were trying to stop the like, you know, plans of the overlords. Those are my guys. So, screw you. It's like, wow, Mitchie. <laughs> you know, it's like 180. You know, it's like I guess that's how far the wheels are coming off. He's 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 even okay sacrificing his friends. It's like you you were like kind of not understanding him wanting to fight Coda, but you're like you you saw that progression of him like becoming jealous of Coda, then becoming you know almost at a point of just bitterly jealous. But with his friends, he seemed like he wanted to save them. And and now he doesn't care. That's his old life. You know, he's like, got my plan. You can't help me. I give no shits. And, you know, even now, even though he sent uh, my two big daddy silver, he's a little annoyed because he wanted her to be safe. And he, I think he has some faith in big daddy silver, you know, that my will show him that humanity is worth saving. But Raju is like, I'm doing this, but I just wanted to be bait. You know, <laughs> I don't really care about your plan. And it's kind of showing a little shift between those two. And, you know, it, it seems like for every victory Mitchie gets, he has like two setbacks, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, yeah, and that's that's usually what, what unwinds him for the most part, or, you know, where, where he's kind of like, you know, he he always has that breakdown moment of why don't people do what I tell them to do? You know, like that kind of thing. Like, cause he, you know, he thinks he's setting up a chessboard and, and moving everything into place, but then somebody comes along and like wipes the board clean and going, ha we're playing checkers now. And he's like, that's not how we play chess. <laughs> you know, and he gets all fucking indignant about it and everything, which, you know, it, it can be, it can be entertaining to see that as well. I mean, in in a twisted way, like you can see, you know, Red Dew's point of view where she's kind of like sitting there going, oh, this, you know, this monkey is fascinating. You know, <laughs> like this is very interesting. <laughs> and it's like, it's like we're, we're also yeah, observing, we're, we're also observing the drama unfold just like she is. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a, another really fun episode. Um, but yeah, we do live on that cliffhanger of like, you know, him kind of, unhappy with how things have gone and yeah my is now it's like her her situation goes from bad to worse first she was with mitchy and stuck with him and now she's with big daddy silver and that's that's never good but uh, I'll, I'll let you do your rating first since i did a, mine first last time uh, i just i gave it four pineapples i mean i thought it was i thought it was a good episode it's it's in the the nitty-gritty of the mythos there wasn't a whole lot of you know, comedic content and everything. I, like I said, I enjoyed the whole, you know, anti-Walking Dead bits. I think the bit where Kaito punches out Ryoma was really great. And, you know, I, I thought that overall it was a, it was a pretty above, you know, I mean, it was way above average episode and it was entertaining to watch. So I gave it, I gave it four pineapples. Um, Unlike last time where I seemed to be a little harsher, I guess, because, you know, like you said, I've seen them all. We are in the thick of it, and I'm going to have to echo your statements. It's, it's another four pineappler. It's It's got great action. Like you said, that uh, fight between, you know, Minato, uh, Kaido, and Zack against, like, all the automated drones, really fun stuff. And, you know, yeah, just, like, so many things were brought up. You know, like I said, we have mind trouble. We have the team, like I said, you know, a ragtag team of <laughs> common riders trying to save humanity. If you could find them... And you're in trouble. 
you're going to call the fruit team, you know? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, this is just another, like, yeah, but it's going to be so hard to give these bad ratings as this goes on because things just keep going and going and going and they get more and more fun and more impressive. And we'll, we'll see. We'll see, though. We'll see if anything dips below the four, four pineapple marker we seem to have said. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're Starfleet officers. Now start acting like it. Oh, it's just Gary. Plain, simple. Yeah. Dex, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. It's much more to become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. Starfish, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. Oh, I love a woman in uniform. Only on All right, so that was episode 39. Now we move on to a more sinister titled episode, uh, Awakening the Overlord. This is episode 40. We are in the 40th hour. We're getting so close, like I said, it's almost like anticipation. I'm, I'm so excited to talk about this stuff. Um, when we last left off, you know, I said, not a lot of breathers here, guys. Cody and Rama are uh, looking for the civilians, especially Akira. And, and they, they find the room, and they get in there, and they see that they, they're using these, this equipment to siphon off their energy to revive the Overlord Queen. Um, they're about to jump into it, but Reju appears to fight them. And, of course, Reju, not being an idiot, she kind of drives them away to the outside where, like, you know, they don't have a chance to unhook anything or mess up with the machinery. Uh, one thing Reggie does, though, during this fight that's interesting is she's kind of a hypnosis attack. And I can't remember, Derek. I don't think she's used this before. I don't remember it. I mean, I, I kind of labeled it as, like, role reversal hypnotism because of what what she ends up doing to, to Kota. I did think that, I mean, I know you said everything kind of moves fast and fancy-free once we really get into the nitty-gritty. I, I think some of the stuff that was interesting about that beginning sequence is that Ryoma again is is very sly and you know even though he's got his his you know scientific cap on and he's asking questions and trying to discern things and figure it out he also is kind of you know playing the two where it, it's almost like there's that thing of you know Koda's kind of like hey are you going to transform with me and help me with this asshole or not you know and it's kind of like oh very well <laughs> yeah. like I, I will I will help you now like well I'll actually get my hands dirty it's like I just wanted to talk but I guess we'll have to beat you up and then we can talk you know like and it's like I guess that's how things are going to roll now and and the other thing I thought was really really cool was you know the the way she sort of gets them out of that room 
I, I love that scene where she basically like smashes them through a bunch of ceilings and then they basically it's like we want to take this fight to another set, a different parking garage somewhere else, you know, so it's like, how do we do that? It's <laughs> like they he, he she picks up both of them and then does this like spinny spin thing and then they smash through like, you know, I don't know what must be like, you know, 10 different ceilings and then they bust out on this basically in this other you know, uh, you know, shooting location, and then they continue the fight there. But I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a very cool little move by Red Dude. Like, like I said, change of setting. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like I said, you know, Red Dude does use her her googly eye like power on Coda, where he's kind of like out of it for a second. Uh, Ryoma, of course, being the uh, very honorable guy, he is attacks Red Dude and cuts her in half and kills her. No, I'm kidding. He fucking runs away, of course. Um, <laughs> come on, it's it's it's, it's Ryoma. Now, Koda, like I said, he's kind of in a thrall right now. He's like a little woozy and out of it, and he's uh, seeing the city, and there's no invest. But the like all the people, the townspeople, they're there, but they're running for their lives from him. And he's like, "What the hell is going on?" And very similar uh, echoing of uh, poor uh, Hase. He like lifts his hands up and he like he's like he's he's like half you know invest to him you know he's like ah what the hell <laughs> you know yeah I thought I thought this was almost like a Twilight Zone episode you know the whole kind of role reversal I mean you're you're definitely supposed to think of when he fought Yuya in the first episode and and think perhaps that the same emotions and feelings that he's having would have probably been the same that Yuya may have had if he was still cognizant of what he was doing, I guess. And and that's why I kind of called it like role reversal hypnotism, because it's like he's getting a perspective of what it's like to, you know, become basically an invest and, and how people react to you know, humanity reacts to, to monsters and everything like that. And, and, and it's, it, it was, it was cool. Like, I mean, I, I think though that, that like the, the one criticism that I label against the character is he, he almost is too, has, has too much empathy sometimes, you know, like where it's like that, that almost paralyzes him because he's, he's so sensitive to, to the circumstance that he's in. It's almost like, you know, yeah, okay, Yuya turns into Gaim and starts, like, slashing him in this, you know, weird dream sequence and everything. But it's like, does he... It's almost like one of those things where it's like you have to wake up and realize it's it's a dream or a slash nightmare or something and stop it. You know, like, the way people talk about, like, sort of controlling your dreams and that kind of thing. And it's like, in this, especially for the first half of it, because of the way... You know the story is structured, and and our our hero has things to overcome before the episode's conclusion, like like you will in most story structures. Um, but he he is really just uh, you know there's lots of kind of like screaming and crying and kind of like girly stuff going on, like from my perspective, you know where it's like, and I'm not saying it's not horrible and it's not worthy of having those moments. But it's interesting because this isn't an episode of Twilight Zone. It's not just the everyman waking up and realizing he's slowly turning into a bug and getting hunted by, like, his wife and kid or something like that. It's 
our hero yeah. doing this. So it's like at some point you, you know, I mean, you get to it eventually, you know, and, and that's, I guess what you're kind of waiting on, but, but you, you really have a thirst and a yearning for him to kind of go like, all right, you know, this, this is paralyzing and this is a, a bad thing. And, 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 you know, from, from walking a mile in, in someone's shoes who was slowly turning into a monster. Like I have a newfound understanding and all this other kind of stuff, but you do kind of want him to eventually go, all right, fuck this. I'm fighting the good fight again. And you know, it takes, it takes a while to get there, I think. Yeah. And, um, speaking of walking in someone else's shoes, um, you, you appears and you know, he's like, you know, um, pretty much the whole spiel of, like, you know, halt, monster, you will not, you know, destroy the the city while I'm here. And, holy shit, he turns into Gaim. And <laughs> this, of course, also makes Coda freak out, because, you know, he's Gaim. I'm Gaim, dude. What are you talking about? And I and I guess because because Yuya's dead too that would that would freak anybody well, yeah, that out. Would, yeah that also doesn't help yeah <laughs> I I think I I I was curious because I'm I'm wondering because my my track record is like obviously I watched the soccer movie before we watched this so I think seeing Yuya in the soccer movie sort of maybe nullified some of the dramatic effect of him showing up in this episode. I was just curious, like, how did yeah, you... Yeah, like, just saw him, yeah. Yeah, did you, did you watch... I, I imagine you did not watch that in that same order. So was this was this much more of a, a shocking kind of reveal to you, even if it isn't a, like, dream sequence, like seeing Yuya again? Because if you hadn't seen that movie, I think this would be the first time you see Yuya since, like, the first episode, almost, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you, you might see him, like, in, like, a flashback, like, stock footage, but as far as the actor being there, yeah, this is the first time he really shows up, besides the soccer movie and the first episode. And I remember watching it, I was like, oh, shit, that's Yuya. And he did, I think, but, um... I was also aware that, you know, Coda was under, like, this kind of, like I said, thrall where he he didn't yeah, really know yeah. what's going on. And, but at the same time, it was interesting because, like you said, you know, in the first episode, Kaido kills Yuya because Yuya turns into an invest and Kaido turns in, uh, Coda turns into uh, Gaim. And this, yeah, like you said, it is that kind of weird role reversal hypnotism where uh, Coda is, like, now the bad guy and Yuya, his friend, who was dead, is back and only back but trying to kick his ass. Right. So it's just like, you know, Geez, this you're not having a good day, are you, sir? And Coda, even though th- th- I guess that would be the difference between him and uh, Yuya, I guess by the time Yuya encountered Coda, he was full invest and he was willing to fight, or he just lost himself. But Coda seems to still have a lot of his, you know, Coda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He still has, yeah, has, Coda. Coda is cognizant of this entire time and transformation and everything. I don't, I don't think it's fair to, I mean, you know, not going into the morality of it and all this stuff, but I, I'm pretty sure by the time Yuya showed up as an invest in that first episode, he was not, he was not crying and, and kind of, you know, basically, you know, burdened with all this self pity party stuff that was going on here. You know, it's in this, it's like, you know, Coda's trying to run away from him. He doesn't understand why he's being attacked. Then he realizes he's a monster and he starts freaking out. And then he's hiding under those like covers or whatever it is. And sitting there looking at his hand and <laughs> crying. And, you know, there, there's all this kind of stuff where you're like, Oh, he's, it seems like, you know, this, this hypnotism has the danger to, it's almost, it's the anti, Black Mercy, 
you know, to, to use my anti-terminology continuing on in this, but it's not like the happiest moment of his life encapsulated and it keeps him stuck there, but it's like he's stuck in like his greatest nightmare basically where he's yeah. powerless to, to be a protector. He, he in turn is turning into what he hates and fears the most. And he, he's not sure what he wants to do. And then, and then as, as it continues on, it's almost like, they're trying to like you see Redu and all the other overlords and invests and they're they're basically trying to recruit him to their cause, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And, they're like, Join and, us, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, I mean they're they're trying to, you know, uh, apply some logic to to the situation where he's like, Look, like you're becoming one of us, so you know, and all these people are gonna hate and fear you, so there's no reason why you should continue to fight in their defense. There's no reason why you should continue to protect something that hates and fears and distrusts you, you know, and that's, that's the angle yeah. that they're, they're using on him. Hey, yeah. They're like, the people are treating you like a monster because you're a monster. You realize that, right? <laughs> no. yeah. yeah. But yeah, while this is all going on, um, you know, Kodo's like personal nightmare. We have Kaido, Zach and uh, Minato, and they actually find the prisoners and, you know, they're all hooked up and stuff. And Kaido, man, I mean, I love you, Coda. You're my boy, man. I mean, you're you're a cool guy. But uh, I guess you say Derek's boy, Kaido, actually destroys the machine. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like how he just walks in and he's just like, "Fuck this shit!" And he fucking breaks it. And then and then what's awesome is like everybody's okay too. Like I suppose like if if you didn't consult the scientist, you know that could have gone horribly awry. He could have just like kicked the machine off and all like forty five of those people on life could have died. died. Yeah. <laughs> But luckily, in this case, he's like badass. He kicks it off, and then it's just like everybody's like, "Great, now we can free them, and everybody's okay." You know, and it was just like, "Okay, cool." Like I, I just like the fact that he actually did something. You know, that he was decisive because you know, again, in in some of these contexts, you've got Coda coming in, and it's like, "We can't let my sister free. What's going on, Ryoma?" And he's depending on like somebody else to give him the go ahead. You know, whereas like Kaido's just kind of like, "Fuck this shit. T turn this crap." off like let's let's get these fucking people out of here you know yeah which is you know i mean yeah very kaido but also like i said very cool nice little moment for him he gets to show his badassery if you will um and he takes off he's, he's like he knows Coda needs his help he knows he's with ryoma and obviously if he's not here he's got to be fighting somebody so yeah the monado and uh zachary helping the gear and the other captives to escape and we go we flip to another scene this is in helheim where uh, we have my speaking to Big Daddy Silver. And uh, as, as he is wanting to do, Sakara just kind of poofs that out of nowhere. And, you know, he's, he's kind of like, um, again, he's playing, Sakara plays all the sides. Like, Mitchie plays stuff close to the vest. Sakara, like, plays blackjack, poker, Texas Hold'em, and, like, roulette all at the same time. Sakara Sakara is an all purpose gambler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you know, he's he's basically like, you know like instead of saying like, you know, mine, I was like, you know, if Coda gets this, you know, he'll be able to you know, and to like big decks over. If he gets this fruit, he'll be able to rule the world as he sees fit, you know. But it's it's only gonna happen after Helheim takes over. You know, it's like that little caveat of having ultimate powers like you realize this is what happened to the overlords. You know, Big Daddy Silver got ultimate power, but Hellheim took over. That's, that's just how this works. You know that, right? <laughs> I, I like the conversation. I like the conversation that Sagara and Mai have. 
and it's kind of funny. Like it, 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 it. Well, it'd be funny if it wasn't like sad too, you know? Because it's like it's like Sagara seems to be of the opinion that that you know, Coda only has the one choice. I mean, they, they he acts like he has two choices, but but he thinks he's boxed them in enough to the point where he's gonna side with with. Helheim basically and and be an overlord and 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 join you know this this crew of motley people or whatever and you know basically rule with the power and all that kind of stuff but it's funny how Mai knows him so well you know and it's like you know she basically is it's almost like she's cursing him for his his kindness you know as she says it but but she's like no, it's she's like it's completely obvious what he's gonna do. Like, haven't you been paying attention to him? It's what it's what he always does. You know, he he never thinks of him fucking self. He always thinks of other people. Like, like obviously he's not going to to give in to weakness based on self interest. He's always gonna put other people ahead of himself. You know, because that's what he always does. And and I thought that yeah, was yeah. a nice. I thought that was a nice moment. Yeah, because, like, yeah, at this point, like, you don't know what Cigar's true angle is. You know, you just seem to, it seems like, you know, if anything, he's just he's just picking his, his fighter for the, the fight. But you don't know if he's, you know, Mickey from Rocky or if he's, like, Don King in real life. You know, you don't know if he's, like, you know, get him, Rock, prove yourself. Or he's, like, you know, I'm going to rule everything because this is my guy. <laughs> you know, it's like mm. my So... Yeah, you just don't know Cigar's true intentions. Are, are you are you trying to say that Don King is the Helheim Forest? <laughs> <laughs> His hair is at least. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, there's like half the people in the world know. Like half the people listening to the show are like, "Yeah, Don King, that's funny." No, they have who the hell is Don King? <laughs> You have oh, to man. you have to be really well of the world to understand Gaim slash Don King jokes. Exactly. You have to get on our level, guys. <laughs> we uh, we go back to Ryoma, and the reason he ran off was a because he was kind of you know yeah, a little bit of a coward, but mostly he was going to uh, get to the control room to start the master intelligence system, and basically. He wanted to see what was going on while he was gone. Because, I mean, you got to remember, it, while he was uh, off and about doing his thing, the, the overlords were pretty much using Yggdrasil Tower and Michi. And, they, you know, a lot of uh, information is there. Yeah, he seemed pretty giddy that, like, nobody bothered to change the passcodes and, and all this other stuff. He's like, they didn't even... It's like, not only does this... Not only does my system still have power and I can use it, but they, they didn't even bother to try to lock me out of it, you know, so... And, and he seems all yeah giddy about that. Like a kid with a present on Christmas morning. So uh, while Coda's having, like I said, again, still a really horrible day, Kaido uh, stumbles on Michi. And, <laughs> again, Kaido, man, this is this is a good episode for Kaido. Because without Coda there to like be like, you know, but oh, Michi, my friend, Kaido's like, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it just yeah, there's no reservation. It, it, it very much harkens back to what him and Koto were talking about, where he's like, you know, you can't hold back in these kind of fights. You know, you just have to do the deed, and he he is all about it. He has no problem just taking Michi out if he has to. They 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 begin you know to like you know go at each other, but it does, we don't see the fight yet. 
because Coda is still dealing with, you know, trying not to be an invest in his head. And he even goes to uh, Bando's fruit bar. And, of course, they're scared of him. They're like, you know, he I don't know don't really know his reasoning with this. Is like, I guess he thought since he was their friend that they would see past, you know, the monstrous thing. But I'm like, dude, man, do you remember Hase? Do you remember, like, how people, yeah, were pretty scared? Well, it is, it is, it, it does have that weird, like, you know, dreamscape layer to it where it's like you, you, you can take control of your dreams, but sometimes you are dropped into a scenario like without you having much control over where you've been dropped, you know, especially if you're not, I mean, it it just seems like one of those things where it's kind of like, Oh, if you have a dream about, you know, being, I don't know, late for work or late for class or, you know, whatever it is, it's like, you know, it's like, well, that's the setting of your dream. I mean, you can, you can conceivably, you can conceivably try to get to class on time, you know, but but depending on how long you're asleep and how long the dream lasts, you you might not be able to take yourself out of, you know, the fruit bar, you know, like that kind of notion. So so I I give I, I give that a little bit of a pass. Like, I, I don't I don't think of it as so much as like, dude, what are you thinking, dude? Because obviously, like, he's I don't know. It, it, it's weird. He's in a he's in a strong, heightened emotional state over this. He's got to make. Yeah. Not only not only a life decision about whether he wants to be uh, a human being or an overlord, but he's he's also got to sort of decide kind of what we were talking about in that sequence in the opening episode where it was like, you know, Mai and Coda on, you know, camera one and camera two. And like they're asking him, like, what what do you want to do with your life? And And this is this is a moment. Yeah. You know, this is a moment where he really, really needs to make that decision, you know, and, and so so I, yeah. I think part of the part part of the 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 sort of crybaby shit over it is realizing he's got to cut ties to one over the other, you know, and and yeah. and, and it's not like it's an easy thing that somebody's asking you to do. It's basically like saying, look, you can save the world from all the ills. But that means that you will no longer be part of that world, you know. You yeah. Yeah, not, you know, and and that's basically a decision you have to make. It'd be like, it'd be, I mean, to view it on a small level, it'd be like everybody at your work is getting laid off, but if you decide that you're not going to be part of that job anymore, then everybody keeps their jobs. The plant doesn't close, but you can just never go back to that plant ever again, and yeah. you you can and never get hired, day, and, and you can and you, and you yeah. can never get hired in that field ever again, you know. And, yeah, and it's, it's basically, that's and 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 he's sort of you know, and it's like that's kind of what he's wrestling with. Like you, you sort of have to make that decision. Yeah. It's almost like a midgy decision. Yeah, but yeah, it, and it gets worse for him as uh, Knuckle Man and uh, Marika show up to kind of his ass a little bit and uh two invests help him uh two invests show up to help him and then uh, as you were saying like he uh runs into red you and you know she kind of drops a bomb on him because if you've been paying attention you kind of were getting this feeling anyway but this kind of plays into something that happens later on in the uh the rest of the series you know she's like dude you know you wanted the power of the forbidden fruit you're not a human anymore 
you know, you're going to be scary to mankind. Like, the humans as a whole are not going to be like, like, she's trying to play on his fears, you know, she's like, they're not going to accept you as a savior, they're going to see you as an overlord, and he's like, this, of course, you know, repulses him, he's like, no, I, you know, that, that's not me. Of course, to drive the point home, Yugi shows up again, and uh, he uh, turns into guy, but uh, Kota takes him out, you know, and beats him up pretty good. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, this, this hypnotism is definitely meant to play on his fears. You know, not only is he turning into a monster, but, like, he, he's doing things that a monster would. You know, he, he beat up his friend, you know, he pretty much took him out again. You know, well, like, I, I think I think it comes to that point, though, where, I mean, you, you've seen him get beat down by his quote-unquote friend a number of times, you know, in this dreamscape. And and it's it's almost like you know finally you you know if you continue to get beat down like that the only natural response is to fight back you know and and he basically has that moment where he's like enough is enough like stop hitting me basically and and that's when he you know turns on him it's not so much that I don't know I I, I didn't view that as like he's becoming a monster but it's like one of those situations where if you keep poking and prodding a fucking bear and you don't expect it to lash out at you, like, you know, you're, you're kind of stupid, you know, like, and, and th- that's basically what happened. He woke up the bear, you know, and, and now it's, it's starting to, you know, flail about and start attacking, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and w- what it turns out though, is then there's a bunch of evil bears behind the bear going like, all right, cool. Now let's let, n- not only do we want you to fight back, but kill this schmo and help us kill everybody else. And and that's the big yeah. moment. I mean, yeah, it, it's yeah. definitely like it's definitely Reggie like wanting to prod him to become a monster. You know, like say he will become one, but he is fighting it. Yeah, I'm not saying he's turning into a monster, but I'm saying like that's the goal. They want him to become like you know yeah. full on Overlord. We have a, a, a quick little cut to Sagara uh, and Mai, and you know, you know, it, it, was, it was like you said earlier, like this is like continuing their their conversation, and it's like you said, Mai was like. I'm pretty sure Kota already made his choice as far as how it's going to go. So you know, there there's that. Um, and we get to we get to the big point where uh, Yuya basically he's defeated, but he's not dead. And like you said, the rest of those uh, overlords and investors are like you know yeah kill him. And basically Kota's like I'm maybe turning into a monster, but I'm not going to be a monster. And he's like I'm not going to kill him. And you know, uh, the old saying, one act of kindness in a weary world, you know, he uh, snaps out of his trance. You know, he's, he's, he's good to go. He's back to being Koda. And, you know, that, that, that was kind of a cool moment. You know, it was like, like you said, it, it, was a, it was a journey to get there. But it, this whole series is about Koda becoming something more than he is. And Reggie's like, you know, screw this, I'm out of here. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a definitive life-changing moment, I think. And and it's nice, I mean, that, you know, because a, a lot of times you really do get cock-block with Coda as a lead character, you know, where you're like, you're like, oh, damn it, just, you know, make a decision already, like, do something, you know, like, like and stop kind of hemming and hawing over the hard choices you know like like it's one of those things where like you know it's probably a horrible thing to say but like you know sometimes in real life you 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 know when you're sort of 
not sensitive to the situation and you're just like, well, just pick one, just do it. You know, like, I mean, it could be as simple as like, what do you want to eat today? You know? And it's like, I don't know. I don't know what I feel like. I had this, I had that. I'm not sure what I want to. And you're like, come on, dude, just, just, you know, it, 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 it always feels better once you come to that decision and say, I'm going to eat X. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to have a chicken, I'm going to have a chicken sandwich, and I'm going to fucking enjoy it, you know? And it's like, okay, cool, like, that's, you know, and and, and, and there is some some sense of catharsis in the fact that he's like, you know, I mean, it, it's great that Mai knew where he was going, and, and, you know, maybe it even seems obvious to my or or us as audience members but they really really tried to make you think that that he was getting harassed enough and 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 put through the ringer enough that he could have conceivably made a selfish decision you know that he could have conceivably yeah. and and it's not like it's not like you would have hated him you know like i mean it's like you know it's like the guy's been through quite a bit so so it's not like you know, people that make decisions based on their own self-interest, you know, I don't think that's inherently wrong, you know, like, like, yeah. it, I think it's wrong when, when it comes at the expense of other people, you know, but, but, you know, like, that's, you know, it, you know, I guess it, it just depends on, you know, where you're going with that decision, but, but it does make you feel good. He does have that sort of heroic moment where he basically just says, hey, look, it doesn't matter what ends up happening to me and how people see me. I'm still going to, you know, continue to fight on and, and not, you know, basically, you know, the consequences of what happens to me be damned, you know, and that's, that's something that is selfless. And so, so you, you of course respond to that, you know, you know, as an audience member where you're like, cool. And he, he, you know, basically at this point, you know, the music starts blaring up, he gets round two power and he chases off all those fucking, you know, overlord invest assholes who were trying to sort of, you know, corrupt his thought, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like I said, yeah, he just, he, he yeah, he, he becomes stronger in his convictions. And, um, yeah, after Red U takes off, uh, could starts getting kind of enveloped by vines, but not in a bad way. It's like he's becoming part of Helheim more. And he doesn't seem like he's pissed off, you know? He's like, this is my fate, man. This is going, it's going on down, you know, like shit just got real. He's like, you know, he's not, he's not be turning to a monster. It's just, and, and he is slowly gaining the powers of an overlord. And with that, there is going to be changes in him. And he is, he's now seems to be at that point where he's like, bring him on. I'm not changing. You know, I might look different in my armor, but I'm still Coda. So like, yeah, this is definitely, like, a codish episode for, for damn real, even though Kaido got to do some cool shit. <laughs> I would say this one, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you might agree with me, but it was, it, it seemed like it was a little late to be doing another character art, a character story where Coda has to, like, figure out what he's going to do. But it wasn't bad. I would give this, like, I would give this three and a half pineapples. Okay. So yeah, for me, I, I, I don't think I did, you know, spoilers, but I don't, I don't think I went below four pineapples on any of these episodes, but I, I give this one four because I mean, it's not, you know, there, there were some cool moments in it, especially Kaito had some fun moments and everything. There were some cool fights and this and that, but I, I do think some of the, 
some of the hand wringing, like you're saying, it's a little late for him to to have some of this character introspection because it's like he he. By this point, it's kind of old hat. It's like the you, you, it, it's like sort of rinse repeat of self doubt. Now I am resolved. Self doubt. Now I am resolved. Self doubt because of a crazy dream sequence. Wow, a lot of self doubt. Even more self doubt. Man, this self doubt is really <laughs> gonna ruin our hero. And then it's like, no, fuck you. I am resolved. You know, and and we're back to sort of where we were. But but it, I, I think by this point. We we probably had seen that enough to the point where it's not quite as special as as maybe some of the other original, you know, self doubt to resolve type arcs that we've yeah. seen in the past. It, it it didn't hit as hard as like you know him coming back after getting his ass kicked by Takatora the first time. You know, right. it was like, or yeah, even it even, wasn't when, bad, even, but... even when he first gets Kachidochi arms, you know, like there was that kind of self doubt. Yeah. And then he he continued to have his resolve once he you know he's like got got his new set of powers and all this kind of stuff. And this is this is more like I, I think the reason why maybe is because those other resolves there wasn't like a horrible set of consequences afterwards. So it's like it's 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 kind of like self doubt. I am resolved to die of cancer. Do you know what I mean? Like like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. It, it's like it's like it's important. It's a moment. But you realize there's there's some really heavy ramifications that come with getting over your self doubt. Now I don't think that would change if he still self doubted himself. So I I mean you may you may as well continue to be resolved. But but there there is there is that aspect of kind of you know the, the like what you're saying about this entire you know discussing this entire arc this bittersweet notion that this is going to end soon and that you know basically this this notion that you know i am resolved to defend humanity even though i won't be a part of it anymore yeah yeah so yeah it's definitely like like you said it kind of you know it does have that where i i guess this is the final resolve this is the the resolve of resolves of all resolves warlord world a fan podcast devoted to the comic creations of Mike Grell, including Warlord, John Stable, Star Slayer, Shaman's Tears, and Green Arrow. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. Join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in the many excellent comics from writer and artist Mike Grell. Warlord Worlds is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at warlordworlds.com. Yeah, so that was uh, episode 40. We're moving on to episode 41. Um, Exciting title this time. Clash, the Overlord King. Um, lots of exclamation points on that one. So, uh, basically after that uh, last episode where Coda, like, you know, like I said, finds his inner strength and he's like, you know, he knows what he wants to do. He knows that even if he, even if it destroys, like, you know, what people may, may see him as, he knows he's going to stay strong to himself and he's going to still be Coda. We, uh, go over to this to where, uh, uh, 
you know, everything this is on to everything has already happened, and we have Rayoma telling Kota and Mai, I mean Kota and Kaido, that uh, Mai is being held by Big Daddy Silver because he was of course aware of this because of the cameras and whatnot, and they rush to Hellheim Force to save her, of course, and um, it's kind of interesting. Uh, we even have Oren and Jonichi just showing up to fight Michi, like, you know, while uh, Kaido takes off. And I'm, I thought that was kind of cool. I was like, hey, there you go. Like, they should get to do something. Yeah, I mean, you, you you weren't really sure. I mean, they made it pretty vague. Like, wh- they left them behind, and they, they did look like they were having a Butch and Sundance moment. But then it looks like, it's like, we get to do Butch and Sundance 2, the sequel. You know, like, and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, now it's kind of like, we're back, and now you can go ahead and you can leave us behind in this area. You know, like, type thing and stuff, so. Yeah. Professional decoys, that's what we are. <laughs> uh, Rayoma takes it off to the force as well. And uh, we have, we, have, we get to a point where we have Big Daddy Silver. And he's like, you know, like, the machine was destroyed. That was supposed to bring back his, uh, his wing. So he's like, he's kind of bummed, you know. He's like, I failed to save my race and even my queen. And, you know, my, just being my, being always a very optimistic person, she's, she's even being nice to Big Daddy Silver, you know, it's like saying like, hey, you know, you, you did the best you could. You know, it was like, you know, you, you may not succeeded, but you didn't, you know, you didn't try to fuck up. You tried to do the right thing. And like this makes Big Daddy Silver kind of have a soft moment for a minute for, you know, an overlord. <laughs> and um, he's like, you know what? Here, have this golden fruit. And you can go back to the human world. It's like. Double up. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because they have that they have that conversation that I think is I I don't know it, it to me it made me very self introspective as some of these things tend to do but they they have that conversation about you know how empty the castle is basically and it's like that idea of do you continue to trust people after they've betrayed you. You know, and, and 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 for the overlord, and and I think at this point in my life, for me, unfortunately, I, I might be in league with the overlord. Maybe I'm old enough or whatever. Like, but you know, his answer is kind of like, "Do you trust people after they betray you?" And he's kind of like, "No, that's ridiculous. Like, why why would you do that? They've betrayed you. Like, you basically at that point." they've betrayed you and you cut them off and and my kind of has like you're saying this this really sort of almost naive and optimistic attitude of well you know yeah they may betray you once but you know you can't give up on them you know and 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 like part of me like sees like the girl who's like i'm gonna change that boyfriend i'm gonna make him good and he's gonna stop (laughs) going to jail and all this stuff so there's part of me that sees it as like really really naive and stupid you know but you know again that you know that, that that's kind of the the aspect of this show that you know it's like the 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 avenue of redemption because you know i mean obviously like you know i i think you know a lot of people at some point have gone through certain things and they get a second chance from somewhere you know whether you want to admit it or not you know so there is that aspect that if somebody didn't kind of give you a second chance then you know maybe 
you know, you, you wouldn't be around doing what you're doing now, you know? So it's like, I can, I can see both points. And I think, I think my touched that part of him, you know, that part of him that became bitter and hard hearted, you know, kind of to protect himself. And, yeah, and he, you know, they, said and, they weren't always monsters, you know, he had, yeah. he had like, you know, you know, uh, uh, I don't know if it was a human, but he had humanity, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it, there, there was a time before all he was about was bringing back his queen. He probably, you know, had people and relationships and friends. You know, conceivably, some of these overlords were his friends, just like, you yeah. know, they are analogs for Kota and Mai and Kaito Michi. and Michi and Takatora. You know, that they were all, you know, they had a connection in some way between, you know, the, the different members of the overlords and everything like that. And, you know, that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, I think that's, you know, I, now he's seeing maybe even what Mitchie sees in my, you know, that, you know, that basically at this point he, in, in some ways he's relieving himself of the burden. And, and in another way he sees in her, maybe what he saw in his queen originally, you know, the, the queen yeah. that, you know, he's trying to desperately bring back where he's kind of like, you know, you, your your optimism reminds me of my queen. And thus, you know, now you you will get to choose, you know, you'll you'll make that decision yeah. of, of who's going to be the person who who wins the golden fruit. Like, I basically trust you to to carry out that final duty of mine and I'll just continue on here. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, it, does, it does show that he, he does have feelings still, even if they have may have been, you know, murky and, and, you know, tainted by the Helheim forest. And, and a wonderful example of, son of a bitch, he sends my back right before Koda and Kaido get their shooting back. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Come on, man! Uh, frustrating for everybody. Um, because... They're like, we just want to save mine, you know. He's like, I, uh, do I have to fight you guys now? I mean, he, you know, he has power to spare, but still, we uh, we do a quick flip over to uh, Mitchie, and he, he's he's pretty much taking uh, Orin and Junichi's wallets, and they're they're like, you know, you know, Zoinks is these Scooby things. Zoinks, let's get out of here. It's funny though. He, he even comments though. Mitchie comments like, I, I can't believe those guys were giving me such a hard yeah. time, you know. Since he, since he since he fought, you know, I mean, obviously, like we were discussing, Kota was holding back, but you know, he he did fight with with Kaito and and Kota and and made them retreat, you know, and and at this point now, it's like I I thought he was really gonna just bitch smack the hell out of Bravo and and uh, Jonichi, but they they actually sort of you know held their own, you know, for for the time being, you know, so it was like you know at least they fought him to a standstill to where they could sort of, you know, run away and everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Bravo, I'm, I'm sure, was, you know, fighting, yeah, kind of like how Kaido fights, you know, to the utmost. But Redu's there. And, you know, Redu, her and Mitchie's, like, relationship is very interesting because, like you said, it's like, yeah, she says it herself, you know. He's like a toy. She just likes fucking with him and seeing what he'll do. And, um... She's just like, you know, <laughs> by the way, you know, telling me to take uh, Maya to, like, Big Daddy Silver? First of all, I, the debate thing did work. Second of all, what if, what if Big Daddy Silver thinks Maya's pretty cool? You know, what happens to that, buddy? <laughs> you know, it's just like, damn, man. 
Well, you, the the reason why the reason why he says that is he says like, well, what if he does take a liking to her? He won't let a monkey like you yeah. anywhere near, you know. And it's it's like he's just going all out to to push a bunch of buttons and stuff like that. Yeah. Meanwhile, we go back to Helheim because this is titled the Overlord Clash. Coda transforms into Kachidoki Arms, which I'm sure Derek always appreciates, and. <laughs> and we also have uh, Kaito going, you know, full bore and going to Lemon Energy Arms. Still, though, Big Daddy Silver ain't no joke. He is really strong. He's, he's given a, a, a proper butt whooping to both. Uh, Kaito is, you know, just not up to the level. His power is not to Big Daddy Silver's yet. So Kota transforms into Kawami Arms to uh, keep fighting on. And, um, but, you know... Like, this Big Daddy Silver is just, like, so strong, he, like, defeats Coda. You know, he, like, even destroys one of his box seeds. <laughs> you know, when we were talking about the last episode and the whole, you know, basically newfound determination and everything, I, I always feel like with those, it's like they take two steps forward and then they take yeah. a step back because you, you do sort of get the idea that, like, okay, Coda's determined now. But it, it's almost like he hesitates to turn into Kawami arms, you know, like where he, he's like, it's like he's holding off on it. Like he thinks he can somehow beat him, you know, essentially as a human instead of as an overlord. So it's like he sort of holds off on it. And then when he finally does it, then then that's when he can actually sort of, you know, hold his own against Big Daddy Silver just barely, you know, and, and you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, again, it's like. It, it it makes it a little easier to answer the question, well, why didn't he just do that in the first place? And I would submit that the answer is, well, you know, once he starts turning into Kiwami arms more and more, he's going to become less yeah. and less human, you know? And it's like, but, you know, and, and we've, we've sort of established mentally, like he's in that mode where he's willing to accept that sacrifice, but it does seem like it, it, there's still the the physicality of, continuing that in the real world instead of in the dream world. He's in no hurry to make it happen sooner. Yeah. 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 But so, uh, yeah, this is, this is going down and, um, we have Ryoma kind of looking from the sidelines again, being how he is taking in everything, figuring out who he can manipulate, who, you know, who does what, who's more powerful and all that good stuff. But out of, but out of nowhere, a new challenger has entered the battle and, uh, Reggie, <laughs> jumps in and just takes Big Daddy Silver out. And I would imagine this is from a hard-fought battle against not only Kaido and Koda, but like you said, Kawami Arms is really powerful, and it did weaken him enough. And he, he pretty much got stabbed in the back. You know, he, he got attacked from behind. And Reggie, though, like, she gets the, uh, the wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah of the, of the day because she's like, ha ah, I killed Big Daddy Silva. The forbidden fruit. Is, wait, you gave it away? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, he's he's all he's all mad because he thinks he's plucked the real golden fruit. And then he gets like this stinky, half-mulchy, regular old, you know, Helheim fruit. And he's all butthurt over it and everything. I mean, it, it was one of those things where, like, part of me was like, oh, wow, like, you know, Coda in some ways kind of, you know, wins the fight. And then I was like, oh, well, if Coda wins against Big Daddy Silver, I'm like, oh, I wonder who's going to be the big bad now, you know? And and even even after that 
aspect quickly gets turned on its head where Big Daddy Silver gets stabbed in the back by Radu. It's like by that point, you know, Coda takes out Radu and I was just <laughs> like, thank you. Like, you know, like for 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 a long time Radu's really been like this fly in the ointment of the show and and doing a lot of nasty things to all kinds of characters and you know, just the aspect of what you're talking about, even treating Mitchie like a toy. I mean, it's like, it's like reduce that person, you know, that you see that has a pet, but doesn't treat the pet nicely and just does things to it to provoke a reaction out of it. Yeah. She, she doesn't, she doesn't punish it when it's like being bad, but like, even if it's being cute and like trying to rub up on her, she like just kicks it just to make it mean, you know? Yeah, and and you're just like, and and based on that, you you just you, it feels extremely satisfying that you know uh, it's like you, you it's almost perfect because you have enough of a personification of uh, maybe that Takatora archetype in Big Daddy Silver that you feel some empathy towards that character. And you have a nice, big, respectful battle, and, and and Kota actually gets to flex his muscles against somebody who's much, much stronger than him and all this kind of good stuff. But then when that fight winds down and Radu does the backstabbing thing, you also get the catharsis of... It's like you get to have your cake and eat it, too. You get to have, like, this sort of, you know, noble end for Big Daddy Silver... You know, or, you know, maybe it's ennoble because of the way, you know, Ridu takes him out by stabbing him in the back, but you get to have that, but then at the same time... But but at least, at least he, was, he wasn't the one doing the backstabbing. He actually went down like a real warrior. Yeah, and, and, and then at the same time, you know, you also, you know, get to eat the cake, too, because, you know, Ridu gets taken out by Kota, you know, and you're like, oh, and, and when that happened, I was just like, yes, like, thank you. Like, some somebody needs to fight. Did, did it help that it was with the DJ yeah, gun? Yeah, DJ gun is bad at. <laughs> I know that's your favorite one. Well, I, I always feel like what else? I mean, he always goes to that anyway, even if he's in Kawami arms. So I'm like that. That that does my heart good because I'm like, yeah, that is kind of like the most powerful weapon in his his you know basically his amazo arsenal of of Lotsie. Yeah, it's not only it's not only the most powerful weapon, but the most funky. It feels good on multiple levels. You feel like you can, you can, you can DJ um, out and you can blow a motherfucker away who totally deserves it. Yeah, he does take out Redu. Uh, finally, uh, I, I'm like you. I, I appreciate Redu as a villain. She was, you know, despite the fact that we had a horrible time making heads or tails if she was a guy or a girl. She's a girl, guys. She is. She really is. Um, I don't blame Derek for saying he a lot because Redu is not a pretty looking monster. <laughs> it looks like a guy. And also the deep voice doesn't help. But, um, you know, but, but because of this battle, you know, Reggie and, uh, you know, Big Daddy Silver kind of give away the trump card that Mai has the uh, golden lock seed. So all of our heroes and Ryoma, because he's, he's not a hero. Well, Mitchie's, you know, like also do that. He also takes off too. Um, they, they rush to Zawami City. And uh, in a kind of a nice little moment, you're talking about how this was like kind of a noble end for Big Daddy Silver. Uh, Sagara shows up, and he pays res- he respects to uh, the queen, who obviously did not get revived. She is she's fully dead now. And 
It looks like at least, you know, I don't care. This is not a religious thing. This is just for the show. It looks like in the afterlife, and they get to be together now. Yeah, no, that I thought that was nice. I mean, and and it also kind of gives you some ominous clues to to the final fate because at this point we still don't know too much about you know Mai and and you know the basically the the blonde Mai and the one red eye and all that kind of stuff. And and we can see here the queen visually looks a lot like that you know basically version of Mai. And yeah, very similar. Yeah, you know, very similar to that version of her. And 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 now that I know what happens, I realize all the pain and suffering that you have to endure to like not spoil things. Because I'm trying not to spoil it until we get to that episode. So <laughs> that's why I was like trying to watch what yeah. I say carefully. But but even though we're gonna spoil it eventually anyway. But but it, it's just one of those things where you you know you see her with the king, and then they turn into you know pixie fairy dust and it's like one of those things where it's supposed to be like they're they're happily together in the afterlife type thing and and you know that i thought was interesting too and and also you know like like you're saying it's it's kind of like a, a happy sad thing you know where it's like yeah it's not like it's not like they they didn't quite get their happily ever after but they're they're happily ever after comes in their in their long rest or overdue rest you know it's like finally he's you know he he can be at peace you know <laughs> like that he's he's not he's not yeah. tormented anymore and that kind of thing yeah um I, i'll i'll like i said I'll, I'll keep doing the flip-flop or i'll let you go first and then i go first so uh what, what do you think about this episode what's the uh, pineapple-o-meter say pineapple-o-meter says five pineapples i mean i i i i felt a great catharsis when Radu was taken out, you know, so that made the episode for me. I think we got to see a lot of cool, you know, important mythos plot points. I mean, getting into the nitty gritty and everything. And I, I just enjoyed the episode a lot. I mean, I felt really fulfilled. You know, I felt like a lot of, a lot, a lot of questions were, uh, if not outright answered, like they're, they're sort of laying the groundwork to answer those questions. And then, of course, the the fight was was pretty epic. And I, I, I don't think I've made any secret that, like, Big Daddy Silver gets a lot of respect from me. So I think the way they handled his exit was was pretty exquisite. Like, I thought it was in keeping with the the veneer of that character, you know, the auspices of that character, that he was he was a great overlord and he was super awesome and everybody feared and respected him and everything. And, and you know, yeah, I mean, you know, Redu stabs him in the back, but it's like, you know, he basically, Redu thought by doing that he was going to gain the ultimate victory, but it's like clearly Big Daddy Silver was like fucking 500 steps ahead of him. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it's like it's like all that planning and backstabbing and scheming was all for naught because it's like he had already seen like five thousand moves ahead of him. Yeah. So I, I think I think I think you know not only was it a good feeling to see you know Coda actually physically destroy Redu, but just the fact that you know. Redu, it's basically like if you had this moment where it's like you know Starscream's like I finally killed you Megatron like the Decepticons are mine and it's like oh really like I'm dying cough cough but that scepter that rules the Decepticons like I sent it to Arcee and he's like give me sound like, wave no! 
<laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, something like that. And you're just like, haha, you stupid asshole. You you got fucked, you know. So like I I had a good time watching watching this episode. Um, I will go a little lower than you, but not by much, because it really was a good episode. I'm going to go four and a half. Um, nothing really big and nitpicky. It was just, like I said, watching like watching this and watching it again, you know, and everything like that, there, there's some big shows coming up, you know, some big episodes coming up. And I really want to say those fives for, like, something really, really special, which this is a really good episode. This is a really, this is a big episode. There is some special uh, things that happen. You know, like you said, as far as we know, the big bad's dead. As, as far as we could tell, isn't he? Like, you know, wasn't he the big bad? I mean, and yes, Big Daddy Silver is gone. He, he The character is no longer in the rest of the, the uh, series. But you're like, yeah, wasn't he, like, the main bad guy? Uh, what's going on? Yeah, a great fight scene. Uh, one thing we, we uh, kind of glossed over, I, I forgot to mention, uh, Big Daddy Silver has a big-ass fucking sword. So apparently Big Daddy Silver got his name legit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, this was a really good episode. We have more importance placed on Mai because she now has the uh, golden fruit. Um, we also have, you know, like like you said, you know, a good ending for uh, not only Big Daddy Silver, but a, a satisfying ending for Radio. You're like, yeah, you know, not to sound too uh, eager, but take that, bitch. You, you suck. <laughs> Just let me die. <laughs> so th- there is that. So, um, yeah, a way above average episode. Uh, and, like, the it's going to be so hard just not to give all these fives after a certain point, but I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit reserved. At the same time, though, I appreciate how much your, your your enthusiasm is for, like, enjoying these episodes, so I totally don't fault you for giving it a five. I'm not going to be like, you know, well, that's not a five. I don't <laughs> see where you got that. No, no, I get it. I get it. Oh, hello. We didn't see you there. Welcome to Comic Book Fight Club. My name is Jeff. S. Fishman, Esquire. And I am Gene Theodore Hendricks. Here at Comic Book Fight Club, we sit fireside, sipping our brandy, and discussing who would win in a bout of fisticuffs with other members of the comic book Illuminati. Yes, you caught us at a good time as Kevin Smith. Stan Lee and the late Bob Kane just went on a beer and nacho run. Have you ever wondered who would be victorious in a bout? Galactus or Unicron? How about the Incredible Hulk versus the Monster Doomsday? What about G.I. Joe versus the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Or the equally important bout of the Snorks versus the Smurfs? And, of course, the titanic duel between Archie and Jimmy Olsen. And you can expect the intelligent and erudite debates to sound something like this. But I always thought Transformers fans were intelligent and literate, so they should see that Galactus has to be the winner. Like, he's hungry. Oh, I'm so (laughs) hungry. I'm going to get weaker and, and, and... And Reed Richards is going to be able to beat me. I don't know anything about Rob other than uh, he was defeated by Parker Brothers. Oh, it's, uh, I mean, back, it's, back to one of Sean's points, saying he got out of the, out of the Silac. You know, every time he's gotten out of that in any story, he has to get put back in it because he's a bitch. Oh, my God! Oh, my God! <laughs> oh, ah, 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 no! She, no! She, oh, I tap she, out! I tap out! You are a sick, out. sick man. I'm not familiar with the last one. I, need, I might um, have to hit Google Image search here. So won't you join us for some witty discourse, a fine snuff, and a tincture of sherry? 
as we debate over these all-important matters. Here, only on Comic Book Fight Club. You can find the show at twotruefreaks.com and on iTunes by searching for Comic Book Fight Club. Please also join us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash comicbookfightclub. Okay, so that was episode 41. Oh, we're really getting into the home stretch, guys. We've got just like maybe like four or so episodes left. Next one is episode 42. And this is the. Guess who this episode is going to be about? Well, I'll tell you. It's called Mitsuzane, the final transformation. So it's going to be about Bando, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, how did you know? Um, yeah, very, one of the very few times you'll, you'll hear us say Mitsuzane, we usually just call him Mitchie. Or 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 uh, Mitchie Hunt. Um, <laughs> uh, we we go back to uh, Coda. This is after they come back from Helheim, and they're taking uh, they're like trying to help some survivors of the the horrible things that have been happening in Zawami. And uh, some Midvests attack them, and uh, Kaido's with them. So uh, Gaiman uh, Byron fight back, and during this uh, quick little skirmish scene, you know, a little bit of action just to start off the episode. We have Michi uh, finding Mai at the uh, dying garage, and she's like passes, you know, passes out. She's just like, you know, she's she's had a rough couple of like last twenty four hours, not been very nice to her. Um, however, Ryoma appears right after this almost, and he's like, uh, Mai's got the you know forbidden fruit. I know this, so I'm going to take her to an abandoned hospital because <laughs> you know nothing creepy about that. Um, <laughs> And then after defeating some in, the, the invest that uh, were attacking you know, the uh, citizens of Zwame, Kota and Kaito really have a sit down for a minute. And Kaito is like, you know, if mankind doesn't get destroyed and evolves under the Helheim, you know, and, you know, it's like, what's going to happen? And it's like, like Kaito is like, he, he, he you see like, he's, Code is taking this seriously, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's not. He, he understands the stakes, but I think Kaido is not so much taking this seriously as he's taking it deadly seriously. You know, there there's a slight break in that. Just like I, I think it's because Kodo wants to protect people, and Kaido wants to rule. And Kodo's like, you know, after I protect everyone, we'll see what happens. And and Kaido is more like, you know. He's already like you know you were talking about Big Daddy Silver being a couple of steps ahead of uh, Red U. Kaido's already like figuring out how he's going to rule his new empire. You know. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's part of those those reservations. You know the 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 kind of almost blind thinking that things can go back to the way they were. Like and and it, it's you know. Kaito basically is kind of like I'm I'm fighting things that that I, you know, that I I believe are against, you know, what what the no- normal order is, but Helheim taking over isn't to him against the normal order. He just didn't really like the overlords. 
you know, and now that the overlords are gone, he he, he adapts to situations, and if it could benefit him, he'll he'll yeah. Do that. I mean, yeah. And now that the overlords are gone, it, it, he doesn't have as much problem with with the current you know scenario as as some of the other char- characters. Yeah, he, he's not he's not uh, uh, horrified by it. He's like, well, it's because the, the well, I mean, at, the, at Kaido's base. There are people he cares about. I mean, this has been established. He is not, you know, heartless. But by and large, he doesn't have a lot of respect for humanity. He feels a lot of them are weak, and they need to be guided. And if the weak are, you know, I mean, it sounds really horrible, but if the weak are burned, you know, off the planet, then I mean, the strong will survive, and he'll figure out how to lead them. Yeah, I mean, he he's, he definitely has a very uh, Darwinistic approach to to what's going on. You know, basically from from his point of view, if somebody survives it, then they're they're worthy of being around in his new world. You know, and if they don't, they don't. You know, and it's like that's. I don't think he ever had a problem with that aspect of. I mean, even back to the beginning of of the early episodes when he was first getting introduced to the, you know, basically the Yggdrasil corporation and all these other guys, like he was never, he was never really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He, he was never, um, skittish at, at the idea of, of Helheim basically transforming the world into a new world, you know? Yeah. And, um, as she is wont to do, it seemed like her loyalties have been kind of clear, even if you weren't paying attention. Um, Monado takes off with him. Uh, basically, like, you know, yeah, this is my dude. This is, like, you know, my thoroughbred. I, 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 I choose him. He's my he's my Pokemon. Um, <laughs> uh, so Coda's just, like, you know, he's left a little distressed because I really think Coda not only respects Kaito, but he does think of him as a friend. And I don't know if Kaido thinks of him as a friend, but I think he thinks of him as a strong ally. And it's, it's a very interesting conversation. Uh, not conversation, interesting dynamic. Um, so, you know, it's like, you know, like, what's going on with these guys, you know? The, what, what's going on with the bromance, guys? Come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, you guys just got to hug it out. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Chucky and Pecco, uh, you know, are trying to figure out what to do with Mai. They, they find out where she's at. Um, it, it's not their day. They're they're not main characters. Sorry. Um, so <laughs> Mitchie and Ryoma take off with Maya again somewhere else. Uh, it's it, it, I feel kind of bad for these guys because they're like trying to like just be helpful and it, it, it's like it, it's even like they knew that they were not main characters. They're like we're not going to end up saving Maya, are we? No, probably not. <laughs> like poor dudes, but um. Yeah, we, we go back to uh, Kaido and uh, Minato, and uh, we, we again see, like, with the last time we saw this was in the Great Soccer Battle. Uh, well, actually, not the Great Soccer Battle, but in uh, uh, Baron's summer camp, uh, soccer summer camp. And he's, like, wincing in pain, and he tells Minato that he had been injured by Reju, and he's basically starting to mutate. He's turning into maybe an invest, maybe something else, we don't know. But he's having to wear the Genesis driver to basically just not turn into whatever it might be. Um, how, how did you feel about that? Did that kind of because I know you're you're a pretty big fan of Kaido. Did this kind of bum me out that 
he reveals it. Well, you know, I think the, the, I feel like bringing up the, the walking dead comparisons again, and, and this is something that gets turned on its head, I think, but it, it is the aspect of, okay, he, he's caught the infection now. So in a zombie kind of scenario, he would be somebody who got bitten basically. And it's just been valiantly like fending it off and continuing to fight the good fight. And what's, you know, I thought it was a good scene, you know, the idea that he's got this line where he, he says basically, will the world end first or will I let, like, let's find out, but I'm going to keep going, you know? And, and I, I thought that was, you know, basically, you know, his, his mandate, you know, like he's, he's going to continue to fight through all that kind of stuff. And it looks like, you know, the, the, the Sengoku driver belt has been keeping him afloat this whole time so that he doesn't totally convert over. And, you know, we're going to see where that leads exactly, but it's interesting that, you know, Minato also kind of, you know, it, 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 I guess it'd be like finding out that you, you know, the candidate you backed for an election got bit by a zombie, maybe, but she's still, she's still, <laughs> she's still with him, you know, like, because, uh, because that's, you know, that's, she saw something in him and, and, you know, you know, she can't quite quantify it, but that, you know, to her, to her, it's, it's worth her sort of undying loyalty, which is what, what he has at this point, it seems like. I just want to let the American people know that uh, even though I have been bitten by a zombie, I'm still going to push for healthcare and uh, let you know that being a zombie will not affect me as president. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, I've been working on my Barack Obama. He, he leaves office in a year. I figure I might as well try an impression. Um, but yeah, so we, yeah, we have Bonato actually being loyal to somebody for a change because like the most of the time she's been a character her loyalty seemed to be very skewed she's loyal to whoever she's loyal to but now she actually seems to have genuine loyalty to uh uh kaido which is kind of cool i i think that was a, that was a nice little character moment for her um meanwhile we have uh ryoma and michi uh basically you know looking over mai's body trying to figure out how to get the golden fruit uh one thing we might not mention in the last episode when uh, Big Daddy Silver gave Maya the golden fruit, he didn't just give it to her. He put it inside her body. It's like a part of her. So um, they're they're trying not to kill her, mainly because of Mitchie. I don't think Ryan would really care. I think he would kill her in a minute. Um, Cigarro shows up, and basically he's like, again, he, he's Mr. Exposition. He, he'll let you know what's going on. And he's like even more forward than usual. Usually he's kind of cryptic. But he's like, Dude, the only way it's going to leave her body is she has to choose a champion. So Mai doesn't really have the power of the golden forbidden fruit. She's basically his caretaker. She's the one who gets to judge now. It was originally Big Daddy Silver. He was the one who got to pick somebody, and now it's up to Mai. She's the one who is basically the uh, the caretaker of it. So, um, what, what did you think about that whole little scene? There? Um, I I thought it was interesting. I mean, you know, I I guess I kind of got that vibe from the last episode, so it wasn't like that was so much a revelation to me as it was informing. I think the reason why that comes up again in this episode is it's it's exposition, but it's also 
for the purposes of the characters so they fully understand the situation you know that that they 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 sort of made speculations about it in the previous episode but this pretty much you know Sagara showing up on the scene is confirming that 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 is the case and and exactly the the rules of the situation that you know that you can't just take it from her she has to sort of choose you before you you are granted the power and all that kind of stuff and then the the other thing i thought was a pretty big revelation in this episode is that i was about to mention that you yeah yeah i mean you know obviously i had a lot of weird speculations about who Sagara was and if he was like some dude from the future or if he you know knew all this stuff but Basically, when it comes down to it, like, Sagara is essentially the living personification of the Helheim forest. So it, it doesn't really matter, you know, the Famushu planet, Earth, whatever. Like, basically, you, you get the idea. He's kind of like a weird, like, plant Galactus or something. You know, he just goes... Yeah, I say, yeah very Galactus. He just goes yeah. from planet to planet and basically you know, plays out the scenario over and over again and kind of tries to figure out who the champions are going to be and who are going to, you know, become the overlords of the planet. And then, you know, and then basically when when that whole cycle completes, he starts the cycle anew, you know, and and that's that's probably why you get the vibe that he's done this all before and seen things and, and done things. And my dog's going crazy. Yeah, he doesn't like Cigar now. He's like, Cigar, I thought you were cool, man. <laughs> you were a DJ. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that's like Cigar's big reveal is like he he really doesn't have a side. He doesn't care who becomes a champion as long as Helheim keeps going. It's like he has no loyalties. He has no bias. He like picked Coda, but that's because it wasn't because he liked Coda or he thought Coda was a cool guy or he thought he could be a champion. He just figured he was the strongest one. He's like, that's probably the guy that's going to do it. And by his track record, it seems like he's pretty good at picking these guys. Um, so uh, he uh, Cigar leaves after dropping like two big bombs. Well, one big bomb, and the other one we we, we did kind of know. Uh, Rayoma's like telling Mitchie, dude, here's the only thing you can do. The only way we can actually like change the way this is going to go down is mine's going to give this a coda. So you have to kill Coda. That's the only way to do it. Because if you don't, she's going to give it to him. You know it. I know it. And it's like, yeah, pretty much. And this doesn't make Mitchie happy, obviously. But, um, all right. You guys ready for me to butcher another name? So uh, Rama gives him the Yomatsuhugiri lot seed. Jesus. <laughs> I think I'm trying to kill me sometimes. And um, he tells Mitchie that he will take care of mine in his absence. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, Pecco and uh, Chucky, uh, during the meantime, they're, again, not very important to this as far as, like, the uh, bad guys are concerned. So they're like, we're just going to get out through the window. <laughs> it's, yeah, they, they tie up a bunch of sheets or something like that. It's probably worth mentioning that the dark grape fruit of the looms Loxied, uh slowly takes the life force of the user as they wear it, which is why we've never seen or heard of that Loxied up to that point, because essentially it was deemed too dangerous yeah. to use. And Ryoma is basically... 
I don't want not not taunting, but he's he's basically prodding Mitchie and and saying, "Look, do you have the resolve to see this through? Because you you use this, it'll give you more power, but it'll also slowly kill you." And it's like, "Do you do do you care about this woman enough to do that?" And you know, he's kind of pushing his buttons and everything. And and the way that Ryoma kind of sells it in an almost you know, uh, sort of. Iago manner, you know, whispering in, in Mitchie's ear and everything is that, you know, look, if she gives this fruit to Coda, then she's going to go off with him and no longer be human. And that's basically what you want to stop from happening. So to save Mai from Coda, yes. like you, you have to kill Coda basically. And, and, and in, in his, his mind like that, you know, that makes perfect sense because that's what he's fighting for. He's fighting to preserve, you know, this, you know, idea he has of my and everything like that. And so that's, that's what he, you know, that's what he sets out to do. Yeah. This new, uh, Loxie does take his life and everything. So he's basically more or less not giving in to, Weakness, he, he just thinks he's strong enough to handle it. But Ryoma knows differently. He knows that this Loxied is, you know, deathly fatal if you if you can't handle it. So um, Mitchie does find Koda uh, eventually. And he turns into Armored Rider Ryugen Yomi to fight him. And, uh, you know, he's aware of what's going on. He knows that, like, this could be his final battle, depending on how things go. I think this was one of the instances where, you know how I said, like, sort of scouring, you know, Mandarake and places for for figure arts is kind of, you know, semi-spoiled me to certain things. Like, I kind of knew what Kiwami Arms was going to look like before it appeared on screen, and I think this was also a case of me knowing what that, you know, that Super Ryugan Dark Arms or whatever it's called was going to look like, because I had seen a number of figure arts, you know, for, for that, you know, on sale there. So I was kind of like, oh, I know what this is. You know, like, I kind of knew what was coming, so. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, with this uh, more powerful version of Ryugan, it's kind of interesting that he's gone away from uh, Zangetsu back to Ryugan. Um, he attacks Koda, and they fight. Um, Koda's using Kachidoki arms to begin with, but it's just not doing it. And he turns into Kawami. And we kind of leave on a cliffhanger to see where the fight is going to end up going next. So, um, uh, again, you know, I, I think this does play into something you kind of hit on last time. Uh, Koda is trying to use K- Kachidoki so he won't become uh, Overlord. But he just keeps getting pushed into turning into Kawami arms. Yeah, yeah. So, um, as far as this one goes, a lot of good stuff happened in this one. I'm going to... I'm just, I'm, I mean, I may be a repeat Sally, but uh, I'm going to go 4.5. I think this is a, a good pineapple-filled episode of fun. Uh, Mitchie finally just, like, turning even a bigger corner. It's like, it, for a long time, he just wanted to defeat Coda. Then he was like, you kind of thought he wanted to kill him, but now it's like, you know, like they, like I said, the whole whispering in the ear. If you kill him, you'll get mine. That's what you want, right? And it's like, he, he's fully turned the curve, you know, he's like gone from bad, like, he's gone from confused to kind of annoying to uh, manipulative to bad, just bad, you know, not a good guy. And now he's almost evil. 
he's almost evil. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, they they definitely, I don't know, to me they sell the reasoning why he wants to do this pretty well. Um, you know, the the fact that, like, it's like, what do you want? Do you want Mai to go off and become an overlord queen? Like, then then you've got to kill Coda. Like, and, and that, you know, in, in Mitchie's state of mind, that seems to be the most clear and direct route to solving that problem. Um, I, I like the episode. I gave it four pineapples. Like I said, I don't think I really went below four pineapples on most of these. I, I think it was a good episode. I, I think one thing that we didn't talk about was just that, like, you know, the, a lot of the writers, you know, after doing all the fighting, go back to Bando's. And there's, like, a fun scene where he makes them a bunch of, like, rice and curry, I think. And, and he's kind of the man because he's, like, you know, he, he's, like, that supporting character that you see. And he goes through all the same stuff that all these kids and writers go through without the benefit of having, you know, uh, an armor or anything like that. But in his own way, he's sort of helping them all out and, you know, giving them food to eat and giving them essentially like a place to stay. You know, he's kind of sheltering them because they, they still all have a hangout, you know, at Drooper's. So, you know, oftentimes he's probably the only constant. And, and in a situation like this, you know, that that can be pretty... I mean, you don't Pretty think, hard, yeah. yeah, you don't, you, you might not think of it, you might be dismissive of it, but having some consistency in a crazy world is probably one of the best gifts he could give all those, the all the beat writers and everything, so, uh, and like I said, you know, it's the first part of, you know, Coda and Michi finally having a showdown, and you're kind of like, good, like, this this needs to happen, and, and you're curious to see what the the end result is, and then, of course, getting some some major revelations with the the fact that Sagara is the living personification of the Helheim forest is also quite a big bomb dropped. And it's, it's fun to, you know, sort of have that knowledge now, you know, cause it's been like a mystery that's been sort of dangled out in front of you for so long. And it's, it's a good feeling, you know, it doesn't, it, you know, sometimes they, you know, people draw out mysteries and they do all this stuff and then the reveal comes out and it's like, what? Like that's, that's, that wasn't worth the wait. Like that's totally lame. But I think this, I think this was a good, a good reveal, and and it had a certain weight to it and everything. And you know, it, I I didn't feel sort of misled or or you know that the the mystery was propped up way too much for what it could deliver. You know, I thought it it, it had a good delivery yeah. and everything. I really hope uh, the listeners appreciate um, how hard it was for me. Not not saying I deserve any like special credit or anything, but man, do you guys know how hard it's been for me to keep all these secrets from you this whole time? <laughs> yeah, I, I I appreciate it. Yeah, I well, I mean, I want people to enjoy it like we do, episode by episode. And when we get those big bomb reveals, you know, I want them to, you know, be like us when we first saw it. Like, oh shit, that 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 just happened. So it, it's totally uh, it's a labor of love. I I, I like. Keeping you guys in suspense, uh, just like the show did. So I was going to say, I guess it's a good thing there was no like Sagara arm change Helheim Forest figure then, because you know, <laughs> then that w- that might have fucked shit up pretty quick. But <laughs> you're like, I know everything, quit it. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, again, another above average episode as we uh, keep going on. My name is Grundy, born on a Monday. 
The following recording was taken from an NSA wiretap of a back to the men's taping. No names have been changed. Everyone is guilty. Do I need to mine, or am I good where I'm at? Well, now you do. <laughs> if I have to mine, you have to yours. You might want to yours only if you do have it set to automatically because you don't want it to automatically because the thing never works right. Because what will happen is it will be used to you at a particular t- and then if you go out of that, t- it scrambles to uh, a d- and it doesn't ad- fast enough. So it's better to just set it up. Oh, okay. It, do- it really doesn't work well. So I checked right. uh, I checked my uh, mm-hmm. well, my pr- okay. It definitely billed build me for the hotel for all three of us. Join Back to the Bins every week for goodness. Solomon Grundy hate voiceovers. So now we're on episode 43 like I said, I'm serious. Every episode, I, get, I keep getting more excited. I, I can't wait to talk about the finale. Uh, this one, however, is called Bedlam's Ultimate Transformation. So uh, definitely a Kaito-heavy episode for Mr. Derek. I'm sure he's happy Woo! about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So definitely some good stuff. Um, we pick up again, like I said, uh, especially these last few episodes, breakneck speed. We're like, like pretty much the... the I think when you were talking about earlier before we uh, got on, you were talking about there's like a, a rest episode. I think that you were talking about the Coda, you know, Finding His Resolve episode, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, from here on out, it's pretty much balls to the wall. Um, so we have, like we said, Ryogen Yomi still trying to fight Gaim, and, you know, he, he's he's fighting him, and he's doing a good job, but at the same time, he's still taking pauses because this Loxied, like we described in the last episode, is draining his life as he fights. So, you know, and, like, you know, Coda, even now, it's like Sinner saying, like, dude, that lock seat is bad. It's not a good lock seat. It's fucking you up. But Mitchy just will have nothing of it. He's, he's wanting to defeat Coda. He wants to kill him. He wants to have Mai to himself. And, you know, then we have uh, a little kind of a dream sequence with Mai. And she's in the Team Gaim garage. And uh, DJ Cigar shows up again. And, you know... He basically says, because she wasn't, I don't think, really aware of it. You know, I don't think, like, because she's been, you know, she's been unconscious for, like, you know, an episode and a half. And he's basically telling her, you know, you have the golden fruit. And you can do anything you want with it based on your ideas, your ideals. You know, what you what you want to happen will happen. You know, like, like basically, I, I, he's kind of doing the Ryoma thing of whispering in her ears, like, you know, pick a champion. Do it, you know? <laughs> So, like, Cigar is, would you agree Cigar is seeming to be, like, despite not picking a side and not being, like, overtly, like, you know, muahahaha, he's becoming a little more sinister. Um, I I just think, like, there there's, there's a creepy aspect to the fact that he's done this over and over and over and over again. And, like, I think yeah. the, the reveal you get especially when he's talking with Mai beyond the fact that he's the Helheim forests personified is that, that Mai basically helped him discover and narrow down the champions much easier than it was on other planets. Like you get the idea that this was more longer and drawn out on other planets because he didn't have someone who basically, reached out to all the potential champions like and and based on that like that's that it's almost like he you know they go through this sort of she she was almost like an unwitting field agent for him 
Yeah, and they they go through all these like flashbacks and everything where they they show you know her role because I I mean essentially what she decides to do with the golden fruit is she she wants to try and change their fate you know she wants to try to change it so that Kota and Michi and Kota don't have to fight and you know I and and you can kind of understand that because you know Kota's still in that mode too like I know we've been talking about you know now Kota's in determined mode and then he takes a couple steps backward and you know before Kaito was talking about you know, Mitchie's newfound determination and resolve and, you know, that he didn't have anything holding him back. And you're hoping at this point, like, Coda's going to fight with Mitchie and hopefully he shouldn't have anything holding him back at this point. But it seems like he still does. You know, it's like his friendship with Mitchie sort of is holding him back on going balls out in this fight. And you're kind of wondering, like, where where is Coda's resolve? Like, like, you know, like, yeah you know, shouldn't he be fighting him? And, and, and I'm like, look, man, you got to stop playing around with this guy. Cause he, you know, it, it, he wants you dead, you know? And, and yeah, I mean, he's not playing around. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. He's not, he's not playing with kid gloves like you are. And, and that's going to get you killed. And I mean, it, it's funny cause you, I mean, I guess we're going to go into it, but I mean, they, they have a pretty decent fight. But what ends up happening is Mitchie goes full on and stabs Coda. And the reason why he gets the opening to stab Coda is because Coda instantly removes the, you know, dark grape Ryugan lock seed or whatever off him. And, and his whole time yeah. uh, was not actually spent trying to fight Mitchie, but try to figure out a way to take off his yeah. lock seed and save him, you know? And and then it's this kind of symbolic uh scene, you know? It's like he's he's fallen into all these bed feathers and they're surrounded with feathers and Mitchie's in that dark suit and like I, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but I was like, is that on purpose or is that just a happy fucking coincidence? Because there's, like, this weird scene where, like, Mitchie's crying over Coda's body and can't believe that he was still trying to help him even throughout his whole, you know, murderous rampage type situation. And then, you know, of course, he's got his weird sort of, well, I don't know if it's weird, it's probably human, but this this human thing to rationalize all the wrong he's done. And so he, he quickly kind of goes, oh, well, this is what I needed to do, and... This this is what was going to save my and you know and you were dumb to try and save me and you know that's your on you and 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 then and then there's like this little tiny white spider on Mitchie's suit like and I was kind of like that can't have been on purpose like that must have just been like some spider that was in all the boxes of feathers that they <laughs> that they dumped <laughs> on them or whatever but like I I just thought it was weird that like. It seemed to me like, oh, look, just like Mitchie's acting like a little bug. There's like a little bug on his suit, and he's he's spinning his web and making up his own little set of you know his own little web of rationalizations and lies to sort of justify his actions and everything. And I was kind of, I'm like, I guess it must be a happy coincidence, but I kind of read into it a whole bunch because I was like, that's. I was say like, dare go a metaphysical over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I was just like, oh, that's kind of, you know, it was it was a neat scene. Um, you know, I I do 
I, I was a little disappointed that, you know, I mean, it, it's it's like you, you have that moment where you're like, holy shit. Like, I mean, he he really he stabs him straight through the chest. So, like, you think he's. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, at that time, it was like, oh, is he fucking dead? Like, and I go, he well, he can't be dead. He's like the main character. But there's that little voice in the back of your head going, well, he got stabbed through the fucking stomach. That looks pretty fucking fa- fatal to me. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I was starting to wonder, like, if. You know, there was some kind of, you know, dream sequence or, or, or if Mai was going to go back in time and change just that one moment or something or whatever. Because basically, like, at this point, since Mai has the golden fruit and, and she's, you know, basically jumping around through time, you know, it, it, I feel like, I mean, you know, I don't know, you, you could you could say I'm a dirty liar or whatever, but I feel like I knew enough to know that Mai was from the future. Like, and, and I feel sort of vindicated because the, the big revelation is now that Mai has the golden fruit and it's her heart and in her chest and all this stuff, and it was bestowed on her by Big Daddy Silver, she's kind of like the after image of the Barry Allen Flash and Crisis. Like, that's basically what yeah. you, you get the reveal. It's like, you know, if, if anybody's familiar with that story, it's like the, the Flash dies in issue eight, and as he's spinning around to stop the any monitor's machine, like, there are these after images that go back in time, so people like Batman and Superman and whoever, you know, they, they see this image of the Flash, and the Flash is like, you've got to hurry up, he's coming, like, you've got to stop it, and he's trying to give all these messages out. And it's kind of interesting, because Mai is like that, too, because all these all these versions we've seen of Mai, this blonde-haired version with the one red eye, yeah, throughout, the whole series, eye yeah. throughout the whole series, have been this version of Mai, that's basically desperately pleading with all the main protagonists to take a different path stop to stop yeah. fighting. And and what ends up getting uh, passed along to them, it, it's interesting. It's like it's like there's the emotional my, like the, the one that wants to go, oh, just stop it. Like, don't do this anymore. But what comes out is like the dialogue you've seen, this kind of premonition, kind of vague, cryptic, like, if you go down this path, you will not be able to stop. You know, and it's like it's like she's trying to tell them, but she can't. Basically, like it, it, you you find out it's sort of like futile because she's already been there and it didn't work that first time. But I mean, I did feel rather vindicated thinking she was like basically a future version of herself, which you know, for all intents and purposes, she was. Yeah, which if you remember way back when, you're like, is that a future version of herself? I was like. Who knows? Maybe I'm like, damn it! <laughs> you already figured it out. <laughs> yeah, as I've said many times in the, this uh, show, shit gets real. Basically, uh, yeah, you have Mitchie who stabs Coda, and he, for all his purposes, he's dead. Uh, um, we also have Coda saying, "I always thought one of his good lines was, you know, I've already forgiven you. Like, you just need to forgive yourself before this gets worse." Like, even dying, he's not like, you know, you suck. I hate you. He's like, don't go down a darker path, Mitchie. I'm like, Jesus Christ, Coda, you're like insane. Well, like, he's he's basically hugging him as he's dying and, and telling him, like, we're still going to be friends. Like, yeah. like the, my, my favorite line, I mean, I don't know that I really subscribe to any of this, but but, I mean, it's a, 
it's a wonderful notion. I mean, if if it was actually if I didn't think it was all, you know, fairy tales and puppy dogs and all this shit, like like I would be behind it. But, you know, it, it's like there's this this wonderful line where he he says he says this will just we'll look back on this and laugh and it'll just be this blemish. Like we won't even notice it. Like it'll be like a little ink stain <laughs> on a on a giant black shirt that we'll never even realize it happened. You know, like and and like there's that part of me like that doesn't believe that because I think in my own life, like there have been points where there was just no return from. You know what I mean? Like like I, I, I think that's why I hearken back and I got all, you know, philosophical about Big Daddy Silver and the empty castle because I think I think, you know, in my own life I found, you know sometimes life is too short and, and you're like, look, I, I can't you know, I, I can give and give and give, but eventually like something's gotta go. And and sometimes there have been cases where, you know, you're left with this empty castle and, and you're like, look, I can't I, you know, I can't be friends with, with certain people after a certain period of time or whatever. But, I mean, there is that bittersweet notion of, I wish that wasn't true. You know, so, I mean, yeah. in some sense, I guess I do agree with Coda, you know, where it's like, I wish, I wish, I wish if I, all, all I had to do was say that to someone and they would realize what a doof they were being and kind of wake up or whatever. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I, I wish hey, I well, could I mean, do Derek, something. Well, I mean, Derek, I totally forgive you for shitting me five times in the face. I got over <laughs> it. It hurt. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he pretty much kills his friend, and Coda's still okay with it. Like, I mean, he's, he's not okay dying, but he's like, I forgive you, my friend. You're my buddy. And I'm like, you're a saint, man. Um, but Mitchie, even though, I mean, there is, I mean, I'm not going to discredit Mitchie. There's obviously, like, a little bit of regret there. But he's still, you know, he, like you said, he, he's justifying it. He's like, you know, I, I did what I had to do. And, you know, I may not like it, but you know, I had to do this for Mai. Speaking of which, he takes off to go find Mai because he's like, wait a minute. I left her with Ryoma. That was a good idea. <laughs> and uh, in a quick little scene, we have Chucky and Pekka arriving at the gang garage because the main reason they escaped is so they could tell uh, Kaito and Minato about Mai. Um so, like, basically, Ryoma says that, like, you know, the, the operation was a success. He's got the golden fruit. And, you know, like, he, they're like, Mitchie is, like, you know, doing good at killing Coda. It's like, everything Ryoma wants is, is just going up bases. And, unfortunately, Mitchie doesn't understand that by, Ray, by success, Ryoma has a different term than he does. Ryoma didn't give it, like I said in the last episode, I kind of hinted at it. He didn't give a shit about killing mine. He just wanted the golden fruit. And pretty much, uh, since it was her heart, he just took her heart out, more or less. Damn. Oh, but Ryan was an asshole. <laughs> yeah, well, he, yeah, he obviously, you know, could give two shits about, about my, like, I mean, he, he, it's that whole, you know, Mangala scientific thing where it, you know, people and feelings and all that stuff just mean absolutely nothing and and it's all you know based on his you know his desire to obtain the golden fruit and all that kind of stuff but yeah it's i mean it's pretty i mean you know she's on that that iron kind of you know table and everything and then and, and mitchy comes in and sees the the sheet over her and everything and then pulls it off and her face is all white and everything and he i mean at this point like i mean if 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 
if you thought he was broken when he killed his brother, like talking to ghosts and shit, and of course that that comes back because Takatora is like the ghost is like you know it's essentially his conscious going you fucked up, bro, like <laughs> you fucked up hardcore, you know, and 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 he's all basically, that stuff I told you pretty much what you just did. <laughs> yeah, and 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 he he basically crumbles to the floor and is is crying and everything. I mean, at that point he's you know, they, I mean that's you know it, it basically it's like. He's not I, I broken, think, he's shattered. Well, yeah. the, the the thing is, it's like he it, it's that thing of you you do certain things you're not happy with to to attain a certain goal, and and it's like finding out like okay, you you murdered your best friend, but it was for your best girl. Like that's that's Mitchie's point of view. But now you've come back just from having murdering your best friend to realizing your best girl is also gone. So everything you had just done. Murdering your brother, murdering your best friend, you know, basically treating everybody else like shit for this one chick, and now, like, she also is pretty much dead, and you're just like, fuck, you know, like, what what, what, yeah. is, what the hell did I do all that for, you know? Yeah, and, and because of this, he, he's, he's angry now, he's, he's beyond angry, he does, he does have a moment of, like, you know, sorrow, where he, like I said, he does fall, and he's like, you know, what the, what the hell did I do? But uh, it's quickly replaced by, you know, anger, especially at Ryoma. And uh, Michi tries to turn into Zangetsu Shin because his other Lockheed was taken away. And it probably would have been a good idea anyway, since it was, you know, slowly killing him. Um, however, Ryoma, kind of like Big Daddy Silver in some ways, he's a couple of steps ahead of Michi. And he's got the kill switch for the Genesis driver. And that pretty much totally takes Michi out as far as using his ability to transform. And Ryoma just beats the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just kicks him like. Well, it's funny because he's he's kind of like crawling to him almost, and and it's this very like get the fuck off me, and he kicks him away and all this kind of stuff, and and like I guess you know the the failsafe on the Genesis drivers is a lot like you know OCP order number four. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, you can <laughs> you, you guys can have your moral highfalutin moments all you want, but I'm putting in my little directive like. Genesis drivers cannot kill Ryoma. I just have to flip this kill switch, and that's the end of it, you know? Yeah, it works pretty well. And he uh, uh, almost starts to, like, he, like, you know, makes fun of his brother, too. He's like, you're just like your brother, you know? And he's, like, starting to uh, strangle him. He's going to kill Mitchie. He's like, I, I don't have any use for you. You're done. Well, yeah, he's got he's got that line about, you know, the reason... Because he, he, he talks about his brother, and then he—it's he, it, weird. Like I think they maybe directly translated it, so it's hard to convey. Like because the the translation felt a little clunky to me. But I think the idea is that he's like, you know why, you know, like you know why you don't become a bad boy. You don't become a bad boy because. Bad boys start, you know, mingling with other bad boys. But what you'll find out is eventually those bad boys will come against somebody who's truly evil. And basically, he's referring to themselves. Yeah, pretty much like Ryoma is is kind of over yet. He's he's he doesn't care anymore. He wants to kill Mitty. However, he is stopped though because the forbidden fruit comes out and basically. You know, it turns into the spectral mind, and the the the, the I guess you say the blue-haired mind. And she tells Mitchie that 
get a code. Man, Mitch is having a bad day for forgiveness. <laughs> Everything you do that sucks, you're cool, man. It's like, I think it'll make you almost feel worse. Um, Mitch, however, takes a little bit differently than Cody. He like, tries to read for uh, my, but he can't. And uh, my travels back in time, while Sagara is like, so saying, you're, you're, what you're doing is crazy. And, you know, it, it was like, it's not impossible. You might be able to change the future, but I highly doubt it. You know, he, again, and he's, he's still playing besides, you know, he's like, you can do this, but I don't see why, but I mean, whatever, you know. And and this is this is actually what you were talking about earlier, because my seems to be coming like you know an unwing like you know uh, talent scout if you will, because she uh, arrives right when Kota first turns into Kachidoki Arms against the Kurokage Troopers, Kurokage Troopers on the Yggdrasil Tower, and, and she sees past the Jason Garo, the one who was around back then. And she's like, why, why did you encourage him? Like, why, why did you give him this ability? Because he was, he, he's probably been one of the guys who's been giving Coda the most of his weaponry as the series has gone along. And he said, you know, like I said, this is all to see who's worth getting fruit. I put my best on his pony, and you just, you know, kind of confirmed it by, you know, coming back, back and proving that, like, maybe this is a good watch. So, you know, I mean, like, what do you think about this? Do you think I was coming back, or do you think like you know, oh, is she dead, or you know, like you know? Well, I I think I uh, I guess I I took it to be what what it was that like you know her human body was was dead on the table essentially, but that you know basically having the golden fruit inside of her, you know, basically it's like that that's when that you know basically all of Ryoma's science and machinations just don't compute because you know the 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 fruit you know basically breaks out of the jar and turns into my, you know, or spectral my, as, as you're calling her, you know, and then that's when she pulls the Barry Allen and, you know, kind of extends all these after images. And you see this cool sequence of her sort of flying through the time stream or whatever. And then you see all these little images from the series that we've seen from, from the last, you know, 40 something episodes. And as if they're, you know, entryways to where she can, you know, show up and maybe possibly make a difference in the timeline or something like that. But, you know, Sagara's like, yeah. this is, this is kind of insane. I mean, even basically he says, even with the power of the golden fruit, you're, you're taxing it, you know, basically it's like, it, you know, it's kind of like here, the MacGuffin on the show can do anything, but what you're trying to do even taxes anything. Do you know what I mean? Like it's even you're you're yeah. even trying to do more than anything, you know, and and you know basically it's it's like her trying to make sense of all these, you know, past events on the show and see if there's a good point to actually, you know, jump in and and try to warn them and change it. And you know, I I mean ultimately it seems like it's a it, it it's sort of a futile endeavor, but that Sagara was still able to use that to you know, you know, they had hinted at it and, and, and it sort of confirmed in this that, you know, on the other planets where this happened, there wasn't somebody who tried to do this ever. So it's not like he knew who his front runner, his, his pony to bet on was going to be right up front. Whereas in this, like she appears to Koda, she appears to Kaito. Like, so it's like, you know, he can see who the front runners are going to potentially be. And then they have that interesting sequence where it, it sort of is the, 
it's it's kind of like the dream plane interpretation of the struggle and and she sees the the images of orange arms and banana arms and they're kind of facing off against one another and and it's kind of interesting so you know yeah yeah maybe maybe there's something to that um Oh, come on, we'll find out very soon. Uh, you, you guys heard the title of the damn episode. Come on. Um, <laughs> uh, Kaido and Minato uh, try to arrive to help, but they're too late. And they see Michi uh, for the first time in a long time showing dealing with an ocean and, like, crying next to uh, Mai's corpse. And Ryoma is just out of his head. He's, like, trying to figure out where the fruit is. He, he has that look in his eye, like, like, Ugh. Um... Both uh, Minato and Kaito, you know, decided it's time to take this guy down. But um, there was one thing he said. He said Sengoku driver earlier. They both have Genesis drivers. And apparently, Ioma's uh, face only work on Genesis drivers. Because Kaito still has his Sengoku driver, and he's able to uh, turn into banana arms. So that actually does help. Um, Ryoma transforms into Duke, though. And again, it's like Duke is really powerful, and... These basic Sengoku drivers, even if you're really skilled, somebody knows how to use these drivers, you know, obviously Ryama's taking time to train a little bit. You know, he's not a, a, a wimpy professor or scientist who can just be applied with uh, his power. And it's also pretty safe to assume that with his knowledge, he probably made the Duke armor a little bit stronger than some of the other armors, too. But not only that, but one of the big things is that Kaito is still suffering from the infection from the Helheim uh, forest uh, monster Reggie. And, you know, it's just, it's easy, you just can't keep up. And Ryoma, being the dickhead he is, is, is starting to pick on Kaido, like, you know, mocking him, like, yeah, 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 apparently, apparently you're not that strong. A little infection from an overlord just takes you out. And this is where shit gets very, very real. So Kaito, you know, he, he, you know in his head, he's got all this pain he went through, and what he's had to go through to get to where he is, you know, not just by being an armored rider, but even before in his previous life, you know, just as a beat writer, dancer, and all this stuff. And he's like, he even remembers saying, you know, he's like, he ate a fruit, and like, he couldn't control it. And what does Kaito do? He decides, you know, when he ate a hell, what's it? Uh, he basically turns it to an overlord in this called Lord Baron. Yeah, surprisingly enough, Kaito, despite being a human and not having his uh, driver well, not effectively against uh, Ryoma, he, he manages to still maintain his personality even in an invest overlord form. And it's like, not good for Ryoma. He, he pretty much smacked the shit out of Ryoma down. He, he uh, it's just no match for an overlord. Yeah, I I thought it was I thought it was pretty awesome, like that sequence where he he just straight up punches Ryoma into the goddamn wall, and there's that imprint of him. I mean, he, he it's like it's like a real life fucking Warner Brothers Wild E Coyote moment, but I mean, it's it's like for real, like he fucking hits him so goddamn hard, and like that was a great fulfilling moment too because that you know like like Redu, Ryoma is one of those guys where you're like that's right like you deserve to get fucking 
taken out that way, you fucking asshole, you know, because it's like all the the nefarious shit he's propagated over these episodes. And it's like it's it's just great that that, you know, I mean, because basically at that point, he thinks that Kaito was going to be at his lowest ebb. He was weakened. He took away everything but the the main Sengoku driver and he was just going to have his way with with him and and, and kind of go about his business because he thought he was so smug and superior and it's 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 interesting because you know i i think up until this point you know they had kind of established you know okay well you eat that fruit and then you're transformed into an invest and you know basically all hope is lost but it's like he sort of transcends what we know you know like because he's been infected already so he basically has no fears over eating the fruit because he's like well you know it'd be like if you if you eat a certain type of fruit you turn into a zombie and he's like well shit i was already fucking bitten by a zombie so there's not much it can do to me other than give me more power if i eat this fruit and then he goes ahead and does it and um i think this is i mean i think what what is uh, you know kind of surprising to all the the various members of the cast that witnessed this is he preserves his consciousness you know like his strength yeah. of will is so strong that it it's not like he is submerged in this monstrous form and and it's it's a totally different person it's still kaito and 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 the other thing was i at, at one point i was kind of thinking oh well maybe he's just stuck that way now but even by the time he finishes the fight he basically morphs back into himself too so it's like he, he he can you know transform back and forth at will and when he does transform back into a human that that wound that he previously had that had been causing him so much grief is basically gone, but now he's got all these kind of green veins on his skin and everything. So it's like you can tell that's now, you know, probably running through his bloodstream, the whole Helheim invest fruit stuff. Yeah, it, yeah, it has obviously changed him, and, you know, he's he's not the same person he was, even if it's just like a base form as far as mentally he is but he's definitely evolved i guess you would say um yes yeah, so he uh basically he does kill Ryoma. you know he like he gets rid of him and with a guy like Ryoma, it's kind of hard to feel bad for him it's like oh no you killed him no you're a monster it's like kind of had it coming um Minato, uh also like uh, during this uh Ryoma's belt comes off and she picks up the genesis driver so she she's back into the game and, um, yeah, it, the thing about it is, is, like, we're at a point now where the whole idea with Kaito, he's having trouble keeping up with Kota as far as power level. Not with ambition, not with skill, but uh, just being able to have the same powers like uh, Kachidoki arms or Kawami arms. Kind of getting on an evil level, level here now, like, even, even Keel... And it's like you know, really, you know, making making you wonder what's going to happen. But yeah, they're they're more on an even keel, and um, you know, basically, like Kaido is like you know he has resolve again. You know, he's like has more power now, and like I said, Monado has picked up a Genesis driver, so she has an ability to transform again. So that pretty much leaves us on that. You know, we we have basically our our 
two heroes of this episode, I would say, uh, Kaido and Minato, left in kind of an interesting place. Uh, I don't know if Kaido's left in a good place. He's more powerful now. But, I mean, he is an Invis monster. He's an Invis overlord, basically. And that's not great. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to be that. But at the same time, he's more powerful now. And he's still Kaido. I mean, like you said, he could transform back into Kaido. It's not like he's just a, a rampaging, mindless monster. Yeah, because at, at first I, I really thought, like, once he ate that fruit that he would be stuck that way. But I guess either for for financial reasons or the fact that, you know, they actually wanted to see the actor instead of a suit for the rest of the series, like, he, he does have the ability to go backward and forward. Though it looks like it looks like he got, like, the magic ability of crazy hair when he turned into a full-on <laughs> yeah. invest, because it seems like whenever he comes back and changes back into his human form, it's like, it's it's not quite done in the same hairstyle, you know, it's not quite as, I don't know, coiffed or whatever you want to call it, like, it just, it's like, crazy hair, you know, so. A little, little wilder looking, yeah. Yeah. Like, like yeah, monstrous, I guess you would say. Um, yeah, I, gosh, I, I think, I don't even know who did the last rating, I don't think it really matters, um, I want to go, I got to go five. I really do, because this is a big Kaido moment. And, like, I, I gave Koda a five on his Kiwami Arms transformation. And, this, and like, this is no spoilers. This is just where we are at the series. This is Kaido's final transformation. This is his most powerful form. And it's cool. It's badass. And um, Rayoma deserved it. He deserved to be off like a dick, because he was a dick. So, and also the stuff with my and her transformation into, like, you know, whatever Mai she is now, future Mai. I pretty much thought it was a five pineapple episode. Like, I really enjoyed it. Like, I love the the stuff with, with Ryoma getting punched into the wall, and, you know, Mai doing the whole Barry Allen thing, and, you know, Kota getting killed. I mean, it was all big major events. So so I, I gave it a five out of five, and I think you were you were sort of going in that direction. Oh, yeah, if, if you didn't get it, yeah, I, I said, uh, yeah, this is definitely a, for me, it's a five pineapple episode, just because, like you said, we, we have, like, Kaido being a badass, and, you know, I gave Kwame Arms that episode when he debuted a five uh, pineapple. I gotta do it for Kaido. He's, like, basically the, the second biggest hero in this series. So, you know, even if it is kind of on the dark side, still really cool. And I, I agree that my stuff is really fun, too. We see Future Buy appear. And, of course, uh, Ryoma being a dick, getting treated like a dick and getting slapped down. Very enjoyable. Uh, yeah, like, like I said, it's, it's going to get harder and harder not to give every episode five pineapples at this point. But this one totally deserves it. It was well worth it. And probably, probably as far as the arc goes, one of my favorite episodes. There's a couple more, but this is one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, I, I think I would be willing to say this was the favorite episode for me of, of this arc. So I thought it was great. Cool. You've decided to go to a nearby restaurant. You ask the hostess to seat you in a booth. As you sit, you notice an animated conversation among the four seated behind you. They're talking about Star Wars and Doctor Who and something called the Laugh Olympics. These are the people you used to pants in high school. And yet you cannot help listening. Unable to tear your ears away, you realize you've just been sucked into the dinner for geeks. 
Dinner for Geeks, weekly at twotruefreaks.com. All right, so that moves us on along. We are going to the episode next, episode 44. This one's got kind of a oddly, I don't know, hopeful title. Uh, this was called Two People Aiming at the Future. Kind of, you know, sounds like a Hallmark greeting card. Um, <laughs> it's the lifetime, was... the lifetime guy movie. <laughs> when two armored riders find out they love each other, what will happen? Uh, <laughs> we start off this one uh, pretty much like, as I said, these, these episodes are going to be pretty, pretty much right after another. We're not going to really have any more kind of time, you know, go by in between episodes uh, for this, like, arc. So we go right with Chucky and Pecco. And they're uh, right to the warehouse where uh, Gaiman and Michi are fighting. And they find that uh, Coda is pretty beat up, like, badly beat up. (laughs) Not not even kind of like, you know, uh, but like, you know, like we were saying last time, exploded in feathers and shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if if Coda didn't have Savage Dragon recovery powers, he would be fucking dead. So, I mean, they, they kind of think he is pretty dead, I mean, when they stumble across him. But then I guess they kind of, I don't know, it dawns on them to bring him back to the, you know, the Gaim garage with the happy balloons and all kinds of stuff, so. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they have hope that he, he might be okay, so. Yeah, they, they managed to get him away. And uh, during this, we, we find out that Mai, who's been kind of hopping around through the time time stream, you know, doing some time lord shit, uh, she's in the middle of the Sengoku Rider War. Uh, it's it's kind of cool, though, because uh, Sagara is there, and, you know, he's talking about how all four writers who, who are here have the potential to claim their fruit. But this happened in the past. Even though this – bear with me, folks – even though they showed this in the beginning of Gun with all these people like facing off, this is during the Goku Rider War, which has already happened. So this doesn't really have any effect on what's happening now. <laughs> Do you follow me? <laughs> no, I, I mean I I don't know. I think that makes sense to me. Like I, I I know some you know I know I know in some cases I was sort of forewarned that the the end of the series gets incredibly confusing but i guess maybe because i've dealt with so much of this stuff like i've already sort of mentioned how i i see my as like a flash barry allen after image you know going back and telling everybody stuff and it just seems like there's there's variations on what she can do with the golden fruit it's like she can she can certainly go back and warn people but sagara is basically saying look for the timeline to come into full focus, it, it has to be decided. It's either going to be Coda or it's going to be Kaido. And until it's decided, then you can't... I mean, it, it, it makes it pointless to traverse back to these periods where it's undecided, basically. And and so, like, yeah. to me, I'm like, well, that, that kind of makes sense. And then and then it seems like it's, it's sort of too to Coda's advantage to be in a near-death state in a weird way because it seems like that's the most fluid that after image my can be, you know, like it's almost like the closer you are to death or maybe when you actually are, you know, spoilers dead, it's really easy to hear what she has to say. Whereas when you're alive, it's all that kind of cryptic, like, you know, this may be dangerous. 
oranges are orange and apples are apples and sometimes <laughs> bananas are bananas, you know, and don't go this way, you know, and you're kind of like, okay, and and are you going <laughs> to fill me in some more? And it's like, what I meant to say was, don't go into the yellow door, you know, or whatever, but it comes out all <laughs> kind of cryptic or whatever. So, so there's that, there's that aspect to it as well, because it's like Kota and, and my sort of have this dream talk and everything. And it, it sort of seems to come back to, you know, kind of like a, it's not a pay it forward, but it's like a, a pay it forward back to my, I guess. I, I don't know what the right term is, but it's, it's reciprocal, you know, like when, when Kota was in his really, bad state and and was kind of facing all the burdens on his own you know that was you know we had noted that that's kind of an adult reaction that my had where she's like uh, uh you know yes uh you know uh, you are revealing a deep dark secret to me and some of those secrets are that you took all this burden on your own but her adult reaction was well now that you've told me you know, I'm not going to spurn you. I'm I'm going to offer to share the burden with you. And and I think yeah. Kota in this instance is, you know, obviously it's all dream talk at this point, but he's he's returning the favor. You know, Mai is kind of saying, oh, I tried so hard. You know, I tried to go back and, and warn you guys, but it came out all cryptic and you didn't understand it. And all my after images feel like they're for, for naught. But, you know, Kota's basically telling Mai, hey, look, I... You know, uh, just as you help me share the burden, you know, you are not alone in this. Like we will share the burden of the golden fruit together and and we'll we'll make this work. We'll fix this somehow, you know, and, and that's yeah. seems to be the decision that they they come to in this point. I mean, it's almost like it's funny because I, I know they're, they they kind of make this statement like, you know, maybe somehow Kota is the other viable candidate that Sagara or the Helheim forest sees. But I mean, to me, this conversation basically cements why Mai and Kota are meant to be together. Like, like they've actually kind of cemented and made an adult decision. I mean, they're, I mean, essentially like that's it, to me, I mean, I, you know, I can't speak for it myself because I am not part of a couple but but I, I can at least say that if I was in a couple, that's what I would like being in a couple to be like. You know, that's my idealized version yeah. of, of being a couple, that, that it's not one-sided, you know, from one party or the other, that it's this mutual respect and admiration and, and mutual sharing of the, you know, I mean, basically, like, that's that's like a wedding vow, you know, like, in good times and bad, you know, like, yeah. we... We will share our burdens, you know, so that's to me like that seemed to be to be even though even though they kind of are trying to draw out the the anticipation and everything and you're you know, you're 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 at the edge of your seat clinging, you know, kind of looking at all these potential battles like in some ways, I feel like those two characters, even though they try to make it sort of vague and mysterious, you know, I, I think at that point it was kind of decided. Yeah. Um, yeah. During all this. This kind of dream time speak, uh, um, you know, uh, dialogue between Mai and Kota. Um, Kaido, Yoka, and Michi, you know, they, they, they see that Mai's corpse has faded away. And DJ Sagara informs them that, you know, even though she is no longer here, she's not dead. She's just not a human anymore. <laughs> and, you know, uh, he, he tells them about, like, her right going to the past and stuff. And now she's known as the Woman of Beginning. Um, that's her new title. So first uh, woman. <laughs> yeah. 
first woman at the White House. Um, it, you know, it, her her whole duty is to pass the golden fruit to the champion. Uh, Mitchie, Mitchie, I, this is where you kind of start to feel bad for him because, you know, he's been an asshole for a while now. But man, he is so broken now. <laughs> he's just he's busted up like like mentally, like physically he's fine, but as far as his emotional state, he's like I, I don't care. You know, he's he's almost like the he's almost like Big Daddy Silver because he's like I can't have mine anymore, so I don't give a shit. And Kaito, of course, he's like I give no fucks. I'm going to win. You know, that's just you know what it's, Kaito it's, is. It's it's interesting because you know Michi at that point seems to completely dis disregard the the possibilities you know it's like to him the only my he wanted was i guess the human my where whereas my, like, yeah. you know whereas whereas kota and and kaito both sort of come to the conclusion that they they sort of somehow see beyond that veneer you know like like they 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 still are like i will fight you know basically like kaito's almost disgusted with Michi. He's like, fine, go have your fucking weep fest, but I'm, you know, I'm going to find the version of her that still exists. And, you know, he's very, um, he's territorial and, and kind of, um, possessive in that way where, you, you know, it, it's, it's yeah. one of those, it, it's funny. Cause it's like, depending on your point of view, you may not like that at all, but I, I find it sort of endearing that he's so set in his ways, and to him it's almost like a foregone conclusion. Like, it's not so much like, if this happens, it's like, I will do this, and this will happen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's that's kind of where his mindset is, and he's like, I will obtain the golden fruit, and my will be mine, and that's just how it's going to be. Like, that's kind of his his newfound purpose or or i guess continuing his his existing purpose you know refining it to the situation he finds himself in now yeah and and you have to remember uh listeners even though kaito uh can be a human right now and go to his human form his alternate form now is no longer a writer he is an overlord so you know or he has overlord like powers um he he, he turns into a monster um so uh, yeah, we do have the the dream talk with Maya and uh, Coda, uh, but Maya is like you know she she remembers you know that Kaido is still out there, and his view of the future, like Derek said, you know, is like his his future. You know, it's not like the one her and Coda want to build toward. And she's like, okay, I gotta you know figure some shit out, and like <laughs> she kind of disappears for a little bit. Um, we see that uh, Minato and um, you know Kaito, you know, she's like she's. She's feeling more, um, I was about to say proud, but not proud. She feels more uh, confident in her decision to stay with Kaido. She's uh, she's feeling she backed the right pony, if you will. Um, so uh, we, we have, like, you know, side being chosen again. Uh, and the next day, you know, we have Orin, uh, Chip, and Zach. Um, they're looking for uh, Kaito and Minato. And the, the, the two lesser writers... <laughs> Uh, kind of go up to Kaido. But Oren's like, this this isn't the same Kaido, guys. You know, he's like, you know, this way to put it is like, this is this is almost kind of like Anakin when he's flirting with like you know the dark side. Not when he like is turned to Darth Vader, but when he's like killing jo like sand people and stuff. 
I think Oren's sensitive to the whole crazy hair thing, you know, like he knows, he knows <laughs> something's up, you know, he, he, he basically has that line where he's like, you know, Mr. Banana, you are very much changed since the last short time we have met, you know, like he, he kind of has a sixth sense about, you know, even though he hasn't seen the proof of it yet, he kind of knows that something is different. Yeah. And uh, this basically ends up turning into Kaido summoning Invest, and him and Minato transform. And poor Zack is kind of corn, because he, he likes hanging out with Orin and Chip, and he likes Coda and all those guys. But, you know, his main lo- his, his loyalty to them is not as strong as his friendship and loyalty to Kaido, because he was, you know, obviously a part of Team Baron originally. And Zack is like, you know... I'm I'm gonna help uh, Monado because she's with Kaido and I want to you know take out uh, Chip and uh, unfortunately this this is I mean this is not a spoiler this is just the truth this is the end of Orin and Chip as writers they're alive but their uh, lock seeds are destroyed yeah they, they they usually the the denotion is you can see the lock seed and the driver have a big like slash through them and you can tell they're basically you know it's it's unrecoverable. I mean, they they can never transform again. Is the vibe that you get from everything. And and I also remember thinking that when I was watching this for the first time, like how sort of, I guess you know, scary and impressive it is that you you even though he looks human, the fact that he's summoning you know basically they make the comment he's summoning Invest without a lock seed. And, like, that's that yeah. kind of thing where you realize, you know, kind of what it is to be an overlord. It's like that that power is just within you, you know, like, and, and that yeah. it, it's it's something he can summon at any time. So, to me, that was kind of like this impressive scene, you know. Basically, he's he's sort of flexing his, his newfound power, you know, in front of them, kind of showing, like, look, I can... I can unleash hell on you if I want to, you know, like that's, that's kind yeah. of where, where he's coming from. Yeah. You know, they, they get a full taste of that. You know, they, they, they realize like, you know, Warren said, this is not the same Kaido and you know, this Kaido, he, he has gotten to that point where he is willing to do anything to achieve his goal. And, uh, the Orin and ship retreat and they, uh, run to tell Coda and then what happened. And, uh, even though Coda, he's not dead. He he's beat all the fuck up, but he's not dead. <clears throat> and despite being fucked up, he's like, I've got to go face Kaido. They do kind of have the commentary before Orin and and Chip bust through the the Gaim Garage or whatever that his sister and and Pecco and the the girl. What's her name? Chucky Pecco. Yeah, Chucky and Pecco. Right, Pecco's the girl. Isn't that it? I yeah. think so, yeah. Like, think, yeah, yeah. you know, they're they're both kind of tending to his wound, but it's like they keep looking back at it almost surprised at how, basically, like, it, it seems like he has a big hole in his chest when they find him, but now that they're looking at it, it's like, oh, hey, this looks like a, a really bad, like, you know, scratch or something. You know what I mean? Like, that it's, yeah. it's it still hurts him, obviously, but if it was anybody else, they'd be long dead. But he's basically recovering because of all this overlord crap in his system. You know, like he's he's basically yeah, this, he's self regenerating essentially. And yeah, and it's it, kind of like Wolverine. Wolverine when his his powers were sensible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I mean, he's not. It's not like he's 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 uh, doing a jig or anything like that. But 
but he, I mean, obviously, you know, anybody else would have been, you know, in the grave by this point, but he's actually just still stumbling around and kind of fighting through it. And, and when Oren's like, you've got to be, you know, reasonable, man, like you can't just go out like this. And he's like, look, I've got to do something before Kaido does something he can't take back. He's like, you know, and, 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 and that to me seemed like a really important moment because it, it gives you the yeah. sense of, of sort of dread and, and, and kind of ups the stakes because you understand what he's saying. I mean, he's like, look, he just destroyed your lock seeds and your drivers, but he didn't kill you yet. But what yeah, if he yeah, does exactly. kill one of us? Like, I, I, I have to stop him before he goes that far, you know, because he will go that far. You know, so so I, I, I need to make sure that yeah. that doesn't happen. Yeah, so he, he finds Kaido and he, like, confronts him. And Kaido's, like, you know, I, I guess because of his his evolution to to uh, an overlord, he, he kind of knows more about what's going on. And also because of Sagara, what he told him. You know, he, he tells him that, you know, for Mai to come back and exist fully in this world, uh, you know, and rule the world, like, he must win the Golden Fruit. And he has to challenge and defeat Kaido to do that. You know, he wants to bring Maya back, too. Because I don't know if, like, Kaido really wants to be with Mai, but he knows that for him to rule, he has to have the woman of the beginning by his side. It's it's interesting. I mean, I, I guess maybe it'll come up in, in some of the later episodes, but I, I feel like that opens the door to talk about it now. But it's like he I, – I think he does want to be with Mai. I mean, I, 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 Probably, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think he, he does want to be with her, but it, it's interesting because from his perspective, the two are, are basically interchangeable. I mean, they're, 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 he, he doesn't view them as any different from the other. The golden fruit and my are like the same thing is ostensibly yeah. to him, you know, like, and, and that's just how he views it, you know, and it's not, it's not that he doesn't want to, it's not like, it, I, I think, I think there is something to the idea that, that if the golden fruit wasn't with my, that things might be a little different. Like I, I really yeah. do, you know, like, you know, especially if it was like, yeah. you know, like what if Oren had the golden fruit, you know, like that kind of, you know what I mean? Like just, just any, I, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think things would be different. Like, so, so yeah. I, I think there still is something to that, you know? Yeah, and um, they they basically turn into their like base rider forms to begin with. Um, I said that uh, Kaito is now an Overlord, but he does still have his driver. He can turn into his armor form, so that's not a, taken away from him. It's just that's not his most powerful form. Um, but eventually, it gets too you know uh, intense, and Kaito turns into his Overlord form and Koda into Kawami arms and. During this big battle, you know, the back and forth, you know, it's like one gets the upper hand, the other gets the upper hand. Uh, Zach transforms, and because Coda is still banged up, you know, he's not at full strength. It looks like Zach is actually kind of getting the better of him. But, like, as he's uh, overpowering him, he, like, kind of, like, you know, whispers to him, like, you know, run, get away, you know. And he's like, Coda's like, holy shit, Zach's not on Kaido's side. <laughs> Zach is a triple agent. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it, it's like this kind of they they want to do the whole twist thing on you where you know you were thinking that that you know Zach basically betrayed everybody you know especially when like Oren and Chip come back to the Gaim Garage they're like that bastard traitor rah 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 you know and and yeah. at this point you know there's that notion where you you see him whisper to um, you know 
Kaito, you know, in the middle of the fight. And it's like, it's, it's all, you know, basically the, this whole thing has been for show, you know, and he's kind of like, just retreat for now, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and like, you know, that's, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it also shows like, again, you know, we, we've talked to, uh, so much about how the characters in this show evolve beyond just their powers. And Zack has turned into his own person. You know, he's, he's no longer a Kaido shadow. You know, he may not be as powerful as Kaido, but he's not just Kaido's little lapdog like, you know, the Team Baron used to be. They're, they're not just, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, Mr. Kaido, sir. You know, he, he's his own man, which is really, really kind of cool. Um, But, yeah, we, we kind of leave on that cliffhanger because, you know, we're like, you know, what will happen next? Um, Which we'll find out. But first, got to do the rankings, obviously. Um, I'm going to give this a solid four pineapples just because – there's not a lot of fights in it. The fights are really good that they have, um, and they're long. It's just that, you know, we don't have a lot of different pairing ups. This this episode is really heavy with Mai and Coda, and I don't mind that. We, we needed this exposition because, you know, like Derek said, to some people this gets confusing, but if you just listen and pay attention and watch what's going on and don't get, you know, too antsy, everything is pretty well explained, and this is definitely that kind of uh, – that kind of episode where we have to slow down for a minute in the middle to kind of get back up to speed, and then now we're going back to balls against the wall again. Yeah, I, I think I will I will secret brothers you and give this a four pineapples. I mean, I did kind of say I did kind of spoil the whole idea that the the last previous episode is the, probably the last episode I'm going to give a straight up five pineapples on, but this one is four. I mean, it, it's good. It's coming towards the end. Things are winding down. There are a lot of things that are exciting. They had some good twists and turns with how they handled you know, Zack and Knuckle Man and all that kind of stuff. There's some really impressive moments with, with Kaito and his, basically his overlord form and everything like that. But I think it's, you know, that, that twist also sort of kind of, uh, you know, is extending that final battle. You know, we're, we're going to find that, you know, obviously the, the whole point of the, the finale of Gaim is going to watch, is going to be watching, you know, Gaim and Baron go at it one-on-one. And even Kaito himself says, you, you shouldn't have interfered with that. You know, like, we were in the middle of something that was private, and, you, you know, you got in the middle of it. It's not like he just, you know, executes him or anything for doing that, but, you know, it, it, it is kind of like he interfered with something that was, you know, essentially private. And in this sense, for the story purposes, it's basically extending... The, the circumstances, you know, so that we can yeah, yeah. get to that fight, but that, that they're both sort of at their, at their peak, you know, that, the, that Kota's not too banged up when he gets into that fight and that, that, you know, Kaito doesn't have too much of an advantage and this and that and the other thing. So, you know, and, and, and like you said, it's not, there's not, nothing bad about the episode or anything like that. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's just, it, it, it's not fully realized. So it's hard to sort of go, yeah, five, you know, cause, cause you know, basically you're still, yeah. you're still in the middle of a storyline, you know? So it's like, I think it's a little easier to just kind of give it a four and, and say it did its job. It made me interested in, in continuing to watch the next chapter, but you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really, you know, it's not a full meal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Definitely. A, it's a good appetizer. Yeah. The film and 
Water Podcast, a weekly show about movies old and new, hosted by obsessive movie nerd Rob Kelly and a rotating series of special guests. From sci-fi to horror, dramas to family films, comedies to adventure epics, we watch it all. The Film and Water Podcast is part of the Fire and Water family of podcasts, available weekly at fireandwaterpodcast.blogspot.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. So that moves us along. We are now on episode 45. Getting so close, guys. This one, a little bit of a, talking about spoilers, the Fated 2's final battle. Um, obviously, Chuck and Peko are going to go at it. <laughs> I found Coda first. No, me. No, me. Me. Um, <laughs> it was my idea to, to, to escape with the bed sheets. No, it was mine. <laughs> All along, you guys didn't know this is what it was building to. <laughs> A really big fight. We we go with Coda retreating, and Zach finds Petko, speaking of which, and gives him a note, and he's like, uh, hey, give this to, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Tarman, give it to Oren, you know. Uh, obviously, showing that he definitely is, you know, not totally, well, not totally, he's not on Kaido's side. He, like Derek said, you know, triple agent. Um, meanwhile, Coda's, uh, you know, retreated back to the dime garage, and everybody who's assembled there, he's like, you know, I'm sorry, guys. You know, this is not something I, you know, decided lightly, but I'm going to have to become an overlord. You know, it's like, I'm, I have to fight fire with fire. And the only way to do that is I have to get the, the golden fruit. And uh, while he's, you know, this shocks everybody. They're like, because when you say overlord, the first thing you think of is you're going to become a monster. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's weird the way he, he presents it because he, he doesn't. It doesn't feel like he tells them that straight up. It feels like he sort of kind of lightly skirts around the issue. And when they go, are you going to become a monster? And he's like, well, just a little bit, you know, like, like, like yeah. a, li- a little, a little bit of monster. You know, I got to fight a little <laughs> bit of fire with fire. You know, like I'm not I'm not going to become a blazing inferno, but I, I need to I need to fight fire with a little bit of fire. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's trying to put it as lightly. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I think. Yeah, yeah, I think he's softening the blow because you know his sister's there and and his friends and everything like that, and he's he's basically not trying to uh, make them feel indebted to him or anything like that, you know. Yeah, and uh, while this is going on, everybody's you know like <gasps> you know all that. Um, Oren is reading the note he got from Peko from uh, Zach, you know, and I, I would imagine you know it, you know it, it, along inside of it, there's probably a limitation of like, sorry, busted up your belt, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I know that probably wasn't the wisest course of action, but now I'm a secret agent. Can you make me a secret bomb, please? Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, that, that's how you ask people stuff. You know, will you make me a secret bomb? Just want to know. Kaito, however, you know, full of piss and vinegar that he, uh, you know, he didn't beat Koda, but, yeah, he definitely, he did something he's never done before. He made Koda retreat. You know, usually Kaito's on the wrong end of an ass-whooping when him and Koda have faced off before, and this time he actually got the better of them. And he has a vision of mine. And he's like, he's like basically like, hey, I'm going to, you know, claim the fruit from you, and I want to make a new world. So, how do you like them apples, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, this, is, this is their time to have a dream talk. And I, I mean, I think that is, th- this is why I kind of said I think Kaido does want my too, because I, I don't think there'd be any reason... You know, it, see, that's a that's the funny part about Michi. He made this whole big 
spiel about, you know, wanting to be with Mai, but the minute she wasn't human, it's almost like he sort of gave up and wasn't even a contender in the race. But you can see that both Kaito and, and Kota did have this sort of dream talk session with Mai, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because, you know, sometimes like, like to me, from my perspective, that first dream talk she had with Coda basically solidified it. It's almost like they exchanged wedding vows in some kind of weird spacey new age way or something like that. But now it's almost like, Oh, and by the way, just in case this doesn't work out, I'm going to also dream talk with this other guy, you know, and and the other guy's a little more, I mean, it's not quite as mutual, you know, like what I was talking about in terms of being in a couple, you know, it's not quite as, you know, I will share the burdens with you and this and that, but, but it's a little more strict, you know, it's a little more, maybe you'd call it, um, you're going to make me a sandwich and you're going to like it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it does It does have that kind of vibe to it where, you know, I, I will take you for my own and we'll make this new world and, and you know, nobody's going to be, you know, uh, you know, basically stepped on again, you know, kind of thing. And, and, and the way he's going to go about yeah. doing that is to, to wipe out all these people that think they're strong, but in actuality they're weak because they step all over people. You know, like that's kind of where his his mindset is. And I mean, there, there, you know, for, for a show like this, where like, it seems like nobody, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, maybe nobody ever kisses anybody in Sentai or, or Tokusatsu ever. I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of it, but the, this is the closest we've gotten to kind of a, a display of affection, you know, when he kind of cradles her cheek and everything like that. And, and to me, I mean, I, that's, it's probably the most passionate, Kaido's going to get, do you know what I mean? As and 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 that maybe yeah. as as passionate as Japanese TV will let him get, you know what I mean? But but to me, like that's that's why I was kind of coming to the the conclusion that you know, yes, he does he he does want my as much as Koda in his own fashion, you know? Yeah, I mean she kind of she kind of calls him selfish when he he says that the fruit and her are basically you know, the same, that there's no difference, you know, but, but I mean, but, but, but it's not said like, it's interesting. It's not really said in a derogatory manner. It's, it's, it's kind of almost like how it's like, this is, this is how you are. Like, this is who you are, you know, kind of thing. Like, of course, this is what you'd say, you know, kind of thing. Like, like, it's almost like it's, it's charming because it's expected, I guess. I don't know. It's, 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 it's kind of, yeah. Kaido's a very interesting person, <laughs> to say the least. Um, we we uh, go to Bando's, Drooper's uh, fruit bar, and we see Zach. He's there, and he's meeting up with Petco. And um, as Derek uh, let us know, he gets a small uh, package from Oren, and it is a bomb. And, you know, he's very resolute. He's like, you know, I will defeat Kaido by myself. You know, I will – I will. it's almost like he's taking responsibility for Kaido being, you know, a little – not crazy, but uh, – uh, savagely ambitious, I guess is a good word for it, and I, which is, is interesting because you know Zach never really did anything to make Kaido this way. This is all Kaido, you know. He's Kaido's never apologized for being who he is. He's never said, you know, Zach, you made me this way. But Zach, for some reason, well, I I don't think it's so much that he feels responsible in the sense that he he did something to make Kaido this way. But I mean, I think he's taking responsibility in the sense that. 
he's always known. He's always seen that nature in him. You know, that that's that's what he tries to convey to the group where he says, you know, even through all of this, you know, even when he helped us with the overlords and helped us fight, you know, the other riders and the invests and all this other stuff, he said in the back of his mind, he always worried, like, what would happen when that common enemy was gone? You know, and I think I think this it, might, is, it was going to build to this, yeah. yeah. You know, the, and and this is him kind of taking ownership of that. Going, I I knew it was coming, so I'll I'll handle, you know, basically like I'll clean up my own house. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he does meet up with Kaido and uh, Minato at the top of the building, and um, he, he's actually pretty sneaky. He manages to plant the bomb close to Kaido, and uh, it seems like he's going to get away with it. It seems like they don't notice at first, but then Minato does, like, kind of go, like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Um, you know, he puts a, you know, he puts his hand in his pockets to trigger the bomb, and, uh, you know, she rushes him to, like, stop the bomb, but uh, she, she's a little too late. She's uh, transforming, and the bomb goes off. Uh, she successfully protects Kaido. Kaido does not get injured, but uh, she gets blown the fuck off the building. <laughs> yeah, she basically she falls to her death, and then and then Kaito and and Zack transform into their armored forms and sort of have a final, you know, Butch and Sundance moment, I guess, for for Zack. It feels like, and and like you know what was weird was I was going to ask you like, what did you think since since they don't really cover this until the very end of the series at this moment in time like. What did you think Zack's final fate was? Did you just think he... Because they have the scene, and then basically they both go at each other, and then eventually, of course, you know, Baron in his armored mode gets the upper hand, and he really gives him the big hard banana shaft and, like, fucks him up, basically. <laughs> but, I mean, at that yeah, point... His, his driver's destroyed and everything, yeah. Yeah, his driver's destroyed, and he and, and basically, you know, Zack says, there'll be other people other than me, and he's he's basically, like, fighting to get the words out, and then he kind of just keels over and his head drops. And at that point, I mean, for me, I was kind of almost, I mean, I really did kind of take it like, oh, well, I guess he, I guess he did do what Coda was afraid of, you know, like he did kill someone that was close to them and part of the group and everything. And, and like, part of me wonders if, if that was ever the intention or not. I mean, it, it, you know, I guess spoilers, but you know, later we'll find out that, you know, obviously he was gravely, you know, hurt and everything like that. And he's still recovering even like, you know, months after this fight, but he's not dead. And like, I was just curious if you thought, if you thought he was dead at this moment when you first watched it or. I, I really did. I thought like, I didn't know if this was going to be the moment where, you know, we were, where we were trying to make Baron unredeemable, that he's done something horrible but I really did feel that, like, this was, you know, Zach's last hurrah. You know, this was like, you know, I tried my best, but it wasn't good enough. I'm sorry, said bye. You know, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I did I did get that whole Butch and Sundance, like, this was his last hurrah type thing that you're saying and everything like that. I mean, it, it's funny. It's kind of like, I almost think it works better if he does die, but... It, uh, you know, I guess, you know, it turns out there's there's a lot of kind of like, he's dead. No, he's not. He's dead. No, he's not in this show, which is which is maybe why some some episodes don't quite get fives from me on that, because there's a lot of kind of, you know, fake outs or whatever, you know, like like we'll we'll probably talk about it more later. But I've got these like funny images in my head yeah. of like, you know, Annie, like 
it's like, Annie, he put all the younglings in a closet and didn't kill them, you know, like, you know, and it's like, it's okay, you know, or like, you know, it's like, it's like, Padme, she's not a choke, she's just defined and came out of a coma, you know, and it's like that. Yeah, like, you know, in the next, in the next Star Wars movie, like, Han Solo shows up and he's like, yeah, he stabbed me, but he missed all my vital organs. I was lucky. <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's kind of what it feels like sometimes, um, but, yeah, so. um, but yeah. but I guess as to like the officially official death, like you know Minato, you know does fall to her death, and uh, she she kind of has this sort of sad death scene. You know it, it, it's funny because she she asks him, you know she says if I was the one with the fruit, you know what, what would you still desire me? You know and and, and it's funny because his answer is he's like. Eh. Well, I mean, he he essentially tells her no. I mean, he says he says you know he he says you are you, and 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 the fruit my or something totally different, you know. And and her answer to him is kind of like you are really a tactless man, you know. And that's her last words before she before she dies or before she before she goes on to Ultraman X as Gina Spector. Um, so check her out in that if you like uh super evil sexy alien ladies or whatever but but yeah like there's that kind of end of her journey and her her sort of uh idolization of of Kaito you know yeah so Minato is gone it is kind of interesting that in the, in the last few episodes uh one of the things about this show a lot of people remark on not you know sometimes good sometimes bad usually positive is there's so many writers in this uh show and within the last two episodes, we've like bumped all four. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least at least the, their ability to turn into the writers, at any rate, not not necessarily. You know, yeah, at yeah. this point, the only person who's really died is is uh, Minato. And then you know, you know what else I found out that was interesting that might be interesting to listeners that I, I didn't realize. But when I was looking up information about the actress, because I was trying to remember who were the characters she actually played in Ultraman X because I wanted to, you know, tell people. So I was I was looking up and I went, oh, yeah, her name is Gina Spector and on Ultraman X, and she goes on to be in that. But they, they did have a comment on the, the wiki, the common writer wiki, that said she's one of the only, she's the first actress, and, and you know, the, the, there's only one other actor, I guess, from the original common writer series who played both, the civilian identity and the writer at the, you know, basically like most times it's like some kind of stunt actor or, you know, some, some other suit actor who's playing the writer, but they made a big deal to note that like she actually portrayed the actual, you know, common writer as well as the civilian. You know, and and, and Minato and Marika at the same time. Okay. Right, right, and 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 they they sort of made a big deal about that, and I I found that kind of interesting. I mean, she clearly does seem to. I mean, I don't want to disparage her. She came off really well in this series. I think it's funny that when I watched her in Ultraman X, you know, you could tell like she's playing almost like this flat alien, almost emotionless type character. And I was like, oh, I wonder if she gets, like, typecast as that or something like that. And she's mainly hired because she's pretty and she can actually, you know, do a lot of stunt work. You know, like, that's... that's yeah, kind yeah, of- I mean, like, you- she doesn't do it uh, later on, but, like, you know, early on, you know, me and Derek have referenced her, like, you know, throwing those high kicks and stuff. So she's definitely athletic, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's part of the appeal of, of hiring her when, when she's on one of these shows. So, yeah, uh, Kaido does carry her body away. 
I mean, I, I think Kaido, he obviously didn't love her, but I think he appreciated her and, you know, he respected her, you know, as an yeah. ally. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't that he was just like, you know, this is some bitch who could kick ass. He was like, no, he, he actually did, you know, have a level of uh, appreciation for it, just, just not the same way as he does for mine. Um, so, uh, Koda, we go back to the uh, gang garage, and uh, Koda is like, you know, I have to show that, you know, I have the ability to be an overlord. So he does what Kaido did, and he eats a Hellheim fruit, and his sister's watching. And he's like, after he eats it, he's like, oh, shit. I already was an overlord, wasn't I? You know, he's like, he, it didn't dawn on him that he'd already started becoming one. And, you know, he's like, I have to become something else to help others. And this makes his sister sad for a minute. You know, she's like, you know, it's her brother. She's worried about him, obviously. But she's seen some shit now. You know, she's been in the middle of this whole Zawani thing, you know, and she got hooked up to a machine to get her life taken away from her and all this stuff. And she sees Dakota's really still the same person. You know, it's like, he, no matter how much he's matured and everything, he's still kind of the same old Coda. You know, he still has that hope and everything. He, he's he's more resolute. He's stronger now. But he's not he's not changed, like, at his core. You know, just just his, I guess you would say, his determination and his, his resolve is stronger. But he's always wanted to help people. He just has the power to do it now. Yeah, I, I think this, this scene is actually a physical example of what he explains to Kaito in the next episode, like that he's, you know, this is, this is basically a teary eyed tearjerker between a brother and a sister. And, and they basically know like they're sort of destined to be separated at this point, you know, and, and, and this is almost goodbye, you know, in a way, you know, it's almost like he's saying goodbye to his sister and, and he's irrevocably changed by everything that's happened to him in addition to eating the fruit and everything like that. And, you know, and, and this is kind of news to his sister, you know, I mean, even though she's seen some shit, you know, I, I don't think she, she knew the totality of the decision that, that he had already sort of made and the, the, the events that were in motion, but now it's sort of being all laid out on the table. And, and I think it's good that they did this, you know, that, that this is his only really blood family in the whole piece and that they get to have, you know, an exclusive moment together, you know, before she basically gets evacuated with the army troops that come in that save like the guys over at bandos and all that stuff. But, but the, the, I guess my point was that, that this is an example of them. He's crying, but he's finding his strength to, to move on through this, even though it's a sad moment, you know, and that's, that's the kind of strength that, that, you know, Coda basically brings to the table. And this is kind of a, a physical example of that. Like, like moments like these could like basically, freeze people or cripple people you know basically other people could turn into mitchy in this scene where they yeah, i was about to say like mitchy you, know, <laughs> you know what i mean like like they can cry but then they they you know hobble over and basically you're in that you're in that you know howard hughes mode where you can't face the world and all that other stuff you know and 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 this is like yeah coda has those moments but he's got to fight through those and go back out into the world and do what he's got to do you know so and this is yet another example of him you know fighting through that and and going back out into the world to take care of business yeah so i mean yeah i mean this is different than the ones where 
Dakota's weak, you know, and like, you know, he seems like he's being weak and he's got to get strong. It's like, no, he's already strong. He's just proving why he's strong. And, um, speaking of Mitchie, um, and his crying fits, he's still crying. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, I mean, he, the, the guy has lost everything. It was his own fault, but he's lost everything. And, um, however, Takatora, the spirit of Takatora is just not going to let him rest. Um, <laughs> like, you killed me, you son of a bitch. No, he's, he's not being, um, an evil spirit this time. He, he's actually kind of being inspirational. He's like, you can still redeem yourself. You know, you've, you've gone down a bad road, but, you know, there's still time. You, you can do something to be the Mitchie you were, which is, you know, I mean, that's nice. You know, that's, that's nice of a dead guy. Um, <laughs> it's nice of, of Mitchie's subconscious to tell him he's still a good person. <laughs> hey me I'm not so bad am I no you're not you. <laughs> you're, you're, you're pretty alright you like if you just snap out of this shit you might you might be okay <laughs> oh Mitchie you're just so broken in so many ways we go back to Droopers and uh, Oren apparently in that note aside from asking for a bomb uh, Zach had you know pretty much laid out that hey if I don't come back then the plan failed and everybody's kind of like, holy shit, you know, what the hell? Um, so the, the, the evacuation teams arrive at Troopers, and um, a lot of the, you know, Gon, Team Gon guys and everything, and like, you know, Orin and all that, they don't want to leave without uh, Koda and Akira. They didn't know that Akira has already been taken away, like, with the team. Um, the, you know, Koda arrives, and, you know, he's like, I gotta go. You know, I gotta go feed Kaido. And, you know, he says goodbye to everybody, you know, one last goodbye to his sister. And, you know, it, it is kind of sad, you know. It was like he's already had his talk with his sister, but, you know, he's saying goodbye to what is basically his team, his, you know, uh, comrades in arms, if you will. And, you know, everybody's kind of like they're, they're sad, but they're like, you know, go get them, you know, like, you know, be be that guy, you know. Um, so uh, he's getting ready to face down again with Kyle, obviously, by the title for the last time. And but Mai appears to him one more time, and he uh, Kaido realizes he's uh, what his future is, and just like Kaido, he summons an army of invest. <laughs> what did you think about when Kaido did that? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that puts them on equal footing. You know, like that was the whole point of him eating the fruit and realizing he was an overlord. That he he basically they're they're both candidates, right? So they they're on an equal plane. You know, they they basically have the the, the superior power to make this decision and everything. And, you know, I mean, obviously, I, I think, you know, sort of visually, it's playing with the idea of your heroes surrounded by an army of sort of monsters and everything. And that's kind of interesting because, you know, it's, it's sort of a dichotomy, you know, in and of itself. It's a guy with a, you know, plaid flannel shirt and then a bunch of, you know, scary monsters behind him and everything like that. But I, I think ultimately, you know, this is him talking to, you know, the sort of the, the blonde, you know, astral flash after image Mai, you know, and, and kind of going, look, remember that conversation we had and I didn't have an answer for you then? Like, I've got an answer for you now. Like, I know what we're going to do now. And, and part of what that is is I'm going to have to go face down Kaido with the same 
you know, army that he's going to face me down with. And then you can see basically, you know, it's like the jets and the sharks again, except with a bunch of monsters, <laughs> you know, and they're walking down the, 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 you know, the quarry at one another at the, you know, down the street, you know, you know, the only thing is the monsters aren't like, you know, <laughs> you know, snapping in the background and everything. Like that. But, 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 but you know, you know, you know, this shit's about to go down and everything like that. And and I mean, as far as like, you know, obviously, you know, it, it turns into a full on fight. I mean, that's basically the title of the episode. And I I do think it's kind of cool that that it, it it basically they they don't come at each other with full force right away. You know, like I kind of yeah. like the idea they can they could go through and do the classic you know, essentially classic, you know, the the classic, you know, banana arms and then orange arms and they can, they can, they can, you know, harken back to the, the armored rider forms that they used at the beginning of the series and kind of give you a little reminiscence, even though this is like basically the final faded battle between these two characters. And then, you know, it ends up like, you know, of course me, like this is probably where the point five gets shaved off on this episode of Pineapple for me. But of course, then it turns into them doing the traditional Kamen Rider bike race off or whatever. And of course, you know, yeah. Koda's got to pull out that fucking grapefruit piece of shit and, and ride that. And he, he actually sort of bests Kaito on his bike, you know, kind of like a night joust or whatever, and and knocks him off. But then Kaito gets on to he busts out like a skyhopper, so he doesn't completely, you know, fall to the ground. And then like the skyhopper's going after the bike, and then then they kind of escalate, and it becomes like you know mango arms versus Jimber lemon arms. And then you know they they fight for a little bit in that mode, and then it escalates again. And you know basically like Kaido's like, is that shit all you got? You know, and he turns into the Overlord form and everything. And then of course you know uh, Kaito uh, or Kota, you know basically at that point you know turns into the Kachidochi arms, and they're both you know headed at one another. And I, I guess another reason why this won't be a total five episode is, I mean, essentially. It, it, it the, the episode kind of concludes in mid fight to get you, you know, juiced up. It's basically like they've they've kind of this this is like the foreplay of the fight. You know, they've kind of shown you all these cool forms and they've gone through all the ranges, but you know, you, you don't know how the fight turns out yet. And it's like, do you want to see what happens next? It's like you know, and then basically it it kind of cuts to you know the 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 next episode. You know, kind of yeah. If you, you, know, if you were if you were binge watch. I think this is totally like getting like you know a hand job and like your girlfriend leaving before she finished. You're like, hey, <laughs> yeah, you're like, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so close, but the fight is good. Uh, like Derek said, the uh, the multiple transformations. It's almost kind of like you know we're going through the time periods of the show. You know, it's like when they got more and more powerful, more and more powerful. Um, yeah, it's a good fight, but yeah, it does kind of leave you hanging. Especially like it's not that you want the fight to end. You just want to see the conclusion. You don't want them to ever stop fighting, but you you want that conclusion. You want the to see the victory. You hate the fight. It's just you know you've seen the seen this building so much that you you feel a little teased by it, like just kind of going away. Um, so I guess I'm going to let you give your rating since you've already hinted that it's not going to be a five episode. Is it, is it going to be a four for you? Or it's a it's a four point five. I just I just shaved a little <laughs> bit off. You know, I, I still think this was a, a cool episode. It is it is kind of like one of the, 
the final episodes. It is the final battle between Kaito and Kota, and and I did think all that imagery was very cool, and and I liked I liked it all. But since it was sort of like a half told story again, I I am I am hesitant to you know give it a full five, and 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 then of course I blame. I blame the grapefruit bike too, and that's that's <laughs> that's my story. I want to give this a solid four. Um, the only reason I don't rate it high as yours is I, I really did want to see that that last fight when I was watching this. Even though I was binge watching it, I was like, even though I knew I was about to watch the next episode, I was still like, oh, why did not do that? Let's just just see it. Let's see it. Um, also, I, I I felt sad for a lot of these characters. I felt sad that Zach lost his power and possibly died, as far as I knew at this point. Yeah, I, I felt I felt I felt bad that that Minato kind of went out like she did. I mean, it, it probably wasn't she couldn't have gone out any other way. But but yeah, I mean, there there are things that are kind of sad, you know. Yeah, it just yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying you know, sad is bad. You know, I mean, we 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 did have to kind of clean up some of these writers. We couldn't have all these guys fighting in the end. So I mean, I understand it. And like you know, me and Derek said, not all these guys die. Only one person really has died so far. And, you know, it's sad, but eh, it, was like, it wasn't a bummer. It was just like, I'm just going to miss those guys fighting in their armored form. I'm, I'm a big techie head. I like the, the, the suits and stuff. So just knowing I'll never see them again. Well, you know, until Gaiden, when Ryoma and Zach come back. But, yeah, so, the, so that, that's four and four and a half. Not bad at all. So this is definitely a good uh, episode. In 1977, the world changed. The film industry was transformed. The popular culture rocked. And young minds forever altered. Star Wars arrived. And nothing would ever be the same again. Though everyone wasn't affected in the same way, everyone was affected. This is my Star Wars story. My Star Wars story monthly at mystarwarsstory.com. Of course, since we did leave in the middle of a fight, we're going to have to start off with the fight. And this is episode 46. The the penultimate episode. We are almost to the end, guys. It is crazy this ride we've been on. So, um we're going to find out who is Fate's Victor, which is the title of this episode. We jump right into this. Um, the, like you know, Derek said, we left right at a cliffhanger, right in the middle of a fight, and right at the top, uh, start of the gate, we see uh, Koda turning into Kawami arms to fight uh, Lord Baron. And despite the fact that Kawami is no slouch. Kaito, just because, I want to say it's his ambition, the Overlord power doesn't hurt at all. I mean, it, it helps him, obviously. But I think he is so focused that he's just getting the better of Koda. And, you know, and there's also, like, you know, alternate dimension guy and Baron fighting, which is, which is kind of weird. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're both winning, though. Like, both versions of Kaito are winning. Yeah, I, I think it's just, I think it's just the timeline sort of syncing up, like, Sagara had said, you know, like basically yeah. once once this is resolved, then this this sort of uh, you know personification or interpretation of of the Sengoku War, which is just representative of 
you know, a possible time frame or time stream, it's actually sort of getting, you know, narrower and narrower as this reality of the Overlord Baron and the Kiwami Arms, you know, Kota are, are going at it with each other. I mean, I, I, I thought this was great. I mean, I thought it was like a really dedicated fight, you know, like that they, they yeah. spent all, you know, basically this is, it's not like you're busy cutting away to 20 million things and there's, you know, fucking, you know, Ewoks and Trade Droid Federation guys and all kinds of bullshit when all you really want to watch is, like, the lightsaber fights or whatever. Like, this is full-on, yeah. like, just the fight, you know? Like, this is what you need to pay attention to and everything. I thought it was I thought it was really cool. I mean, I, I liked when, you know, basically, like, you know, Kota... Well, I mean, like, basically, the, the, yeah, the end of the fight is... Uh, Baron is getting the upper hand, and he's got his big ass sword. He's got his, I guess, you know, overlord sword. And he's about to deal a lethal blow to uh, Coda. And, like, Coda just will not give up. And he grabs the sword. And, you know, like, Kaido's like, you know, why won't you just die? You know, like, well, he doesn't say that, but he's like, you know, why won't you? Yeah. It's this traditional Japanese thing. I mean, this was, Kota was, had the upper hand in round one. I mean, it even goes so far as, like, he makes that motion, even though, like, Kiwami arms doesn't get cut open, that's the way they play the scene. The sword that Kaito has goes up against his chest, and it's like he's cutting him down. You know, at that point, and, and, and Kota, you know, basically Coda and the Kiwami arms drops to his knees. And at that point you're like, oh man, he just, you know, I mean, if, if you look at the way it's acted and interpreted and everything, it's like, oh man, he just killed Coda basically. Right. But it's like, this is the moment where, you know, basically if you watch Naruto or any of these other shows, it's like the lead character gets killed like a billion times. And then what happens is you're like, holy shit, how's he going to get out of this? And and it's typical round the two power, you know, because it's like at that point, this is where Koda finds his his, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, his crybaby strength, you know, like where it's like it's like he just basically is like, you know, base, you know. Kaito is about to, you know, lop his head off as he's, you know, in this on his knees position and everything. And he's like, I'm not having that. It's like, I don't think so. I'm the lead character. I get round two power. He blocks the sword <laughs> with his arm. And then he just basically like, you know, does a twisty, twisty end of the movie in a Hollywood movie thing and like fucking stabs Kota in the stomach. And it's like out of nowhere. Kaito. You know, oh, Kaido, sorry. Yeah, Kaido in the stomach. <laughs> yeah, we'll you know, like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, yeah, Koda does the twisty, twisty thing and, and, and stabs Kaido in the stomach. And, and it's like out of nowhere. And and that's that's just basically like, you know, how how that fight, you know, ends. And then, and then they're both, you know, they both sort of, you know, transform back to to a human mode and and this was kind of what i was trying to hint at in the other episode when when you know akira you know his sister and and kodo were having that moment and and kaido basically just asks like like what made you so strong and he and you know and kaido's like i you know what what gave you this strength and everything and then kodo basically says you know like i know i'm crying but it's like I, it's it, my strength is to sort of fight through these tears and keep going and all that kind of stuff. And then that's when he gives him like the bro fist. You know, it's like the bromance is back even after he got killed. You know, he's like you, 
Yeah. He's like, you really are strong, bro. You know, and that's that's kind of how how that plays out and everything. I mean, it's sad, but I guess that's just how it had to had to go down. Yeah, if Kaido had to go, I would not want him to go in any other way. I mean, that was just a good way for his character to be resolved if he had to die. You know, yeah, of course I would like him to stay around, but if he was going to die, a huge epic battle and giving Kota props, can't really ask for anything more. Um, but Mai shows up, and, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, since Kota has defeated his strongest rival, Kaido, for uh, the golden fruit, he's won. You know, he's gotten the fruit. Um, he eats the fruit, and he, he becomes the Baron of the Beginning. <laughs> the, he becomes the, the first man, and, you know, as as we have joked in private, and, and now that we're on the air, I'm sure we're going to joke about it, but, you know, just, just like Mai is a blonde, uh, Kota ostensibly becomes a blonde himself, I suppose, but it's almost like it's it's so, like, frosty, Frosty, frosty um, blonde, white, yeah. Like it's almost white, yeah. and 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 kind of the joke I had made to you is I'm all. You ever see those episodes of the state where the the families have like albino pets, and it's like all these Jewish guys with like the white wigs and everything running around lifted <laughs> weights, and like that's what this reminds me of. Yeah. It's so off putting where it's like it's a Japanese dude with a white wig, you know, and it's just kind of like, whoa, <laughs> hello, how are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I, I like all the costumes in Kamen Rider Gaim, all of them, except for this one. I, it looks like he's wearing a radiator on his chest, and and yeah, he's got like this weird wig, and it, like he's got these big shoulder pads, and it looks like he's kind of, you know, struggling to wear this outfit. And, I mean, it doesn't look horrible, but it just, it doesn't look right. It doesn't look as cool as, obviously, his, his Rider outfits. I, I, I think... Partially, maybe that's on purpose. I mean, even seeing, you know, a blonde Japanese girl with mismatching contacts was off-putting at first. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's just because we've been seeing her over the course of, you know, 40-some-odd episodes, you know? And and this is almost the first time we've been introduced to a male with mismatching contacts and this kind of albino hairdo or whatever. And it's... It, it, I, I think maybe that's sort of the point, you know, that they've become such a brand new life form that they're they're almost sort of an anathema to your visual senses, you know, like if that, I, I you know, I guess if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, it just, yeah, just, you're not used to it, I guess, yeah. Um, Cigar shows up, though, and he's like, you know, good job and everything like that, you know, so ready to take over Earth. And Kodo, in kind of like, you know, almost like a fuck you. He's like, uh, no, we're going to go to a barren world and, you know, try to save these, like, you know, like, kind of like restart a new life and, like, make a new uh, uh, world for the Helheim and Invest. We're going to, like, take them, you know, to the planet of Helheim. That's what they're going to name it. And, like, Sigara seems a little put off. He's, like, not mad, but he's like, motherfucker, you outsmarted me. (laughs) Well, it's it's weird. I kind of decided that this was the moment they sort of Dr. Hoot it where it's it's like basically in in Sagara's mind there were two options you take over the earth and you're with Helheim and you're a monster and you're fine with that or you take over the earth and you basically fight for humanity but even in fighting for humanity you totally wipe it out and you know basically it's the the cycle of you know birth you know H- Helheim wins either way yeah 
you know, like he, he didn't he didn't see that, you know, he basically was thinking, you know, oh, Coda, you've got option A or option B. And, you know, Coda basically at that point is, guess what? I'm choosing option C, you know, and it's like, what? Yeah. Like, how can this be? <laughs> how can you do that? You know, and it's like, well, we've got the golden fruit now. We've got the power to do anything. We'll just go to, you know, basically it's kind of like the idea of, Oh, well, Galactus has to go to, you know, planets to feed. Okay, well, it's either you bring him to Earth and he eats Earth, or you don't bring him to Earth, he gets mad at you, he enslaves you and imprisons you on Earth, and he eats Earth anyway. But it's like, aha, what about the third option? We take him to a planet without human life on it, and he eats that. And it's like, oh, well, no one ever thought of that before. You know what I mean? Like, that that kind of idea where it's like, I've got the third option. And it's like, basically, then... Yeah then it's like he basically uses the golden fruit to uproot all traces of Helheim on the planet. And, and it sends it through this huge crack in the middle of space. And that's also why I kind of felt like they were doctor whoing it. Cause it kind of reminded me of the whole like Matt Smith, like last episode where there were the, you know, the big crack. Nobody that, dies today, Rose. You know, nobody yeah, yeah. Dies. you know, like, like that kind of stuff, you know, like where it's like, nobody's dying. And, and we've got the third option that basically makes everybody happy. You know, we, we, you know, even though humanity is a bunch of, you know, hapless douchebags and they probably deserve to be eaten by plants. Like, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to stick up for them because that's what we've been fighting for this whole time. And it'd be pointless to, to enslave them to Helheim if, you know, if that's what we've been fighting for this whole time. And that's basically what Coda says, you know, and, and like that I thought was kind of cool. And I, I don't know if we've ever really talked about this in great depth or detail. And, and maybe because it's not been quite as obvious until right until this moment where Coda actually gets the golden apple from Mai and takes a bite out of it. And, and, and Sagara makes like the, these ostentatious comments about, you know, I, I may be, I may be uh, you know, a bit cheeky as I'm the serpent and everything, but, you know, go forth yeah. and multiply and all this stuff. And, and there's obviously, you know, as, as much That's Christian overtones, yeah. as much Christian overtones as a Japanese show can have, you know, mainly just for yeah. aesthetically pleasing purposes, probably. But, but there is that. Yeah, and I'm even the apple and the serpent. Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 There, there is that, that, you know, annotation that, you know, connotation that, that it's Adam and Eve in outer space, basically, and that, you know, the first man and the first woman. I mean, that, you know, you, you can't get much more specific than that. He he talks about how, oh, great, I've just made another creation myth, but it, it went a little different this time. Ha ha, well, <laughs> let's see how it goes the next round, you know, and he kind of, you know, twinkles yeah. off into outer yeah. space or wherever the hell he goes, you know. Yeah, he's like, use the ball, my D-Day, goodbye, you know. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. Um, now, now I really want the like there to be a sequel called Adam and Eve in space. Um, <laughs> Adam, Adam and Eve in space. In space. Oh, you know you'd watch it, Derek. You love everything in space. <laughs> I, do, I do. I do. But yeah, this is this is pretty much the end of the uh, the Golden Fruit War. You know, this is more or less like the final battle. So we we flash forward three months. And, you know, as much as Zawami can get normal, it's it's turning back to normal. Um, we see the Yggdrasil Tower is being uh, dismantled and, you know, torn down. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, there's pictures of posters of people missing, like, you know, like Ryoji and stuff like that. Um, 
Chip is working with Orin at Charmant, which is nice. You know, that's that's cool that they're kind of going on with their life. Um, all the beat writers now are on one dance crew, and you know they're they're all together. And as Derek had uh, foreshadowed, uh, Zach did not die. Yeah, he is still alive and kicking. He's uh, beat up still, but he's getting better. And you know, he he's happy that everybody's together. He's happy that all the beat writers are in one group. And then we see Mitchie. He's kind of standing like far and away on like this uh, parapet. And he's watching, and, you know, Zach and all the group are like, you know, Mitchie, you know, everything's cool now. Come on and dance. But, you know, I mean, honestly, I'll give Mitchie credit. He's like, I am a terrible fucking person. I can't go down there. (laughs) You know know what? You know, it's weird. The the connotations I got from from those moments, like there there is that still Mitchie's still in semi stalker mode. Like he can't really go out and face the real world quite yet, you know, so he's he's sort of longingly watching his old life from afar, you know, this the all, you know all these mixed groups of dancers on the stage and everything. But it, it also kind of reminded me of like like the way like I mean, I guess cuz I've been in Hollywood and everything, that's totally how like movie stars dress when they like have to go out into the real world too. It's like when you run into like yeah. Robert Downey Jr. or Nicolas Cage or whoever it is on Sunset Strip and it's like it's like that's how they all well, usually they have like dark shades too or something, even if it's like the middle of the night. But like like it, it's like that way Mitchie's got that like, that baseball cap on and he's like trying to like pretend like he's not, you know, basically the famous kid who basically almost killed us all and betrayed us and <laughs> yeah. we're gonna feed us to the overlords and stuff. So it's like, you know, and, and there's that aspect to it. And then the other the other interesting thing I got out of it was, you know, since Zach is still hurt after these three months, you know, and it's like it's like there, there's I, I thought of like the Civil War because they describe it as a period of reconstruction, you know, and, and, and that kind of thing, like yeah. that the city's been so war torn and everything like that. And that, you know, basically that's going on. You, you sort of had the sense of, of you know great tragedies you know whether it's something like 9-11 or other things with the way people are like you know posting up pictures of people as sort of a memorial or you know i don't know kind of in vain like saying that they're missing when it's like come on i know you know basically like dale is dale is not missing we know he's dead and and joe nietzsche's you know pulling up that you know putting up that picture of him and everything like that and it's like okay you know that's that's clearly like more of a memorial than actually someone who's you know, should be on like yeah. the can of a milk carton or whatever, that kind of thing. Yeah, this, this, and, the city's healing, but there's still wounds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there's still a lot of open wounds, and 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 that's you know evident because Zach is like still in bandages and he's walking around on a crutch and everything, and and that kind of reminded me a lot of you know like this whole kind of you know, post-war scenario, whether it's like, you know, Shiro Amada and he's legless or, you know, somebody coming back from Vietnam and, and, and having seen, you know, whatever, or Afghanistan, things like that, and, and having been through something super major and they're still, you know, basically they're still on crutches, they're still recovering. And it's almost like, like in a weird way, like like Zach reaching out to Mitchie is like one vet reaching out to another, you know, kind of being like, hey, yeah. you know, come on down, like come come join all these people and, and come back to like civilian life. And it's like this idea yeah, the, of like the war's over. We're no longer enemies. Yeah. You know, and that and that kind of thing, like like and, and, and Mitchie kind of just being like, look, I've I, the kind of shit I've done, the kind of shit I've seen. It's like I'm not ready to. To, to to go back like uh he he, he, he doesn't feel like, like he deserves yeah. yeah he feels like he doesn't deserve to be happy or or part of that sort of 
life or anything like that. You know, the way the but, way but, that things are going. Derek, are you ready for a twist? I'm ready for a twist. All right. What a twist. Um, Mitchie then goes to the hospital. Why? Because Takator is there in bed. Um, yeah. Didn't see that coming, did you? Uh, he was not killed, but he was rescued by a boat, an offshore boat. But he is in a coma, and the doctor tells Mitchie that he has severe brain damage, and we don't think he's ever going to wake up. Um, however, it, it, uh, I just I just want to say before you go on and, and complete the the informational on on Takatora's status, there was that brief moment where I thought, oh. This is like Mitchie's penance. Like he has to take care of a vegetable Takatora for like the rest of his life. Like that. That's kind of what I thought yeah. his penance was going to be. You know that that and that's how he'd sort of atone or, or what have you. But then I guess you can go ahead and tell everybody what actually happens because it's kind of like having <laughs> you know younglings stuck in the closet and Anakin didn't really kill them after all or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. Koda appears uh, in Takatora's head. You know he's he's in a coma. And he's like, hey, you got to go back to Mitchie and, you know, help him move on to it with his life and help him make amends. Which, you know, okay, you know, a little cheesy. And Takatora agrees, and he wakes up in front of Mitchie. And, you know, everything's right with the world. I, it's kind of a cop-out, but there is that part of me that really likes Takatora, so I am kind of glad he's not dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like Takatora. Like, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, glad we, that Koda got to have his sort of uh, pep talk and goodbye to him in the dreamscape, I guess, or whatever, you know, and, and that, that kind of snapped him out of his coma, you know, but th there, there was that moment where I thought, oh, you know, he's just going to be a vegetable forever. And that's going to be it for Mitchie. Like he's going to, you know, basically be, you know, scrubbing his brother's back and, and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, for forever and ever and ever or whatever. And then all of a sudden it was kind of like, oh, okay, wait, you know, like you, you know, the, you know, Mitchie basically can't move on unless his brother's there, his older brother's there to help him and forgive him. And 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 in some ways, that's it's it's a very, um, I mean, I, I I you know, we'll probably talk about this in the next episode a lot too. But it it kind of reminds me a lot of all the shit they put Hal Jordan through. You know, like where it's like they, they, there was that moment where you know it's like the parallax and and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, it's like to sort of further redeem the character when he came back from Rebirth, there were like all these things like, hey, remember all those Green Lanterns you thought Hal Jordan didn't kill? Or you thought he killed? It's like, he didn't kill them. They're all like alive somewhere else. And they were <laughs> like tied up in the webs for like 10 years or whatever and didn't need food or whatever. And they're fine, you know, and stuff like that. And it's it's kind of like the same idea. It's like, oh, you thought he like, you know, murdered his brother and, and, you know, buried him at the bottom of the dock. It's like, no, a boat found him and he's in a coma. And <laughs> better than that, he's like Duke. He's going to be a-okay, you know, and it's just like, oh, okay. Like, I guess that's fine. But it, 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 it basically, it, it certainly alleviates a lot of the wrongdoings that the guilt, had yeah. perpetrated so that you can... I guess the idea is you can be a little more accepting of his redemption because a lot of his mistakes were somehow luckily, you know, not confirmed kills basically, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. It's like somewhere like, you know, the ghost of Minato and Haste are like, what the fuck, man? We're the only people who die. <laughs> Why do I not dream? They're like, why do I not get dream visit from Coda? This is such bullshit. I cannot believe this. This is unacceptable. 
want to be alive too. <laughs> yeah, so so this, this this effectively wraps up the the main storyline. We do have one more episode though, so hang on. But this does pretty much uh like especially Coda's arc. You know, it, this is you know he becomes the first man and all of that. So uh, this is effectively the end of the the uh, hunt for the golden fruit. Um, I, I would give this a four point five. Um, just because not a five, just because. I really don't like Coda's outfit, and that's pretty much it. But that fight with Kaido and Coda to begin with, that was so strong that even like a lot of the talking later on did not even bother me. That was such a good ending fight, and like you said, the bro fist and all that stuff. It was just like the perfect ending for their relationship, and everything else was just wrap up. And yeah, I'm good with a four point five on that. Yeah, I I, I I am secret brothers with you on this. I'm giving it a four point five pineapples. I mean I, I, I would I would elaborate on maybe why I shaved off the, the point five, you know. I mean I agree with you. I think pretty much their their final fight was, was near perfect. You know, like I, I, I can't find anything wrong with it. You know, like I, I loved all the, the ways it went. It's kinda traditional, you know, co you know, Kaido had the upper hand at first, you know, Koda then comes back with the round two. They they have the nice, you know, tragic, you know, weepy moment. He cradles them. They do the bro fist, like all kinds of great stuff. Like it was it was very well done. And then, you know, I, I understand your dilemma with uh, with Koda's, you know, kind of, you know, Adam and Eve, you know, first first man suit and all that kind of stuff. Like I understand it, <laughs> but you know, like for me, it's like, okay, they sort of, they sort of doctor hooed it. You know, they, they pulled victory out of their ass, you know, like, I, I don't know that, I don't know that Coda was ever portrayed as that kind of guy. Like, like he, he always had his heart in the right place and everything, but it's like, it, it was never like he was, he was doctor Whoing it or captain Kirking it in this whole series. So for him to sort of, basically determine that like I, I i don't know that i got that notion when he had the conversation with my i sort of understood that he finally made a decision that he finally knew he wanted to be with my you know that he was going to fight for that privilege basically you know to obtain the golden yeah. fruit but i i never I, I i don't know that i ever got the notion that coda finally you know, I, I know we've sort of made fun of it across the series and everything that, you know, like in, in certain movie episodes, you know, oh, man, Coda's not such a bright customer and all that kind of stuff at certain intervals in the series <laughs> and everything like that, you know. But I, I never got the notion that he he sort of, you know, had a eureka moment and, and, and you know, kind of could come up with that sort of twist all on his own. You know what I mean? And And it seems like that's... Yeah. That's what you're supposed to think, and I, I think you know, you know, that that portion of it I think is where my point five. You know, I I, I think they could have set that up a little bit better, or or, or sort of you know give you some kind Maybe of have it be like like Mai's idea, and she tells Coda to do that. You know, be like, oh yeah, Mai would come up with that that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. or or some indication that I, I mean, I don't mind making Coda the one that had the idea, but I, I feel like they didn't lay any groundwork for that at all you know that it just kind of was pulled out of you know it, i think that's why i called it doctor whoing it rather than captain kirking it because i think you know when captain yeah. kirk does that kind of stuff it's almost like he does that stuff all the time like just like coda protects people all the time like you you get that that you know captain kirk's like i don't like to lose you know and it's like doctor who doesn't like to lose <laughs> either i suppose but i always feel like 
it, it always feels like he they the writers pull that shit out of their ass. And and this moment of the whole guess what? We don't have to like take over Earth. We can just take over some desolate like lava planet instead. And Cigar's like, Well, you know that wasn't what my intention was, but it's gonna be tough, but okay. okay. It's your choice. And he's like, You're not gonna fight us on this? No. Uh, but be fruitful and multiply, Adam and Eve, Christianity references, goodbye, you know, and it's just like, oh, okay, I guess that's how they wrap up the show, you know, and, and, and there was that moment yeah. of, you know, like, kind of like, okay, well, like, I think it's wrapped up sort of neatly, but not nicely, if that makes any sense, you yeah, know, like, yeah. and, um, and, I, it would be cool, like, if, uh, like, you know, 10 or so episodes ago, like, or 15, depending on when Coda was hanging out with Big Daddy Silver for a second, like, Big Daddy Silver said something like, you know, it would have been better if we just went to another planet, and Coda would have been like, another planet, you know, something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, just anything, you know, like, I'm not saying they should have telegraphed it, but but just something that, that you, you, you could have understood you know, the, where where Coda got it from instead of just seemingly pulling it from out of his asshole, which is essentially what this yeah. felt like. I mean, that's great and everything. Like, you know, basically, like, usually my, my main pet peeve with nobody dies today is nobody has any solutions for how that happens. And And this show actually does a pretty decent job of explaining to me why that's a solution. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I think that's pretty yeah. well done. It's kind of like, oh, you're, you're so narrowly focused on option A and option B that you don't widen your you world. You don't think view. about option C. Yeah. You, you don't widen your worldview enough to see option C where basically like everybody can be happy except for maybe <laughs> them per se. You know what I mean? I mean, like they're, they're supposedly going to go off and be happily ever after, but I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, you know, perils and this and that and the other thing, but, you know, they, they kind of insinuate that, you know, but, but that they will, you know, with the grace of the power they have and, and, you know, basically the love between the two of them, they'll, they'll endure the hardships and everything. It's, it's, it, it, the, the way they say it is so Japanese. It's kind of, it's kind of cute. It's kind of, um, yeah. um, um, I don't know yeah. the, the way my, the way, the way my says it, you know, it's kind of adorable, you know, kind of like, Oh, well, I'm sure we will, I'm sure we will endure this stuff, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll make it work, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, it like, like and I we're, said, we're not butthurt, we're just pointing out, like, there is a flaw, you know, we're not like, oh, that sucked, we're just like, could have been a little better, that's all. Yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of think maybe I'm just used to the Americanized version, like, I feel like, I feel like this could have been, and, and I don't want to compare it to this in a negative way, but I mean, I feel like this could have ended like Ilea and Deckard. You know, like in in the motion picture, okay, yeah, they, like yeah. they like kiss and make out, and then like you know blast off to planet you know Helheim or whatever, you know, and and like I might have actually thought that was really cool, you know, actually seeing them sort of, you know, actually act on their, you know, their emotions for once, exactly. you know what I mean? Because because they you know they never do anything like that, you know, and I I, I think I would have yeah they just kind of throw I, each other like. Point, by this point, with all the shit they'd been through together, you know, I, I feel like something like that would have been earned, like having them, you know, sort of kiss and then zap off to the planet. Like, I, like I think that kind of thing would have made me bump it up to, like, a five or something like that. Yeah, they just kind of give each other sideways glasses of, like, you're cute. I know, you're cute, too. Like, okay, let's go to Hellheim. Yeah, it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, like, how can you have Cigara say, be fruitful and multiply? And I'm like, dude, hasn't even kissed the girl yet. Come on. How are you going to be fruitful and multiply? You haven't even kissed yet. Come on. 
I, I think they held hands right before they turned into energy beams, but I think that's um, <laughs> that's what that but means. Yeah, um, if you hold hands, it's like you're, 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 you're not just going steady. You're pretty much on your way to being married, I guess. So. Pregnant. Don't you remember when you held hands? I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am back. You need to take the trash out. Hey, I'm trying to make a trailer for a podcast. Oh, you mean Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast? Why, yes, that is what I mean. The show where you and I discuss all things geeky. Comics, TV, movies, books, you name it. Well, are you going to tell them that you can find the show at www.supermatescomic.blogspot.com? Well, I think you kind of already did. And that new shows will be posted bi-weekly every two weeks? I was, but you just kind of did that, too. Well, see, now you can go take out the trash. Great. So join us, Cindy. And Chris. Franklin, for the Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast, at supermatescomic.blogspot.com. But yeah, that's the, that's the more or less ending of the story arc. But we're not done quite yet. We still have one more episode to go. Um, this is, I would say it's pretty much just an epilogue, you know, it's yeah. something you don't have to watch, but you get a little bit of inter- entertainment from it, so we're, we're going to go ahead and go to the final episode of Common Rider Gone. Um, man, it's been a trip, I'm, I'm, bittersweet, I'm looking forward to it, because this has been a long road, but it's been a fun road, so with that, we are going to transform into the future. This is the 47th episode, this is the final episode of the regular series, and, yeah, this is like... Yeah, like I said, just a little bittersweet. Um, we're going to pick up seven months after Coda and Mai have left the planet. And Mitchie, uh, you know, he, he seems like he's getting a little better now. He's, you know, thinking about the days him and Coda would hang out and dance. He's watching the dance groups uh, perform again. And again, the beat writers ask him to dance as well. And again, he's like, I'm still not there. You know, it's like, uh, no, you know, I'm just going to have to take a knee and just say no. Um, I think I think this is however, where I was. Th- th- this is the point where I mean this and and other scenes in this where I I sort of saw the comparisons between the old uh, you know Hal Jordan is the Specter days you know the sort of redemption days of Hal Jordan where they were kind of you know it wasn't like they just wiped it away and said it was like a yellow piss monster that did all the bad stuff but like they sort of own that like Hal Jordan did some bad stuff but he's still a hero and he's trying to redeem himself and it's like oh I'm not I'm not ready to be Green Lantern again and be alive again but I can I can you know try to facilitate my redemption you know, as, as the wrath of God, basically, you know, as the specter, you know, kind of in a different, in a different moody, dark place, you know, and I, I think, I don't know, I mean, probably when I was reading that and watching like Buffy season six with like that whole, you know, kind of the pangs of, of, of real adulthood and, and, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I, I feel like this is, this is that weird thing that that a lot of shows don't tackle that I think Buffy season six did which is that like the the kind of horror of second adulthood or whatever you want to call it like that sort of the second you know sort of adolescence or whatever like once you get out of college and you're you're kind of in the world and all that stuff and it it seems like this is this is kind of you know briefly in this epilogue this is where where Mitchie is at you know like where it's like you know he he basically yeah he's like he's no longer in the sweater. He's no longer in the suit. 
he's just wearing kind of like these dark clothes and he's kind of in a dark place, but not like a angry place. He's just like, you know, almost like he's in mourning, you know, like I, I have to redeem myself. And, you know, like he said, like second childhood, you know, like going to second adulthood is like he's he's mourning the Mitchie who is no longer Mitchie. He, he wants to be that Mitchie again until he comes back. He can't really be, you know, happy go lucky Mitchie, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and then, and then I guess they, you know, and, and, and Takatora's still got a lot to deal with, too. I mean, he's kind of, he's trying to, in his own way, to make reparations for, for the things that happened and help people. And, he, you know, he's talking about, you know, when him and Mitchie are at, like, the, the dinner table, like, that he'll be, he'll be away for a little while. And, and you know, and, and it's interesting, because I think early in the series, it would have been like, I'm going on a business trip, fucking deal with it. Like, because you're a member of the Kurishima household and you got to be ready for like when I leave the house. But in this instance, it's almost like I'm going on a business trip. I'm going to help some people. Is that going to be okay? Like, are you going to be cool? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, cause I know, I know we're still sort of, you know, we're still kind of walking on eggshells around each other. I'm trying to be a, a supportive older brother and understanding of what you went through. And, and, and Mitchie too kind of returns the favor at that dinner table. And he kind of is like, no, it's, it's going to be fine. Like I'll be, you know, he's like, I'm not, you know, obviously he's not a hundred percent. He's not going to go run out and join all the, the beat writers in the dance fe- festival revival that's been but going he's, on. Yeah, he's, he's but, 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 but he's not, but he's not going to, you know, he's not going to slit his wrists the minute like Takatora you know, uh, leaves the house or whatever, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it's, that's the, 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 you know, like you said, they're, they're making progress and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, and then there's kind of like a, uh, a, a cute kind of like older siblings meeting where yeah. it's like, like Takatora and Akira, you know, are, are taking a kind of like a lunch date or whatever it is. And, and, and then they're yeah, doing yeah, it at yeah. Charmont and everything. And we get to sort of be reintroduced to, you know, um, Oren and, and Jonichi and everything. And, you know, of course, because it's Oren and Jonichi, they have those weird moments of, I, I don't know what you'd call it, but it's like that, those weird kind of jump cuts of, of sort of reactions, you know, that kind of comedic, almost anime-esque. Yeah, yeah, kind of reactions for those things. I thought it was interesting that the, the pastry that, that, you know, like one, Oren says, of course, he's jealous that, um, that Akira is there with, with Takatora because, you know, that's his yeah, male prince and all that kind of stuff, you know, but, but I also yeah. thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, of course, you know, the girls as usual, you know, including, Ta- uh, uh, Koda's sister, you know, all, all love the pastries that he, he whips up and everything. But I thought it was kind of cool that yeah. it seemed like the, the cake that he made for Takatora was like, his his last Genesis driver suit, essentially. You know, like, it was the yeah, case. Yeah. It was white, and it had, like, sort of, you know, some green frills on it, but then it also had, like, those kind of peachy, melony, you know, orange things as well, you know. So... It was, like, it, was, it was like paying honor to his his glorious white rider, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting, like, and and I I liked, you know, it was like you you could tell, like, it's all that kind of artistic pastry type stuff where you're like, oh, okay, that you know, it makes sense, like that that was kind of cool. Yeah, but even though this is an epilogue, and we you you may think it's just a whole bunch of a uh, uh, wrap up of uh, what's going on with the people still left in Zawame, gotta have a little action, and there's a swarm of grasshoppers appear. And, you know, uh, the grasshopper monster uh, shows up, and it's like, what the what? You know, I thought all the animals were gone. Um, 
But, however, uh, we see that Mitchie is, has met the girl who's uh, – by the way, we didn't mention this. There was a girl watching the beat writers dance before while Mitchie was watching them. And it's like, hmm, what's going on here? It's re- revealed that uh, she is possessed by Kogane's spirit. Um, he was the guy who was in the soccer special, and he's Common he's Rider's Mars. And apparently he didn't die. Well, he died, but his spirit lived on. He's got Starscream power. And he uh, he's possessed this poor girl, and she turns into Armored Rider Jam. Jam! <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Mitzi... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Mitchie doesn't remember him because because of that, because it took place in the soccer universe, their, their memories were altered after they came back into Zawami after leaving the soccer universe. So he's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, also, it's probably confusing because, you know, he, they, they were used to seeing him as that one, you know, older looking gentleman or whatever that was, that you know, the, the human form of Kogane back in that movie. And in this, since he's possessing that girl, it's like, oh, well, who's this? You know, basically, who's this girl? But it's like she, you know, basically, since she's possessed, she's kind of like nefarious and punching people in the guts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I find it kind of dirty. Um, Orin, uh, Chip, and Zach appear, but as we've stated, you know, in the last couple episodes, they have no drivers. So they're basically, you know, they're like gnats trying to, you know, swat a giant, and it's not going well. Uh, Jam takes off. He, he's he's uh, he she it. Is is not defeated. He, he he's basically just toying with them, and he's like, you know, Coda's not here. Maybe right now, or not Coda, but you know, Gaim or Coda. He knows who Coda is, and he's like, that doesn't matter though. I will destroy everything he fought to protect. You know, I'm I'm going to get my revenge either way. I don't care if he's here or not. Um, so we go to Troopers. Uh, good old Bando. Uh, I, I love Bando. He's such a nice guy. Um, yeah, Bando's the. Man. Be- he is the man. Um, beat writers are informed by Takatora that after the Helheim Forest like went away, um, pretty much all the stuff they had at Yggdrasil was disposed of. And I guess, you know, on one hand, in your head, you're like, why would you do that? You never know what new like enemy may show up. But on the other hand, like that would be kind of a reminder of Helheim and how horrible that was and that, that whole war. So... I could kind of see why they would want to get rid of all that shit, you know? I mean... Well, he he seems to be perpetuating that whole, you know, the end of Gundam Wing, Endless Waltz, where it's like, and the Gundams were destroyed, and no one saw their like ever again. And you're kind of like, for reals? I don't believe that. Like, for reals? You destroyed all of them? For reals? And that's that's kind of what Jonichi's got that look on his face, like, what?! You you didn't you didn't blow up all the endless waltz Gundams, did you? I don't believe you. You know, and he's got that kind of skeptical look on his face and everything. Yeah, um, he does like kind of go, you know, what the fuck? And it's true. Takatora, he does still have a Sengoku driver. He doesn't have a Genesis driver, and he has well, it basically, I'm not going to read the name because it's long, but it's basically the Kurokage box seed, and um, you know. He uh he he pretty much confronts Takatora and he's like you know after they kind of go back and forth about Hase and everything you know like how he died and everything he's like let me fight I want to fight I want to I I need to have some kind of like not redemption but I want I want to do something you know it, it, like you it's know interesting. And we, we, it's interesting because they both talk about how they should wear this driver and be the one in control of it for 
the actions that they did and, and, and sort of what happened and everything. But it seems like he kind of wins Takatora over when he's sort of explaining, like, look, I, he, I mean, he, he literally thinks, like, he could have prevented Tase from going off the deep end back in the day. And it, it's almost like a Spider-Man great power, great responsibility thing. Yeah, because like, it's like if I, if Jim, I had Jim just... Jim was kind of an asshole to him, like, yeah. you know, when Hase was having that issue, yeah. It, it's, like, it's like one of those things where if, like, I had just stopped the fucking, you know, if I had just stopped, you know, the, the home invader, you know, like, then none of this would have happened, you know, like, type thing. And if, you know, in, in, in Jonichi's mind, he's like, if I just would have given, you know... Hase an ear, you know, giving him a shoulder to, to, to lean on, you know, then, then these things probably wouldn't have happened. Like if basically if he had been the kind of guy he was when he was under Oren's tutelage, you know, then, then he wouldn't have been so arrogant and kind of, you know, dismissive of his friend, you know? And, and so that's, he's like, I need desperately to make amends for, for that, that attitude that I had back then. Yeah, and he he does, you know, win, like you said, he does win uh, uh, Takatora over. And he does get the belt in the, the uh, one of the last lock seeds in existence. And he does turn into uh, Kurokage, basically the Kurokage trooper. And he confronts Jam and the uh, Grasshopper monster. He is defeated, but I will say this is probably Chip's best outing. He fights really good. Yeah. I mean, for Chip. I mean, he's not badass like Gaim. But he's fighting with his heart. You know, he, he takes a lot of hits, and he, he does give a lot of hits. He doesn't, you know, beat the shit out of him, but he's, he's not going down without a fight. He, he does not go gentle in that good night, you know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I was proud of him. I think he did really good. Um, however, though, Mitchie shows up. And in case everybody forgot, Mitchie's uh, lock seed and driver were never destroyed. So he still has his, and he turns into Ryugan, the, the old-school Ryugan, not the, uh, the uh, fire dragon one. And... He actually uh, does do pretty good in uh, forcing Jam into a corner. And, you know, but unfortunately, like, that fucking uh, Kugane, he, he's he's an asshole. And he's like, you know, this girl is pretty much innocent, and I'm in control of her, so uh, what you going to do? You know, he's like, I could just kill her, you know, and possess somebody else. That's a dick move. <laughs> well, yeah, he's he, he basically, you know, even though, even though Mitchie you know, legitimately defeats uh, Jam, basically, and, and converts her back into this little girl's mode, you know, or whatever. He's like, I'm, you know, if you didn't know this, he's like, I'm possessing this girl, so if you if you kill her, you know, like, yeah, obviously it's not going to do you any good. You'll just murder some poor little girl um, who's, who's playing dress-up or whatever, and, and, um, and then you'll end up... Uh, you know, basically, I'll just possess some other person or whatever. And, and and basically, he tells him, you know, basically, you know, change back to, you know, change out of your writer form and just let my grasshopper guy, like, beat the crap out of you, which is, you know, pretty much what ends up happening. Yeah, that's pretty much how it, it does end up. And uh, Mitchie's almost about to be killed. Um, the grasshopper, because he, he's not trying to fight back. You know, it's not because he's weak. He's... He, he's just a guy. He's not even in his rider outfit. Um, however, dun, dun, dun. hey, Coda, what's up? <laughs> See, now this this is this may come to play into my rating, but I, I, I was sort of silent when you talked about 
you know, w- what a good show that Jonichi put up, you know, and that he was trying to, you know, put on a good fight with, you know, Kogane and, and Jam or whatever. But to, to me in this equation, like, and, and, you know, I guess it'll, it'll speak to your defense, but in this equation, you know, Chip is essentially Piccolo. Uh, Michi is essentially Gohan in DBZ Movie 9, and Koda showing up is like the spirit of Goku showing up to help, you know, Gohan in Movie 9. Like, this really, really feels yeah. like like a, a, a DBZ movie, and it's like all these guys really, they, it's like they put in their best effort, they're putting their best foot forth, but nobody can really do shit until Goku shows up. You know, and it's like, it, it, it feels like that here where it's like we're we're going under reconstruction we really want to like save the day without bothering coda and it's like magically at the end it's kind of like coda shows up and is like dude mitchy we will beat him together you know and it's like and it's like basically like you know it's like albino coda is here to save the day and be like a, a deus ex machina you know and and kind of you know you know and it's like you know i get it it's kind of you know, like they, you yeah. know, basically they, you know, Coda turns into, you know, Kiwami arms and is tossing Michi the old school, you know, orange slice of justice sword. So for me, that's kind of like, look, he forgives him. Like this is this is a path to Michi, you know, really redeeming himself, you know, fighting the good fight and all this stuff. And you know, they they you know go after, uh, you know, Common Rider Jam and. Yeah. and and then, thank God that Cody turns into Kiwami. God, I was like, yay, he turns into something I actually like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, they 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 do uh, finally uh, put down Kugane as as in his jam form. He he's no longer in the girl. He's just jam. Yeah, and it's like it's like it's like when they do that, they're playing the the theme song of the show. You know, I mean, it's got that kind of familiar feel to it. You know, and everything. Yeah, it's, it's a nice callback after after the battle. Cody and Michi actually have a moment where. Koda's like, you know, he doesn't even bring up the past. He's like, dude, we're always going to be friends. You know, it's like, the past is the past. You're always going to be my friend. And I'm like, dude, Koda, you're too nice. <laughs> and like, remember that time well, you killed me? Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, but it's like, that's what he said to him before he killed him, too. So, I mean, if if, if anything, yeah. Koda is, is consistent, you know? Yeah, true. Before they leave, my uh, shows up with Koda. And they replant the uh, sacred tree of Zawami. The, the, remember the one that they kept talking about, her and Kaito, that they would dance under and stuff? Um, we get a nice little moment. I actually, I, I didn't tear up, but this kind of hit me in the feels. Uh, two boys see the tree being planted, and they show it to the girl, who was actually the one who was possessed by Kogane. And it's their sister. And they're like, you know, this this has got to be a good good thing. This is good luck. Is that, start, is, that, uh, is, that, is that the same girl? I think it's like the sister of that, that girl. Uh, okay. I think, I don't know. And they start dancing under it. And immediately, like, you know, unless you're dense, you know, your first thing is like, oh, it's the new Kaido, Koda, and mine. You know, that's what you kind of get the feel. That's what I got from it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because the one little boy is in, you know, like I'm always fond of saying, like a flannel shirt. The other little boy is kind of in a black vest and a red, red shirt, you know, which is kind of evokes, you know, a Team Baron, you know, uh, Kaido kind of feel. And then the, the little girl is, you know, you know, in no makeup whatsoever and is in like this pure white dress and everything. And, and clearly they know the, you know, like the spiritual dances and everything. And they're saying, Hey, what, what's with this? You know? And it's like, Hey, it just sprung out of the ground like the other day or whatever. And it's like, you, you get the vibe, like that's in some ways, this is 
this is part of Kaito's legacy. I mean, even though they still have the, this kind of philosophical argument, you know, going back and forth, like him and Mai, you know, they're kind of talking about, well, you know, they could still they could still end up destroying each other again. Like the bad things could still happen. And you know, Mai's answer yeah, that, that my, is, my kind well, of spirit is here, by the way. Yeah, and 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 Mai's kind of like, well, yeah, that that could happen, but they'll pick themselves up again, and they'll keep going, and everything will be hunky dory, and that kind of thing, and. You know, and and basically, you know, again, it's like bro fist. You're pretty strong for a, you know, for a dancy spirit chick, and uh, you know, and 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 Coda goes yeah, off and ghosts away, I guess, and and yeah, then kind of leaves, yeah. And then and then Coda and Mai show up and go off to be Adam and Eve, you know, conceivably happily ever after. So yeah, turning uh this yeah kind of deserty planet. The last time we see is it turning blue and green like a real you know. Uh, populated world. So that is the official, official, official ending of Common Rider Guy. Um, this was, like I said, this is an epilogue. Uh, for me, uh, this was this was totally Mitchy's story. This was him, like, trying to get redemption. Uh, this was also, like, you know, touching base with, like, some of our favorite characters, seeing where they're at right now. Um, as far as I know, there's still now two troopers, I mean, not two troopers, two, two riders. There's still Ryugan, which is Michi, and I don't think the Kurokage, did the Kurokage seed get destroyed? I think he's still kicking around, right? I think, yeah, I think it's still around, yeah. Yeah, so so we we, we still have Chip, so that's kind of cool. Um, uh, So, yeah, I mean, it, this was, it wasn't needed. It was, you know, just kind of like, you know, and it, it, I think people like these characters so much, and this show was very popular that they just you know made another episode they're like i i feel like this is probably a tradition with common writer stuff because i mean like i said i haven't seen enough series to their completion to be an expert or anything but you know i this is my second common writer series that i've seen to completion and the first was common writer drive which is the series that follows this and in to me they it, it both, had an epilogue too didn't it? they the, yeah they they both kind of had like the the finale episode and there was uh you know an epilogue episode that followed that where you know it's like oh this is after the big fight and kind of gets you up to speed on the characters a little bit after you know the 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 series sort of you know officially concludes its you know, basically it's climax and everything like this. You know, they, 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 they all seem to have a denouement episode, you know, for, for, or, yeah. or, you know, an epilogue episode, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, where it's like, oh, okay, this is kind of like the, the, this is the, you know, you know, basically the, the, it's so hard to say goodbye, <laughs> you know, to Common Rider Drive or what, whatever it is, well, you know, you know well, I, I think the reason they do, I think the reason they do these epilogues is so, when you have those big finales and, you know, you have people who die, like, you know, armored riders who die, or you have the main character who, like, you know, like, I'm done being a common rider. Like, in this episode, we saw that Koda can show up and still be Kawami Arms. It's not impossible. So, and we see that there's still Ryukin. We still see that there's, like, you know, these characters who are active. And I think that that's also marketing. So, like, you know, for the next series, like, when they do their big tie-in movie, they could be like, yeah, these guys are still alive. They're still around, so they could be in the next movie. So I think there's also that. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's that. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to spoil too much, but there's, there's been some interesting ways 
that, you know, I, I, I wasn't trying to spoil myself on the end of this series, but having watched uh, a number of the Drive movies, I was actually surprised by a number of the cameos that were, you know, all they were were cameos, but that featured yeah, members of, of the Gaim cast and everything. And, you know, they, they have clever ways of, of, you know, addressing why those those guys show up, whether they're, you know, uh, you know, long past from this world or not. You know what I mean? So so I you know, and, and it's nothing that's overly troublesome or problematic, you know, so I think. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, but I, I mean, I agree with you that, you know, yeah, they, they, they would still like to perpetuate, you know, uh, the, the continued, uh, um, I don't know what the right word is, the, the continued use and, and proliferation of those characters in, in, in other, you know, media yeah. and sales and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the series may be over, but we, we can bring these guys back at any time. Um, I, I would say like for me, this epilogue, if I if I take it just by itself, I, I'm going to give it like a three and a half pineapples. Not because I, I didn't like it. it. It was totally fine. And the fights were actually pretty good. Actually, like I said, I, I mean, I know what you were saying about Chip being Piccolo. But hell, Chip wasn't even Piccolo, like for a long time. He actually got to be Piccolo at least this time for a long time. He was just no, 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 that, so. that's why I was saying it probably, it probably went to uh, assist your point, um, you know, because... Chip more than likely in this series was more, you know, Krillin or Yamcha. You know what I mean? And and at this yeah. point he was actually he was actually Piccolo. Like he actually had some power to make a difference, whereas like all the other guys, you know, Takatora and, you know, Charmont Bakery Man and all this you know, like these guys, <laughs> I mean, like you said, you know, I mean you, you you're trying to be nice to them, but yeah, I mean they, they, they tried to put up a good front and fight these guys without any powers, but you know, like you said, he kind of swatted them around because they they had no they had no power. So it's like the the guys that actually you know made an effort to actually halting this guy's designs were you know Jonichi and Michi basically until and you know until Coda shows yeah. up pull their fucking asses out of the fire. You know, yeah, and Coda totally yeah totally is Goku. He totally comes in and, and does the the whoop ass. Um, and also, not only that, but I mean, being an epilogue, as I said, you don't really have to watch this. You can, you won't be like pissed off you did. It's not a waste of 22 minutes. I mean, don't get me wrong. There, there's no, it's not really fill or anything. You, if you like these characters, especially, you're like, oh, that's what, you know, Charmant Guy is doing. Oh, Michi and Takatora are trying to like be brothers. It's like not, you know, going great, but they're, they're, they're forming a bond and they're, you know, like it, th- that kind of stuff is, is good if you're a fan of the series. And I would say if you're a fan, watch the entire series up to this episode, and you'll be happy with, like, this epilogue. If you're just kind of, you think Gaim is okay, and you didn't, like, you know, you just watched it because you're a common Rider fan as a whole, you can take or leave the epilogue. But, yeah, I, I think it's a solid 3.5, which is still above average. Yeah, we're, uh, again, I guess we're we're super, super secret brothers, because I, I gave this a 3.5 pineapples as well. I mean, you know, I... I I I do think me calling it a DBZ movie is a little derogatory, you know, because it was just like one of those things where it's like, oh, <laughs> you mean you mean after Coda's left, like these guys can't handle the shit them on their own? But you know, like I guess that was that was also to give you some additional sort of follow up on you know Coda and uh, or uh, uh, 
uh, yeah, Coda and Mai going off to planet happy, happy or whatever, you know, like, so it's like, okay, fine. You know, like that's, that's cool. You know, it's like, I, I, you know, it's like, it, it, it kind of gives, I, I mean, I think if anything, like, I think, I think the most important part of this, if you watch the last 46 episodes is kind of that, that extra sequence that we see in the credits, you know, with, with Kaito and Mai and then Kota and Mai like that, that seems to me like yeah. if, if you were going to skip over this epilogue episode, you would just tack that scene onto the end credits of episode 46. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, otherwise, fine. otherwise, like, I, I don't think any of this is like, you know, essential, but I mean, you know, I, I think the epilogue episodes are fine. I mean, I, you know, like I said, it's it's above average. I mean, it's cool to see that Mitchie's trying to redeem himself. I mean, I know, you know, that that may, you know, bring up ire from people who, uh, you know, probably, you know, still hate the guy's guts and maybe don't think he's he's uh, redeemable or, or don't think that that's something that he deserves or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, it's like, to me, it's like, okay, baby steps, man. You know, like one thing at a time, you know, he's trying. So I, that's all I can say about him. You know, it's like, that's, you know, I mean, obviously he doesn't, he doesn't think he's the greatest thing ever. He doesn't think he's such hot shit. And that's the first step in sort of ta- taking that yeah, back, we're you know, yeah. so. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong, like, when I call Mitchie an asshole, I stand by that, but I am not in any way, like, you know, unwilling to give him a chance as a character. I'm not saying, like, he's, he's written off, you know, it's just, just for that time period, he was an asshole, it's just, you know, he, he but hey, it takes it takes a big man to realize that you're an asshole, and then try to fix it, so, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't give him any, uh, I have no uh, disparaging remarks to, to the idea of Mitchie redeeming himself and trying to become like the hero he was. So, yeah, that, that's totally fine. That's nothing that makes me sad. Um, I'm, I guess an overview of the entire series is in order. I'm not going to give it a rating because we, we've already given you ratings. You, you know how we feel about each episode, so it, it feels kind of uh, cheap to give it an overall rating. But I will say Kamen Rider Gaim is a really enjoyable series. Um, if you've been listening, I think Derek has maybe once given a, a show a below-average rating. So, one show. I mean, that's pretty good. It's it's enjoyable. The uh, fight scenes are more often than not, you know, way above average. Just a lot of good, you know, kung fu like, you know, uh, toku uh, powered up goodness. You know, you just have all these cool stuff. The designs are great. A lot of people, you know, I, I remember reading, you know, like fruit. That's stupid. But, man, look at those designs, man. They're just so, like, ornate and beautiful. They really do look like modern-day samurai fighting each other. And you forget their fruit after a while. You forget, like, you know, except when they say, oh, Mr. Banana and stuff like that. You're like, oh, yeah, they they are based on fruit, you know. And I think more importantly and, like, the most, like, successful thing about the series is the characters. You really like the characters. And with this very cast of armored writers – you know, like Derek, you know, he has his favorite, like Kaido, and he likes Takatora. I also like Takatora. I also like Orin. We both love, uh, you know, Koda for who he is. And, you know, we, we make fun of Chip and Dale, but we like him, you know, just because we yeah, think it's on in, him. It's in, it's in good fun. I mean, it's not it's not like uh, I'm, we're making fun of them because we, we can't stand them. It's just, it's in good fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I would highly recommend at least trying time. If you watch the first five episodes and you don't like it, you're probably not going to like it. Personally, I think if you watch the first five episodes, you're going to fall in love with it like Derek did and, and just plow through it. Like Derek had told me a couple of times, 
he had to fight watching it, and he was only fighting watching it because he wanted to see more, and he, he was trying to keep the spoilers free. He was trying to watch it as we did the reviews. So that should say something. I mean, anything else you want to say about Derek? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this, I mean, for all intents and purposes, like, this is my, you know, gateway, you know, into Common Rider, pretty much. I mean, I was... I, I was really hesitant, kind of like Doctor Who, you know, there, there's the aspect to it that you have to get over that it's foreign. You know, there's the aspect that you kind of have to get over, just like with Doctor Who, that it's got this long and varied history, you know, and, and there are series dating back to the 70s. With Doctor Who, it's like a ser- you know series dating back to the 60s, you know, and stuff like that. And if you've never seen any of it, you know, it's like one of these things where people say, oh, try Tennant, try Matt Smith or whatever. And it's like invariably you try one of those things, you get into it, and and if you're really adventurous and and you know kind of ostentatious, you know you you basically go into the back catalog and watch everything you can get your hands on. Now I'm gonna say for Common Rider and both Doctor Who, it's like one of those things where. I've seen a lot now, you know, and, and it's like, have I seen every single series? Hell no. But you know what? I, I, I may, I may at least try to, you know, start watching new series and stuff like that. Like I said, I think, I think in me waiting to, uh, watch episodes of Gaim, you know, as we recorded them and stuff, I sort of fueled my excitement for Gaim into other series. And I know some people, you know, when they first started watching Drive, they had a tough time getting into it. But I think because I was waiting on Gaim, you know, essentially to, you know, record podcasts with yourself and everything, I sort of funneled some of that excitement of, oh, shit, what happens next in Gaim? I can't wait to watch this. Oh, wait, I got to wait until we podcast next. What am I going to do? And I sort of refocused that excitement into watching other shows, you know? So it was like I watched some episodes of Forza. You know, I watched basically the entire series of Drive, you know? So it's like, and and I grew to really, really like that show. So, I mean, you know, in, in that sense it's like you know i'm grateful you introduced me to this you know i got to check out some of the classic common rider stuff even though i haven't seen the entire series and you know watching a lot of these movies has made me appreciate like all kinds of errors of common rider and i don't think i'm gonna be as adverse to you know basically i'm over the whole it's foreign and there's a whole lot of it so i'm scared yeah. to, to jump onto it like i've gotten past <laughs> yeah. that point with both you know, Doctor Who and Common Writer, so we can save that for like for some other genre that's out there that's left you know, some stone I haven't unturned where it's it's extensively long and and, and has a big giant history and it's foreign. If if we can find something else like that that I can be scared of, maybe we'll 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 do that. But, you know, like it's kinda like for for these, you know, it's like I I definitely enjoyed the series. I mean and, and and like I said, there's there's lots of fun fights, there's lots of you know, there's lots of pretty ladies, there's, you know, all kinds of cool, you know, designs and 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 suits and and different things like that. There's lots of fun crossovers and side movies and and things like that. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I sort of enjoy the franchise as they have it set up now. I mean, you know, I know, I know sometimes yeah. you can watch a series for a long time. You can be involved in things like comics and, and, and sci-fi and everything. And you can kind of get a little, 
jaded and bitter when you've been following something for so long. But I guess in this sense, I have the advantage of coming to this franchise with new eyes. And you know what? I'm not quite so jaded about all the episodes. So, I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe yeah. as I as I keep going and watching different series, I'll get I'll get more and more jaded and have my own opinions <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But but I mean, for this, it's like I, I, I think it was fun to come to this as, you know, as a new viewer. And, you know, I feel like now I'm starting to get, you know, a little more um you know, experienced into that, into this common Rider franchise. And, you know, it, it's made me, settled in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's made me branch out into fun things like, you know, some of the figure arts figures and different things like that. So, I mean, you know, and it's, it's kind of like one of those things where you're like, oh, wow, you know, what, what else, you know, can I expose myself to now? You know, maybe there's fun video games to play now that I know a little bit more about this or fun manga to read now that I know a little bit more about this. And I'm sure there's like all kinds of cool stuff to uh to check out once you have a little bit of foreknowledge about the franchise. So I mean I, I think this was a great introductory show. I mean I'm glad I waited to to watch it and record the episodes with you. And um you know and I totally would recommend that that if you know this is something you I mean it's funny to say but if you're listening to this episode but I mean if you're if you're on the fence about checking it out or you haven't checked it out, I mean I definitely would recommend watching it and that, you know, basically, I, I, I kind of look at it as, you know, it's like, you, 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 I think, I think what Tony says is true, though. I mean, I think, I think if you give it a shot and watch, you know, a number of episodes, you'll know whether this is for you, and you can get past whatever sort of imaginary obstacles you put up in your way to sort of checking this out, you know, and, and you'll know by the first five or so episodes if you can get over that or not, whether it's, you know, these guys look like fruit and that's ridiculous or whether it's the fact that it's foreign or whether it's the fact that, you know, it's it's this big, long historical franchise and you're like, if I watch this, then I'm going to have to watch them all and I don't want to do that or, you know, whatever, whatever your whatever your hang up is, if you can get past it within the first five episodes, I think you'll be on board. So that's that's basically what I'd say for for this series. Yeah, I, I will say like just one addition is uh, one of the things I've really enjoyed about doing the series is how as we've gone along, you've gotten more excited for episodes, and and that's all I can ask for is like I, I'm glad you wanted to check it out in the first place, but that you genuinely became a fan of like the show that like that just that made me happy. You know, that's just like one of those things where it's like, oh man, I introduced my friend to something new, and not only did he like you know not mind doing, you know, reviews with me. He actually really got into it and enjoyed it. So that, there's nothing else I can ask for on that. Yeah. I mean, that's always, that's always a fun thing to share something with a, with a good buddy and then, and then have them like it, you know, just as much as you do. So yeah, I, I appreciate you, you know, filling me in on this and sort of twisting my arm, you know, cause, cause I, I think I was, <laughs> I was that guy who was like, Oh man, like common writer, it's Japanese and it's, it's got a long and varied history, and I don't know if I want to jump into it. It's been around. I know what's for like, going on. It, yeah. It's been around for like thirty or forty years, and you know, like that kind of thing. So, so I, I, I do appreciate the nudge. So, no problem, no problem. You guys have definitely nudged for too. Um, just to let you know, though, listeners, just because the series is over, like I said, this is the official end of the series proper. Uh, Gaim is not over yet. Project um, uh, for the podcast. Um, I, I guess I can go ahead and spoil what they are. I'm not going to spoil what we're going to do for them, but we do have the uh, Gaiman Drive movie, which we're going to be doing, and it was uh, announced last year and sorry, aired uh, 
there's a another Diamond movie coming out, like I uh, hinted at earlier, featuring Knuckleman and Common Rider Duke. So we'll get to see our good friends Ryoma and Zach yet again in their armored form. So we're not done yet. We're uh, we're sadly done with the show proper. Like I said, it's bittersweet. But we still got some more guide coming your way. Um, also, uh, as far as introducing Derek into new things, I hope you guys turn into Fan Hole Soap Opera Sundays, where we're going to do the entire 40-year run of Days of Our Lives. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we're not doing that. Um, but uh, we are going to be still doing our regular shows, like Transformer Tuesdays, Mobile Suit Mondays. We are still working on Saturdays. We, of course, as always, have the most proper podcast. We've been doing a lot of fun shows on that. Um, got a couple of cool movie things lined up this year. I'm pretty sure you know the superhero movies that are coming out. We're going to be covering those in our special way. So I hope you uh, look forward to those. Um, as always, if you want to get a hold of us, we have our email at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We have the uh, blog spot where you can find us at, you know, and we have the Podbean. We also, of course, have many ways you can find us on social media. We have a Twitter. We have a Tumblr. We have Instagram. We have the Facebook. You know, we have all these ways you can uh, reach out and let us know if you if you like listening to Guy. A lot of you have been in contact with us. Not only have some in contact with us, but you've jumped on board to help us out. Uh, thanks so much during this uh, series. You know, to guys like Tom Vanover and, you know, Luke Jacanetti for jumping on board and helping us do this big, huge guy project. Without you guys, it would not have been possible. You know, besides that, we're also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. So if you if you have a mobile device, you can listen to us on the go. Listen to us on the train. Listen to us on the bus. Listen to us when you're taking a jog. We have so many ways that you can get a hold of us, so many ways you can listen to us. We enjoy everything. We enjoy all the feedback. We enjoy all the views, all the listens, all the likes. And until then, we sign off. This is Tony, and I guess one last time, Orange Blossoms to the stage. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Take care, guys. Peace. And she is possessed by Kugane. Remember her? <laughs> uh, she was the uh, girl that uh, was, you know, the the friend of uh, Takatora when he was young. And, you know, she she had gotten rather butthurt about how his family treated her and stuff and tried to kill him. Um, so is that, is that had, wait, before we go any further, is that who that is? I thought Kugane was the guy from the movie. Is it Kogani the guy? It's been a while since I watched this. I think I oh, let me crap. double check. I, might I, think, we'll have to edit I, that. I just no 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 no, it's fine. I I mean it's not a big deal. I just want to make sure. I mean I know I know you were thinking like girl, girl, but I think Yeah. I, I, I just want to make sure because that was my understanding. <laughs> yeah, because for the images, Kogan Kogane is the um is the guy from the he was originally he armored was rider. It, it, yeah, it was from our. He was originally armored rider Mars. So he was the guy in the soccer movie. Okay, well we'll edit that and we'll we'll because remember we'll, in the, let me remember, redo that. No, that's fine. But in in the soccer movie, in, in the soccer movie that was 
that that was why those um, bugs were there too, because that was that was all oh, part yeah, of the yeah, yeah. movie and stuff. So so if you want to if you want to, I, I, I think I yeah, I, I think I was going off also the fact that they were wanting to beat up Mitchie and all them, and it was like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been yeah. a while. I didn't, I didn't rewatch this, so it's right, been a minute. Right, so. that, that okay, thing. no, okay. I, I I get it. It's an easy mistake to make. I just wanted to correct it. But if you wanna if you wanna sort of redo it, yeah, well, that's fine with me. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't see him like the night we did the show, but ever since then, you've been, yeah, dark guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's just a Skype thing. Yeah, it must be a Skype. But, yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm horrible cosplayer, Coda. I, I mean, and this is no spoiler because I'll say it when we get to it, too. But uh, everything in Gaim, I think that's the silliest outfit. It just looks so, I don't know. It just has a, a, a small hint of like, whoa, we ran out of money. <laughs> mm. Or it might just be a bad design. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I think the wig throws me. Yeah, you know, like, they they could have done something, but... It probably was the idea, like he's like, I ain't, I ain't spray painting my hair, you know, like, like, and then, yeah. and then, and then, I think Mai's wig looks better than his, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my, like, uh, I don't know if she looks great, but she definitely looks a lot better than Coda. So, yeah. He he's got that weird vibe of like when they used to do that sketch on the state where they had, um, they they had it's like. Uh, the, the the families had like albino servants or whatever. And it was like it was like, hey, this is my albino, and he's like lifting weights, and then and then he's like, this is my albino, and he's lifting like a lot more weight, and the other albino feels insecure. <laughs> like that's what it reminds me of. It just it's like it's albino Kota or something, you know. We've got like yeah. fucking eight files. But you know, I'm not. I'm not going to edit this for a long time. So, but I mean, oh, yeah, it, it looks like. It, I mean, I know we the, we have audio for all of them. I may just stop this one real quick and double check. But I think we're good. So this is going to be like a long ass episode. It's going to be like fucking 15 hours or something. But we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Well, probably more like three, but still, yeah. 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 Well, I don't know, man. This was. This right now is clocking at two hours, and some of the other ones were an hour and an hour and little stretches of, like, three and 15 and 10 minutes and 20 minutes. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if this is, like, a fucking, <laughs> fucking, uh, you know, like, like, you're like, and now we should, like, do a joke. And now an intermission, <laughs> like, relieve your bowels and, you know, check if your well, children I are mean, still alive. <laughs> make sure your heart is still beating.